in a world where hard drives rule and floppies are superfluous. One man. One legend. One old fart dared to learn the floppy and took the brunt of jokes. Then... All hard drives and SSDs died, but the floppy survived. And the only man who knew floppies became a legend once more. Floppy Life, the David Ladd story. This summer, straight to YouTube. The Coco Nation Show is an unscripted, live, and interactive broadcast. Anything can and will happen. The views and opinions expressed by members of the panel and the live audience are their own, and not necessarily those of the Coco Nation Show, its sponsors, affiliates, or subsidiaries. Open minds are encouraged, and a sense of humor is recommended. Thank you for being a part of the Coco Nation. Radio Shack. Okay. What? The 80s called. Welcome to the Coco Nation. The world's first live and interactive talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer and its hardware cousins. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 330 of the Coco Nation Show. It's How dark, man. Doing? Yeah, I'm not sure why I'm dark. The backlighting, I think, from your window. Probably too light, too too bright, huh? Yeah. Well, I can't turn down the sun. <laughs> <laughs> you can turn your camera. Yeah, I'll slide it over here a little bit. There you go. Oh, hey. no, there you are. The face. Oh, better. Go back. Go back. Come back. All, all, all I did was move it six inches on the top of the monitor here. Right. Yeah. Amazing. So, um so first probably first thing i want to say is uh this show dedicated to uh uh brian joyce uh who uh passed away this week so with that out of the way um panel introductions top corner yours truly next up we got terry stiggy back from his lengthy honeymoon <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome to the show. And Ron Delvo. Yes, and I'm looking up the word superfluous on my other computer here, and I've not found a good answer yet. Maybe it has to do with, uh, I don't know, something. Okay. Uh, Rick Uland. 
you know, I could be so frivolous, but I'm evenly lit. So, oh, <laughs> there you go. Okay, that's super luminescent. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, next up, L. Curtis Boyle. Welcome to the show, everyone. I will mention uh, we will be talking about Brian Joyce and his contributions to the Cocoa community uh, later in the show, uh, right at the start of the news. So uh, there'll be more talking about him too. But uh, well, yeah, we'll miss him. Okay. And next up, uh, our special guest today, Charlie and Mark from Portacoco.com. Yeah. Hi, everyone. Hello. We'll swing back to you guys here in a little bit. Next up, Alan. Happy Coco Catterday, everybody. Catterday. Okay. Uh, Next over, Kevin Holloway. Hello, everybody. Hello. Okay. Uh, next up, uh, David Ladd. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. Arr. Okay. <laughs> next over, Hi, matey. <laughs> Mark Overhoser. Hello, glad to be here as usual. Okay, and then Nick Marentes. Hey, everyone. Uh, how come I'm not on the bottom of the list now? I'm on the bottom of the planet. I'm usually on the bottom of the list, too. It looks like your, sale, your sales are up. Uh, <laughs> we've upped your ranking with the show. And and it's yeah. Pong now. It, it, it has nothing to do with Neutron. Now I'm on the bottom there. again. How's that? That's <laughs> better. Now I feel at home. And I can, I can get off standing off on my head. All right. Now that I rearranged the screen, Ken Waters. <laughs> For the last time from my log cabin, next week I'll be back in the 21st century. Okay. <sighs> and Jason, CocoMan.biz. Why, hello, everyone. Ooh. Okay. Uh, Brian Weasler. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the show and happy pumpkin spice everything right now. So. Okay, and up in the chat, we've got, uh, let's see, besides the panelists, uh, well, Mark Siegel. Hey, which Hello, means Mark. Facebook is actually working. Amazing. Um, I'm a meditation. Is that how they pronounce that? And Tom Eric Gunderson. Uh, J.E. Jones. Scott Cooper. Hello, everybody. Thanks for joining us. All right. Curtis, take it away. Okay, so we have some special guests today. And if anybody was at uh, Coco Fest this past April, they probably recognize them. That's Charlie and Mark from Porta Coco. And they're actually broadcasting from outside in good weather here. So I'm kind of jealous because we still have some smoke over here where I am. So. So welcome to the show. I know we've been planning this for a while. And uh, I, I'm i not going to do a full interview. I will ask you a couple questions that we ask everybody, but I'll, we'll save an interview for later, like a proper one. But um, just wondering for, for both of you, how did how did you guys get into the cocoa? And when? How old were you type thing? Uh, he was like 10 and I was like 7. Yeah, that's right. I was around 9 or 10 years old and... Saved up all summer picking cucumbers. I lived out in the country and I saved enough for half of it. 
And my parents paid for the rest, and I got myself a Coco 2 with a mounted keyboard and a cassette cord. And uh, since then, I've loved the Cocos, went through all the way to the Coco 3, and then moved on to other computers after that. But I always loved uh, the Coco. I always was uh, a fan. And around maybe 10 years ago, I started back. I went online, noticed a couple shows, a couple things, and started buying again. And as soon as Charlie got old enough, he asked for his own Coke. And that's, Two. And that's where his story came. Uh, the Porto Coco idea came from as well. Okay. So did you manage to keep one of your Cocos the whole time, or did you get rid of them all and you had to keep back into uh, it from scratch? All and then he just like in 2017 he got his first Coco too, and then got free. Yeah, uh, I didn't have tons of money, so I actually sold them all to my cousin. My uncle saw how uh, good the computer was to me and how excited and how much I was learning, so he wanted it for my younger cousin. So handed every single thing I had off, but uh, had a kept a couple rainbows and a couple other little nostalgia, but I've pretty well been able to recapture everything and purchase it all slowly over time. Oh, good. And then I guess um, for both of you again, like you said, you basically got into it because you always had the nostalgia. What, what got your son into it? Like, uh, and, and the fact that he's also into this hardware side of things, which I mean, normally for younger kids, it's usually like games, 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 games type thing. For us now, it's YouTube yeah, and games. <laughs> and now, I just saw him using it, and I was like, and then I tried one of the games of the week. I liked it, and then I said, Dad, get me my own Coco. <laughs> and he, he is a hardware guy. He's trying to tear everything apart, understand every single operating system. He's more interested in how the things work than actually doing things with it. So, uh, so I think that's pretty uh, well every hardware guy's here's uh, experience too. Not mine because I wasn't a hardware guy, but I'm sure well, Rick and some of you other hardware people that you you pretty well started the same way, didn't you? Not taking things apart and trying to figure out how things worked. Exactly. Yeah, he loves the software too. So he's uh, he's every type of operating system he has. It don't each other. Uh, not every kind, but like. I've got most of the, I've read most of the articles about it. Wikipedia. Yeah. I got a question for Mark. Yeah, go ahead. Sure. Mark, <clears throat> do you have other kids in school that have uh, old machines like you have? Do they have any interest now since you're into it? Oh, he's talking to you, Uh, Is he talking No, Lily? No, he's talking about do any kids at school have different computers? They all have apples. They have like Apple, Windows, and Chrome. No olds. No I'm retro stuff. I'm probably the only kid who's ever gone to Coco Fest. Yeah, I live around here. Yeah. Anything you I have like. A fan bike? What was that, Nick? Was that? Do you have a fan base? Do people follow you around? The girls come running after you and. <laughs> You know, he's a he's a retro guy. <laughs> Recognize you in the grocery store and 
Ah, oh, really? Oh, well, that's <laughs> my problem too. <laughs> <laughs> well, Charlie thinks he's famous. He's now no. been on Coco Nation, so he's... I've been on Coco Nation a few times with the picture slideshow. Oh, yeah. He watches your show continuously, and he's excited every time he sees himself on the bottom corner as well. <laughs> <laughs> We're sorry. So, so you do play some games, you said, though? Like, you've, you've like Cubix and uh, I don't know what else do I play. Uh, plays- Neutroid, of course. Uh, I don't know if he's tried that one yet. He will. Oh, and the Halloween like thing where you go around and you have to that game of the week. I don't know what it's called. Oh, um, Ghost Rush. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I like a- that. So, Charlie, did you want to uh, explain how we got to the, the Port of Coco? Uh, okay. Okay, let's yeah, We're going to transition over to the next area. Is that okay, Curtis? Yep, yeah, go ahead. Oh, one Here's the next area. Wait, 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 switch camera. Just let me do it on top of the towel. No, Charlie. <laughs> okay. Charlie, come down, come down. Okay. Now. <laughs> okay, so one of the reasons was my mom, I play cubics a lot. My mom tells me to go outside and touch glass. So, <laughs> so he took it outside. <laughs> Fantastic. That's a smart kid. You got it. My dad, if I Footy stuff, can you build it? And he was like, Yeah. And then I paid for all of this. And then he was like, Oh. And then I got a, the stock Porta Coco kit with Coco DV, a four amp battery, an upgraded 6309 processor, drive wirelessly, internal drive wire, and upgraded 12 volt power supply. Then he got jealous. <laughs> He made his own, but without the screen. The wire free, Coco free. No wires. I can go. I can go like. Uh, no dropping. <laughs> <laughs> he added a, an OG. Is that supposed to? I don't know. Okay. So yeah. let's talk a little bit more about yours. Okay. Do you want to turn yours on? The big, the button in the back. You got it. This has a 11 inch HD monitor made in China. And it's now just loading up. And if you see, I can like type in random stuff. Let me restart it so I can get the cocaine. So the key part about this is it is. A wire for it's a wireless system running off a Ryobi battery. The Ryobi battery drives both the display and you, you can walk anywhere with it. And you, he has <laughs> flexibility to come and to sit on the grass. And now, when his mom says go outside, he can go outside. If he has to, he can go to his tree house to play. <laughs> oh, it nice is. tree house. Yeah, that's why the Coco, Porta Coco hasn't been finished yet because 
all summer we've been building a brand new treehouse. And for the him. And his dome here. But so the key part, so this is the Coco 2 version. This is Charlie's computer. And just as he was saying, it is a souped up version. It's got everything. We got the Coco DV in there. It's got the 6309. We got some of Sloopy's products in there. The monitor is a 12 volt. Both of those are, everything is driven off the battery. And the other key thing is there's no modifications to the case. Yeah, that was one of the things at the fest that really surprised me because we've, we've seen some other you know, hacks of people putting batteries and keyboards and monitors, but usually they've had to modify the case in some way to do that. And you guys didn't. You guys actually designed it in such a way that it's pristine. Yeah, exactly. And we got some uh, examples on the wire free here okay. charlie has worked on a couple things he wanted to show you oh, guys yeah. okay. yeah, all of them okay. all of them all of them okay okay <laughs> yeah, yeah. he was number one <laughs> Wait. number two number three i didn't know he had his passport ready <laughs> Number four. Nick, you should recognize I, that. Uh, I, thought no, looked, there you go. I thought he looked familiar. <laughs> this is uh, near, right near us in Niagara Falls. Number six. Well, where do you live? Toronto. Oh. I, I lived in Rochester, which wasn't far. Oh, Charlie's favorite place. He's a strong Number museum. seven. Yep. Number eight. <laughs> Another <I> spell. <laughs> Number nine. So ten when you're in the cottage, no problem with it as well. Number ten. <laughs> Number eleven. So, so it can take you this. everywhere. Wait, we have a question in the chat here. Um, I know I was going to ask it myself, but Scott Cooper's asking, how long will the cocoa run off of one battery? And I think you have okay. different size batteries you can pick from too, right? There's different sizes from the Ryobi. So for the normal Ryobi, it would be like, for the 2 amp, it would be like 6 plus hours. And for like the 4 amp, that would be double that. So it really, it's really dependent. It's dependent so if on... So you got the lithium, it's just 6 hours or more. But if you got the lithium plus, which is 4 amps, it's... 12 hours. Uh, I imagine a bit less with the screen, if you're getting the screen up directly and stuff too, I imagine. Yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of variables. We're still, the original test we had done was on the wire-free cocoa, and that's what we'll all talk about next. So that's Charlie's. Charlie's is the Porta Coco. Okay. Uh, one, and where we've, at Cocoa Fest, we were able to present both that one as well as this was my personal computer. My computer is a wire-free Cocoa 3. It was Nitro OS Eve of You. <laughs> <laughs> I have one of those stickers, too. <laughs> so the, so the, well, the, the next question to ask is, uh, when you guys were developing this, did you uh, let any of the blue smoke loose? 
No, not at all. Not oh, at great. All. <laughs> uh, we were pretty, pretty careful on that. Uh, there's not a ton inside of modifications. Uh, we will, I'll kind of go through that shortly. But oh, the, present the Wild Flea now. Okay, do that. So sure. the Wild Flea Coco Flea has the Wild Flea Coco kit, which is this. It's the simplest kit that we've created. It's just, no, you can see it has something. You just screw this inside with a metal piece that you put inside. And you plug this into its power supply. And then you put the Ryobi battery in here and it has a power switch. But some people don't want their cocoa running on battery all the time. So that's why we made this cord you plug it in and on and it, it will work that way so you can plug in a 12 volt power supply from either your car cigarette lighter or from the wall so if you've converted it over and you don't want to be running off battery all the time we also have the option of running it off the wall and showing well. that this table we made entirely wire free so i'm going to turn on this Coco with an upgraded button. Okay, just and wait a sec, Charlie. Second, we got our screen back there. Did you plug in the receiver? Yep, you just gotta be patient. Here it's coming, Charlie. So you see that screen back <laughs> here? You see the Coco? Oh, yeah. And I'm away, and I'm making it move. <laughs> what's, what's the range on that, just out of curiosity? Like, how far away can you go away, like, away what? from the screen? To 150 meters. Um, I don't know that in feet. We're only metric here. But uh, <laughs> you said 150 meters? I think it's 150 to 300 feet is the uh, specs. But again, if you're that far away, you're not seeing the specs. Yeah, you can't see this. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, that would be Unless good to put, make uh, a Halloween. You put my iPad there and yeah. Inside the house, you're gonna need a stadium screen to see it that from that far away. There's an idea go to the Blue Jays stadium there and fire it up on their screen. Yeah, <laughs> I fired up my color computer on our church's uh 10 foot screen, it looked awesome. Oh, we do that in our basement, we have a projector, and that's what this one is for as well because we can just. Okay, right up to the okay. our big screen and downstairs. Come with me. Come sure. with me. I'm gonna carry this cocoa. The way this works is there was a receiver inside it. This has HDMI inside, and we put the receiver. This is the thing that receives the signal. You it's receiving it from your weight now, and this is the only bit of wires you might need. Don't need it. So what we will do next is we got some images of the inside to help explain what's going on. Just bear with me as I... Okay. As you're doing that, I was just going to ask, is there a bit, a bit of a lag between the keyboard and the screen? Like if you're playing a real fast, real-time game, is there okay. a little bit of a lag? Or? No, there, there really is. Uh, oh. Charlie's hidden lots of stuff. It's because <laughs> we, we were... it would be the exact same thing because it's plugged into HDMI. It's as fast as it's this thing is 
shoot into that thing, but if it's shooting at a good speed. So we, we play Pac-Man, we play all the games on it, and yeah, it's, it's as good as I am on a regular one, is as good as uh, as we are on this one. So, okay, cool. So here is a little background on, let's swap. <laughs> Here's a little background on the computer. So first thing is how it connects. And Charlie talked about that uh, a little earlier. On, on the back, it actually clamps on. And our next picture highlights. So the bottom, to open up the case, you take off three screws. And this actually holds it pretty tight. And we'll, we'll show you. You can actually hold the entire cocoa by the battery. And it's that strong. We actually utilize one of the uh, screw holes just as the indent for actually clamping it down even more so there's no movement. Once okay, you yeah, I can see it, kind of see it there. So, yeah. So, once you open up the case, the, the little yellow circles are highlighting exactly the four screws that hold it in. So, they go through the vent holes, and there's a little washer in the nut. You just tighten those up. And you're locked in. And you're not actually going through the plastic at any point in this? At no point. So it's completely reversible. You take those four off and, and you're, you're back to a regular, uh, regular Cocoa 3. And, and for the confused Americans in the crowd here, that wire mesh was unique to Canadian Cocoa 3s. <laughs> well, I was just yeah. going to say that. <laughs> yeah. So that's so no one would drop pennies into the <laughs> which was yeah, That's why we're poor. We couldn't collect all the free change. But anyway. And how, how much does this <laughs> slow down liquids? <laughs> None I, don't, I don't take any at all. None. <laughs> what we also have is uh, we got the fuse built in to uh, make sure there's no problems coming out of the battery. This is a look from the inside, taking the case off. As we get a little closer, this is the look of the power. So we actually take, you take the complete transformer out, you take the plug out, and what you have here is you have a quick connect. So if you want to take the case off and separate it completely, you can quick connect and pull the two wires uh, for the cover off. You also have your USB converter. So that converts the uh, 18 volt into USB, which then drives both the SCART converter as well as it drives your video sender. The key to this whole thing, and nothing would have been possible without Rocky Hill, and Rocky Hill building um, the, uh, the power converter that converts the cocoa to use DC power. No, the pepper so, board. The pepper board. So without the pepper board, nothing is possible. So I give all the congratulations and, and the credit to uh, Rocky for pulling that together. Seeing that, understanding of take voltage, that uh, piqued both Charlie's and, and my uh, ideas and creativity where we're thinking if it can run off 12 volts, it can run off a battery. So originally we were looking off buying a external uh, lithium battery. They just ended up costing more and more. It was going to be prohibitive. And that's when I was outside uh, building some stuff and I was holding my Ryobi battery. I got around six or seven batteries. I was like, wait a minute. This is a battery. Could this drive it? And that's where uh, the idea was, okay, with the pepper board, 
we can somehow rig this together. So that's what's driving it. The Ryobi batteries feeding in pepper boards, converting it to usable uh, power. And now your, your Coca can work. At the bottom, does, that, does this work on the Coca 1 as well? Like you've got Coca 2s and 3s you're showing here. I'm just wondering, does it work on the Coca 1s that had the. No, that pepper board does not work with the Coca 1 because, uh, yeah, there's Rocky could uh, give you a better explanation why, but it's only the 2s and 3s that it works with. Okay. So this is really the prototype. We've been working a, a lot on uh, cleaning this up and making it uh, work better. And we'll explain uh, the changes that we're making on the, on the future model. But you can see the, on the right is the SCART board, which is converting all the RGB into HDMI. And on the bottom left, that black thing is a video sender. Both of those are driven off USB, which is driven off the USB converter. That is where the transformer is. And this sits under the keyboard? That sits right under the keyboard. So let's back it up. So everything fits nicely under the keyboard. You have ventilation under there. Uh, also, the pepper board makes your computer run a lot cooler. So again, uh, the, uh, it, we've had no problem. I did the stress test. We're running it for six hours on a uh, one of the larger Ryobi battery, and no problem, no heat, no nothing uh, out of the normal. Do you do you have a way of knowing when the battery's getting low? Like, do the batteries themselves have a light or something like that? Or exactly. I don't think you got can... the wrong video. Oh, this one's off. Uh, there is actually on the battery. There's a gauge. You just press the button on the gauge, and it tells you are you 175, 25, or or getting close, and it'll okay. start flat. So you have a, that's your, your gauge of how much power you have left. That's why we didn't need to add anything like that onto the system. So here is how the prototype was uh, connecting into the, the video. So on the, the middle, the yellow is actually the reverse of the RGA port. So it's actually tapping in directly to the top side. And your RGA port, RGB port is still usable on the bottom. And on the top, that's uh, tapping into your composite uh, video, which is needed for the S cart. Because on the Coco 3, you have the opportunity, and there is a button on our, on our, our power device that allows you to pick between a composite or RGB. So you have that switch cool. on there. If you have your regular Coco 2 games running, you hit that one switch in the back and you're good to go. So this was the prototype. Curtis, I know you got problems with soldering. I'm not as bad as you, but I'm <laughs> no <laughs> Nobody's as bad as me. <laughs> I know. I, I agree on that. Uh, this is still tough. It is quite tough to, uh, to solder the, the four pins. That's why actually audio was coming out of the top. And because of that, this was not really a, a usable situation for people. So what our solution for that is, is we've sourced out longer pins. So you can see those two sets of five pins on the yellow on, on the right. Those actually 
you take out your current RGA 10-pin uh, port and you put those in. So now your top here where we had soldered, you actually can now plug in a 10-pin port to the top and to the bottom. Because of that, that then uh, reduces your complexity of soldering. It's just adding in the 10 pins, as well as the example above is for the pepperboard to work on a Coco 3, you have to change the socket. It's uh, the cur current salt chip is soldered in. You need a socket for the pepperboard. So to make this work, there's really two things. You got to uh, solder in a new chip for the salt board, and you got to solder in the header pins. After that, everything else is plug and play. So here's an example. So you can see on the bottom of the Coco 3, you can see the 10 pins. These are removed from the, when you unsolder right up on the, the top board where those wires are soldered, all 10 pins come out and you replace them with your uh, your yellow headers, which now give you a header on both ends. Do you have to still take the one pin out? See the one that's missing? You can do whatever you want. Uh, we probably will, as we go through it, we probably will have a, a pin in there so people won't, uh, or a pin taken out and a little glue in there so people don't uh, plug Look them upside in. Down. Yeah. yeah. So... We've gotten to that point where we figure that out. The last piece, there's two things still on our project uh, to do's. One of them is we're making a daughter board for the SCART board. So the SCART board, to make it work with HDMI, you actually have to have some resistors, you gotta have some capacitors, and this will also have the header, the same 10 pin header. So you're going to be going internally, you're gonna have a 10 pin cord that'll just plug into this, plug into that, and you'll be ready to go. I am not a circuit board guy, so this is my first attempt. I'm going to probably be reaching out on Discord to ask some people to take a look at what I did. Did I pick the right resistors? Did I do the right things? And then the idea behind this is also to simplify the construction of this. And I, this is not my job. This is uh, as far away from my Their job. Resistors as are looking possible. awful small. Pardon me? Uh, Those resistors look awful small. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's, this would be all pre-made. So this would those would be the coming from the manufacturer. Uh, did, did you try? Did you try and make yeah, it? So but, you yeah, have but, to try and make it so that uh, you can add a bodge wire somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I, I, I try not to do bodge wires yeah. as much as possible. So but I think it's a very simple circuit. It's not a very complicated circuit. The idea behind this is then you don't have to wire in all the resistors you don't have right. to wire in. Right. you don't have to worry about wiring into the scart board to that the less manual work the quicker this will actually be able to get to production and be able to have it out there so that's one part that we're going and as we went through this and as we were thinking about this so the front one here is the wireless coco the one in the back is charlie's coco the idea was not everyone's going to want the wireless sender. You might actually want a screen. So we're making this so it's actually an option of doing it wirelessly sending 
are actually putting a screen on the Coco 3. So just like we did on the Coco 2, we've made it so it's a modular type. You take out two screws, you slide the screen in, and you're ready to go. So what the one other challenge we found on Charlie's uh, computer is all the current screens that you can buy, one of their 12 volt, and two, they're all widescreen. So the Coco isn't widescreen. And it's being stretched on Charlie's computer. We don't want the stretched screen. So I've been able to source out through our friends in China 4.3 uh, HDMI screens. And we actually, that's the, the next idea is how do we get it? Get the video out. Fortunately, again, the no mod approach, there's space to bring your HDMI right out of the video space without any modifications. So instead of plugging in your sender, you don't need the sender, you can have the HDMI cord coming out as well as that secondary USB cord will be coming out the same place, plugging directly into the monitor and driving your monitor. So now you truly have a laptop Coco 3. Nice. So building on that, cool. What we've done and what uh, I've pulled together is all the CAD work has all been done for both the, the battery holder as well as for the monitoring holder. We're still working on the monitor portion because as the only uh, screens we're being able to get don't come in a case. So we're, we're building a case on that. And we've also sourced all the parts. So this is a toolbox just for the portable <laughs> with every... Uh, contraption in there. We have all the S-card uh, adapters. We got the pepper boards. We got the fuses. We got the switches. We got light switches. We got screens. But we got everything. It's really we're kind of in the the final stages. Summer is a uh, busy time, so uh, yeah. as fall comes, uh, we're gonna be less outside and more time to uh, pretty well finish this. Uh, well, since, since you've done this, uh, wouldn't it make sense for you to make your own uh, SDC card and uh, give me X? <laughs> you don't need a give me X. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Uh, so the the other idea behind this as well is if you have a give me X, you you don't need. Uh, you probably don't need. Oh, yeah, it has V8 VGA, yeah. right? But this yeah. is right now. We'd love to have a Gimme X, but uh, they are uh, unobtainable. Uh, so this is kind of our uh, our own uh, currently available solution. And the key thing on this as well is the battery power. You can take it with you if you're doing your long trip. I know Ken and Curtis, you guys are driving in for a day. You can plug it into your car. You got your screen. You got your Coco. As long as you're not driving, you're the passenger. Yeah, we don't need the GPS or anything running then. We pretty well know the route now. So, <laughs> Yeah, and, and, and you're set. So really, this is all driven from Charlie's. Charlie's idea of, I got to get outside. Mom's yelling at me. How do I get outside and still play games? So, Smart uh, kid. <laughs> so a question. Do you have a uh, bracket that will uh, handle uh, my uh, Ryobi battery? <laughs> that's a 40 volt 40 volt isn't <laughs> going to work well uh, 
I bet you get all day battery life out of that, though. <laughs> that will provide right. the smoke I was speaking of. There you go. <laughs> I like, I think the tool battery idea is just genius because you've got the balance charger and the cell, you know, the whole cell balancing overload protection, all free. Yeah. You don't have to inter- yeah. engineer all that stuff. And they're mass produced, so the cost is, is down. Right. Yeah. And you can Very go steal reasonable. your neighbor's battery when yours goes dead. Just go to his garage, <laughs> whip it off the weed whacker. <laughs> so, I, so on these yeah. batteries that you've been using, the, the two or, uh, ones that you have been showing us here, how long does it take to recharge yeah. those, just out of curiosity? Uh, like, I oh. don't know how long it is. Usually about an hour or so. It's right. around uh, two volts around an hour and a half. I don't know how long it took. The positive thing about the batteries is they are cheap and you get a tool with it. So if you need a (laughs) bonus tool. (laughs) For the price of buying one of these batteries on Amazon, a 12 volt battery, is it cheaper to go and buy yourself a drill with the battery? How many drills do you have now? Or weed whackers or whatever else. It's a full set, right? Well, this was the weed whacker battery. That's the weed whacker one. Well, you got a much bigger one than I have. Yeah, that's a lot bigger mine, too. It's going to last longer, too. You have three drills, Dad. Yeah, we got three drills. We got every type of uh, equipment here. So that, that brings up a question that I know we were asking at the fest and you weren't quite sure then. I don't know if you're sure yet because you're, you're still in the finishing stages here. But do you have any idea what this is going to cost for the various versions? I know what it is. We still are working through that. We're trying to understand what the, the monitor idea is. Well, I know I told you an idea, but yeah, it, we, we're not looking cool. to make ton of money money off this at all but uh, we got to make sure we cover costs so oh, yeah yeah i understand there's a porta coco finance company now <laughs> you you won't need financing for this at all but uh, you start thinking just adding up the components you're you're um, buying a scart converter you're buying your usb converters so it's adding it all up and figuring it out the monitor and the monitor as well. So when we are done with the daughter board and understanding that, and we're done with understanding the monitor's work, we will just wait. We don't want uh, yeah. No. But that. You, you can't keep secrets. I know what the estimated cost is. So in the chat, uh, um, for scrolled up on me. Um, I think Sixty was asking if uh, you'd have uh, uh, adapters for the uh, like Makita batteries or other manufacturers. You can, uh, yeah, you can get converters uh, on even on Amazon that will convert those other batteries to a Ryobi. So it's kind of a piece that fits in between. If there's enough need, we could try to rebuild, but. There's a lot of CAD work and a lot of uh, uh, of uh, very um, right. that, that ain't easy EDA level lines. stuff. <laughs> like this yeah. little yeah. hole right here yeah. has to be with every Ryobi. Yeah, and so even uh, inside we have like everything locking into the vent holes 
I don't know if that's showing. Yeah. So, please, like, please. everything's yeah. been custom made. So, if you want, bring the cocoa tree, Okay. Yeah, because all those vent hole guides and stuff will actually make it rock solid when you when you screw it on, so it won't yes. move at all. Help grab it. Yeah. Let's make sure it's on. Take the battery off. You can actually hold it. Yeah. All well, by. We, we, were, we were seeing demonstrations nice. earlier when our when we were yeah. stopped breathing. This is rock. And again, it's just. You want me to do one with it again? No, not mm. right now. It's my only cocoa tree. Yeah, so that is rock solid. That's no not going anywhere. As nice. well as with the monitor, the monitor uh, mount is the same. It is rock in there. And all the ventilation holes still are, are available in it as well. So that's what took a lot of time and a lot of trying to figure this out. I, like I will say a lot of rolls of filament were used and wasted and thrown into recycling. <laughs> uh, because at first we were working on the Coco 2s. And Coco 2s have a different um, case design. Then they look almost identical to the Coco 3s, but they're not. Uh, the bottom holes, so a lot of a uh, lot of adjustments and a lot of continuous add-ons. So okay, what I was saying, what I was saying before, here's your main power. This is the power that runs off the battery, and then you also have a switch on this side for your video. So that's your composite and the RGB. Let me so one everything is Charlie. No running with computers. Everything is portable. <laughs> and no, Charlie. Excellent. Yes, I am. I'm gonna say that today. Okay. Uh, no, plus, it's nice. You have the option. You can do the wireless monitor thing if that's what you choose to do, and you just have the portable yeah. part on the Coco itself, or you can have the one with the screen built in. Which, from looking at it, it has a way of folding down, so it's nice and flat to transport. Yeah, exactly. The, the so, whole idea. Yeah, Charlie, sure. I got so, an, I, I got another question about the uh, you're gonna you're gonna do an enclosure for the monitor because you're getting different monitors. Do you also have to um, engineer the switch switches for different modes and stuff? Or different yes, exactly. Yeah, and uh, actually, I'm trying to engineer it so it's all printed at one time. So that's been taken a little. So when it's printed, it, you just push a little harder. It'll break the little snaps, and then all the buttons will be pre-made and ready in there. And so that's the engineering. That's the the part that I'm still working through. I need winter. I need some cold, so spend time and uh, yeah, stay inside. Yeah, spend some time inside and uh, yeah, working on the laptop building that. But that is the next step. Do Do you think you'll have this ready by the May Cocoa Fest? Yes, yes. for sure. We'll for have sure. the place ready, and some people already put in like pre requests. So if they want one, they can get one. Yeah. So uh, our focus, where before we were looking at the Coco 2 and the Coco 3, the focus right now is on the Coco 3. And that was a lot more of the interest. And the option on the Coco 3 will be you can do the wireless or you can focus on the monitor and you can switch in between. So if you start, What happened to the old Mobicon? That's still somewhere in the basement. Oh. Your, your other one. The other one's up there. You can bring your original one. Yeah, let's have the original one. So... We were showing the original model. This is what. <laughs> Here, 
he's coming with his. So this was the original idea when we came to Coco Fest was creating a version for the Coco Two. So this is a totally different one. From Coco, and this one was utilizing a TV monitor, a battery TV. And as we progressed, that's when we've. And again, there's the kind of clamshell idea. So that was the idea of original prototype for production. From talking to people and from thinking it more, and after showing the wireless, wire-free cocoa, that seemed a little bit more excitement. So that's why we put a little bit more focus on that one as the first. Can I say so? this is that this cocoa that was used from this the auctioned cocoa from the auction of the 30th Cocoa Fest. Yeah. Huh. So when we we, this was the one we won and we converted it over. I was excited to win this one because it is the chocolate, uh, not chocolate keyboard. The Melty. Yeah. That is my original computer that I got. I had originally the Coco 2 with the melted one. And so that was an exciting time to get to Coco Fest and to get that. It's already on our calendar, Coco Fest. Uh, uh, Charlie's yeah. wondering when the uh, hotels will start opening and start accepting. No, I just want to know which hotel it will be. Yeah, he's excited to come again. Yeah, Grant, Grant could tell you because I think it's already pre-booked. Uh, Terry, was Terry yeah. still on the call? Yes, it is. The, you can go out to the website and the, uh, the the special pricing for Coco Fest is already available. Oh. Well, which hotel? So you can like, book now. Like so you're late. <laughs> same, late. I think it's the same hotel. hotel? Yeah, same hotel as the last time. Ooh. Yes, in change. Perfect. When you have everything. So, so uh, the Cocos you have, have you had good luck with your uh, keyboards staying working? They have been working. Yeah, everything is, yeah, we haven't had any problems on keyboards whatsoever. Good. Yeah, and, we've had good luck with our computers. Yeah, and you, you haven't had to wrong. recap or anything? No, we've on Charlie's, we've changed everything. So he's got a Coco TV in there. We got a 6309. We got the 6309s and all of our computers. We got the pepper boards and all of them. Uh, we got uh, as much things we could buy. We uh, were available. We've gotten them and we've put them in. So will you take the old salt chip out, right? The old, so we have a lot. There will be a lot of salt chips available again. Oh, good. As, as the more <laughs> They're unobtainable, aren't they? Well, yeah, that's why the pepper board was created, was to replace them, because there's yeah. no way to replace it. It was a custom yeah. chip. You bought didn't you? How much did you buy, Dad? We got a whole bunch of pepper boards ready to go as well. But, uh, yeah, every time you pull it out, as long as the salt chip was okay, so on all, all of our computers, the three that we've converted to salt chips were good, so... We have three salt chips now available as well. Uh, Mark, I um, checked the uh, chat on the on this uh, on the on the Zoom. I uh, put a uh, copy of my Neutroid there for uh, Charlie to play because you said yeah. earlier he didn't have it. So, <laughs> oh, yeah. he's just gone. He's just run. We have a TV outside there. Or we have the live stream going, so he's been, uh, he's been going. That's why he's running all the time. He's running to see uh, himself 
It's got like a two second. I, I have to say, seeing seeing the two of you at Coco Fest, he is the most enthusiastic salesman I've ever seen at Rainbow Fest or Coco Fest in my life. So, yay! Good job, Charlie. <laughs> I need him to help me sell Nitrous Nine, even though it's free. That's what I need. Uh, well, he'll try. He loves uh, one of his first things on the call. What did you think was the funniest song, or was not? The Windows 95. I got excited for that. <laughs> to work. Oh, and then the it's, like, it's work. No, I got oh, that whole boot that's... demo. <laughs> oh. Yeah. With Homer Simpson at the end, it, it, it yeah. uh, deletes and you go back to OS 9. So he's, that was one of his uh, early cocoa introductions. And he thought that was the funniest thing in the world. And since then, he's, he's been on it. He's been. He's got all other computers too. So it's not just the Coco, like every type of computer, every type of phone out there. He is a technology guy. So is he what you would consider a true retro kid? Like he likes all the old stuff and the new stuff, or is he, is a Coco a special thing as far as retro goes? It's everything, uh, everything electronic. If it's electronic, older new run, doesn't matter. We've got, yeah, oh, tomorrow yeah. we're actually going, going to, to the, the kitchen. of retro computing. Yeah, we're going to the that trade show that's here in Kitchener. Uh, it's today and tomorrow, so we're going. Yep, I shall be announcing that the news. Uh, Frank from Retro Rewinds down there. He's on one of the sponsors, so like where you get Coke SDCs from in Canada. So he's in Toronto too. So yeah, and that, and that was a shocking thing talking to Frank. He actually lives down the street from. Me. So, <laughs> oh, wow, <laughs> I've been to his house, so I haven't been far from your house then either. Yeah, we're and Frank just showed up the in light. the chat. Are you going to consider other computer systems then for the same type of mod modification? No. No? No. Not at all. Not Apple. <laughs> no Apple. Well, who? I like this guy. <laughs> no C64. Huh? No, okay. no. This is it. Uh, the funny one is my mother helped me purchase the Coco, and she still refers to it as a uh, Commodore 64. It's a Coco. It's a Coco. So, yeah, yeah that's the gaming machine. When I was younger, we had the first, we had a Atari 2600. So, that was for games. And when I went to the Radio Shock store as a eight year old, nine year old, seeing that, thinking I could maybe program my own game. So that yep. was the that was the inspiration. I, I bought the computer and I just lived in the basic manuals. Uh, I Still, some of the best ever made. Cassette. Yeah, I just all I had was a cassette cord. I didn't even get the cassette player because I had a cassette. That made it a little more challenging. But uh, after the next year, I bought myself a little thirteen-inch TV. I bought myself the the little cassette player, and then I started just acquiring. Every every dollar I got went into buying something new. The only thing I never ended up buying was a multi pack. I couldn't get my head around as a little you, kid I why I would that. spend an extra two hundred dollars when I could just pull something out. Even though I had the speech, you pack. tried to make a multi pack yeah. and it failed. He's ratting you out. I got so excited for it, and then I'm like, why? 
Hey, Charlie. Ooh. Hey, Charlie. Yeah. Charlie. <laughs> hey, I don't know if you heard or Hi. not, but uh, Nick Morenti's on the show here. He had a gift for you and your dad. Did you hear what it was? What? Uh, Nick, you want to go? Look at, yeah, if you look in the chat in the uh, in the in the Zoom session here, look in the chat. I I sent you a copy of Neutroid, my Neutroid oh, cool. uh, cool. play. Whenever you got time, he's cool. going right now. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to look on the TV. I don't know an iPad. I've never used an iPad. I'm afraid if I start hitting buttons looking for a chat, we're going to be disconnected. So, uh, <laughs> no, he's gone to the TV. He's reading. He's excited. Thanks. Uh, that's great. Now, it's Coco 1 and 2 game, too, so it'll work on his Coco 2. Oh, yeah. you hear that, Charles? Yes. Something now will open. Yeah. It's a don't don't break things. He's the guy, whenever something's broken, you anyone has a phone that's not working, Charlie is the man that's a go-to. Yeah, and then I take the old phones. Yeah, and then he gets their old phones and he uses those. He's got a collection of probably 30, 40 different phones that he works no. us through. So you're married, right? Yeah, and I got a little. You and your wife are are wonderful. It seems like you have uh, a bundle of patience. <laughs> oh, well, you got it. As a parent, you, sometimes you don't have a choice. You got to be right. patient. Yeah, I understand. He's full of energy. I would like you thank you for for him him and his enthusiasm because I mean one thing we've talked about on the show is like we're a bunch of older guys, right? Because this is what we grew up with, and you want to try to get new blood. And we've been talking about. You know what promotions could we do with Coco Fest and stuff, and just having Charlie around and the enthusiasm he just brings to the room. Like I said, he's a natural salesman and he's he's very young and he's just loving this stuff. So that's that's perfect. Like, oh, th- thanks. and we're excited having him out there too because this is his chance to start experiencing sales. I'm a not a sales guy anymore. I'm a marketing guy, but uh, uh, that's why uh, I'm excited getting him involved in all of these things in a young age. <laughs> Really come. She yeah. wants to say, "Oh, game." My other daughter. She wants. She got to come out quick. Yeah. Well, as he <laughs> gets older, as as he gets older, he can give it a crack on the uh, multi-pack thing. <laughs> right. Right. Well, we do. <laughs> we do have a multi-pack. We we did end up getting one one of uh, Zipsters. Oh, uh, yeah. uh, mini the mini minis or the Mega the Mini mini version. Yeah, mini. Okay. But Mega really, Mini without the archway part. I'm really but, impressed uh, by this uh, case that you drew up. What'd you draw it on? First, we were using. I was. Uh, I do a lot of 3D printing things on another. I was actually using what was Google SketchUp originally, and now we're okay. actually using. Again, I don't have time to go learn a new one. This is Tinkercad. Really? So it's as okay, but. It's pushed to the extreme. <laughs> like, uh, <we> yes. <laughs> it is pushed to its, it's max. That's, that's quite the design. I was impressed. Thanks for showing that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And continue to follow the uh, some of the, uh, the Facebook posts because uh, in about a month or two, we may have an announcement for Coco Fest related to youth and uh, trying to bring younger mm-hmm. folks in there. So Charlie might have some interest there. Okay, I'm going to have to give, I'm not on Facebook, I've never been on, but uh, my wife is, I'll have her uh, connect on to that. Well, Brian, you'll be announcing that on, on, on Discord too, I presume, at some point. 
Yes, yep. There'll probably be some sort of announcements there once the committee comes back yeah, with some ideas. You say you look at on Facebook? Sure. No Facebook, Charlie. Oh, yeah. That's too, too much work. <laughs> now, we'll have, we'll have it on Discord, too, and we'll probably put it on the mailing list as well. So Perfect. that kind of stuff you want to advertise it everywhere, far and wide. Great. Did you hear that? Yeah, so can I put in the place oh. now? <laughs> yes, I'm going to say that's been rated twice on the end of I don't know. Now, my, my last question for you that I have sort of semi-planned is um, once you do complete this and you've got a couple of versions, you've got the wireless monitor or the fold-down monitor, et cetera. Once you get that done, do you have any other further long-term plans and other things you guys are looking at uh, possibly making? Uh, uh, maybe we might make like better updates. Like we might add better monitors or we could add a bigger monitor for a bigger price. Okay. <laughs> it's just about... He's got monitors. lots of... It is. I got. Uh, the, we gotta find time for his. Why Coco will be a hundred? Will probably be around a hundred and twenty dollars, and the Porta Coco will go around. and the monitor will be around sixty dollars for the monitor upgrade. Don't quote not, not in stone. <laughs> <laughs> not involved in uh, yes, I have. In, in, in the old I this. So, this is the age old yeah. problem where manufacturing has to match marketing's demands, right? Because they promised yeah. all this stuff. So <laughs> he calls yeah. himself the scale. He makes I promises. <laughs> yes, I make all the profit and you make nothing. So Charlie, if you sell it to me, you make no profit. You're, I'm making all the profit. You're making all the profit. Charlie doesn't understand profiting costs. Yes, I do. We, we I did financial labor. <laughs> well, I did Canadian grade four financial literacy. Anyway, I have to say we're we're really looking forward to seeing both of you at Coco Fest again this year, and and the updates that you'll have. and this year you'll be allowed. You'll finally, you can finally purchase the stuff instead of just the magnets. Yeah. Charlie's already designed new magnets for this year as well. He's yeah. got some ideas. You're <laughs> ready. You can, I showed you some of the magnet starting stuff. Yeah. Cool. Do you guys have a website or anything? Uh, yes. www. Portacoco with an A.com. And remember, if you get one of those, you won't need one of these. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, before we let you go there, I just want to give the uh, chat, they're on a bit of a time delay compared to the rest of us. If they have any last questions they want to ask, and then I want to ask anybody on the panel, any final questions for Charlie and Mark? Besides keep up the great work. Right. <laughs> I'm gonna okay, I'm just gonna run away with this again. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> Back on the dome. Stress test. Yeah, I think it's more stress for the father though than right, well that's <laughs> who we're stressing here. Hey, wait, wait a minute. That's <laughs> mine. Bring that down. <laughs> Get yours. Get yours. <laughs> oh, no, I'm expensive. Oh boy. Oh, Marco Rose just posted the uh, link to your website too in the uh, the main chat that everybody's seeing. So, well, thank you for having hey, Charlie. Thank you for having us on. Uh, 
Okay, this we've been looking forward to this. Charlie's been looking forward to this. Okay, you might swing. Out. Hopefully, we'll be able to swing by to the show sometime yeah. again. Okay, uh, I'm gonna switch the camera. Oh, okay. And uh, yeah, we got a birthday party. Charlie's got a pretty uh, busy calendar on the weekend, so uh, <laughs> we were able to stop. <laughs> But uh, birthday party uh, exit is coming very soon. Well, this yeah. is one way he keeps go, Charlie. Go, oh. he's swinging, saying good. <laughs> At least he's not carrying your cocoa this time. I know. <laughs> don't give him ideas. Don't give him ideas. <laughs> Rooms. Also, have fun at the uh, show in Kitchener too. I, it's one I want to try to make it to. I don't know. There's a few people there I know. I don't know if Neil's going to make it this year. He's he usually does make it. Frank will be there, obviously. Um, Trina, who has another retro podcast, will be there as well. Um, so Earth. there's and a bunch of other people. So that's, that's one I do plan on making it to eventually. This we have never been either, so we're going to be excited to spend our afternoon tomorrow there. So did you get did you guys de uh, develop a logo or anything for your Portococo or you know have yes, a have. shirt designed or anything? Uh, not shirt design. I don't know the logo, but it will be the logo will be the tanny logo, like or uh, the Coco Free sticker, but it's gonna say our name on it, Portococo. Nice. Okay. I, I have a question for Kellen Holloway. He's, he's actually on the panel here, but he's shy. Um, he's asking, has it been drop tested or crash tested? I mean, I, I, I mean, I don't know if I'd want to trust the cocoa drop testing, but I think he's talking about just the battery add-on. Well, the battery's been dropped forever. You drop your drill all the time. <laughs> like, the battery didn't break it. And if it does, you just go to Home Depot and you get another one. That's a simple thing. You drop your cocoa, hey, nothing's going to save it if you drop your Unless cocoa. Unless you put a case on it. Did you know do those batteries have some electronics in them? You know, yep. anti-overcharge and all that stuff in there? Yeah, it's got everything in it. And they've even yep. uh, asking about the gauge. So it tells there you, you go. it's pointing towards you on the cocoa. So you can see it's pointing towards you. And you can see this with a click of your button how much battery life you have left. So... Uh, yeah, they're pretty well smart batteries at this point because they got they, they have to for FCC approval, etc. Because you don't want your weed whacker to start on fire or something. So right, if the battery like handing me a soldering iron, it's dangerous. Take out the weed uh, Kevin but you had a question there, so if you want to pop back on and, and ask it, go ahead. Kevin, on oh, this is a. Calm as he's been. Wait, oh, I don't have a question. <laughs> oh, I thought you, you were you were, you popped on there to to ask something, and then I was I was, but I changed my mind. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. Yeah, no. So the real B battery that that was the perfect solution. It is the most economical one uh, out there, and we had it in our house, so yeah. that was kind of. That and the pepperboard are the two main pieces. Everything else was just fabrication and trying to figure out how to it's make it work. Making it work, 3D printing, and buying it from China. Yeah. And as Rick said, the batteries have all the extra stuff built in because they have to by regulations, et cetera. So it saved you a ton of development time having to come up with all that 
you know, battery charge lights and safety features and all that kind of stuff. It's all there. One of our batteries doesn't have it. That's the oldest one. But the other nice thing about it, and one thing that I find with a lot of my uh, items that have batteries, is you don't use it all the time. So the battery is always dead when you actually want it. That's why we made this. So your Ryobi battery, you got multiple, and you're using it for other purposes too. So our batteries aren't just being sitting on the toka. It's going outside. It's on our fans. It's on our weed wire. It's on our drills. Yeah. So our when you won't- so it's always being recharged and reused. So that's one of the uh, benefits that I found is yeah, because every all my other old electronics, when I pull it out, I want to use it, and it's not ready. Yeah. That's why we made this. One cord makes the wire free, cocoa free. One wire, cocoa free. Good job, Charlie. Oh. Sure. You need to make it out of uh, Ryobi green uh, uh, filament. So. How are we going to get that link <laughs> We'll figure it out. Don't worry, Charlie. But when we leave the meeting, <laughs> okay. it's gone. Oh, well, we'll figure it Okay, out. it doesn't look like there's any more <laughs> questions from the chat for now, so uh, I think that will wrap it up. Now, I think, Mark, you said you have an, a commercial that Charlie was involved with. Yeah, let me see if oh. I can make this work. Oh, hey, Charlie! Some people have big plans after school. What's little Curtis <laughs> is going to do? Little Kenny, too. L. Curtis is at work on OS9, improving the ease of use, so his pen pal Nick can better program new games. And Kenny is at his Radio Shack color computer playing his favorite game of the week. But wait, Curtis is now documenting every single Coco game. And Kenny's <laughs> now having a blast with the second game of the week. You could spend 24 hours a day inside your bedroom playing and working on your Coco. That is until your mom yells the most dreaded words ever. Get outside and get some fresh air right now. You have to listen to your mom. What other option is there? On Saturday, April 22nd. Come visit the Charmark Computer Booth 11 at CocoFist to discover the answer. We look forward to seeing everyone there. <laughs> that was great. Yeah. He's got updated for the new date for this upcoming year. Yeah. Like, some people might be new to GoGo Fest and stuff, so yes. we'll have to update it. Some people will probably know it, though. Now, have you guys done anything for Septandy? This is part of Subtandy. We're just getting back into it. So, What's Subtandy? Subtandy is this month. Subtandy, but something. you do everything about candy. Yeah, perfect. I just guess. Yeah. This is this is our this is our time burn it's right now. Bad, we don't need anything. Have, else. No, we gotta switch sides again. My treehouse. Okay, we're <laughs> ready to go. Guys, so you guys got a party to go to. Birthday party? Yeah. Birthday party is next up for today. Okay. Well, have fun there and uh, we'll let you go. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for showing us everything. Thanks for uh, scaring the heck out of us, dragging it all over the place and running around with it. <laughs> we can always join it again. We got the link. Oh, Curtis, he says we're going to be coming back another time because we got the link. So you're going to probably see him again someday. Yeah. Well, we'll sure see you at Coco Fest at, at the very least. Perfect. Thanks, guys. Hey, All right. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks for coming on. 
Amy. Hey, Taylor. We're watching the Coco Nation show. Yeah, we are. Woo! You should too. It's your good buddy, your good pal, Amigo, and joined by that dastardly The Brent from ARG Presents. You're watching Coco Nation. I feel like this should have been longer. The Coco Nation Show would like to thank the following patrons. Alex Gare, Brendan Donahue, Brian Walsh, Brian Weasler, Kieran Anscombe, Coconut Bob, Daddy Burrito, Diego BF109, Don Barber, Eric Canales, Glenn Hewlett, Glenn Wabke, Grant Leedy, Henry Strickland, John Boat of Karschaller, Justin Larson, Ken Reichard, Kevin Holloway, Mike Rayburn, Patrick Euland, Paul Fiscarelli, Paul Shoemaker, R. Allen Murphy, Retro Tech Time, Rob Inman, Rocky Hill, Steve Batson, Terry Stege, Tom C., Tom Gunderson, Tom S., Tony C., and William A. Thing. Thank you so much, patrons. Welcome to everybody's favorite segment, Who's New to Discord? Musically Inspired says, Hello everyone. My name is Brandon B., and I've always been into retro computers. We had a Coco 3 when I was a kid and a Tandy 1000. When I grew up I inherited the Coco and also got a hold of another one. So I have two, but the one I was given doesn't work. Someday I'd like to diagnose why that is and perhaps fix it. E.M. White says, I'm Michael. I live in New Jersey, USA. Am from Commodore Realm since using a pet in 7th grade, 1977. I'm here by way of Mr. Petrie and the 6809 drop-in replacement for the Phoenix platform. Just saw a pile of Coco gear and people at VCF Midwest and I'm eager to get closer to the platform. Gadget says, Hi, I'm Jesse O, but I think of that as my day job name, I'm mostly known as Gadget Online. Some of you may remember me from the comp.os9 Usenet days, others may know me as the author of the kernel on the F256. As with EM, I heard about y'all from VCF. Michael H. says, your name? Michael. Your systems? Emulated, 68K Max, TRS-80Z80 computers. How do you retro? Run old software, operating systems. Where did you hear about us? TRS-80GP Discord channel. Looking for? Other people's memories of growing up with microcomputers, seeing what people are doing with these now. Nick Tech number 330 says, Nick Y is my name. I have in my collections, TRS-80 Model 1 and Model 2 and Model 4, Coco 1, 2, 3, MC-10, Atari 2600, ZX-81, Amiga 500, Pioneer MSX PX-7. How do you retro? Play games and play around with hardware, fixes upgrades and some circuit design. Where did you hear about us? Facebook post. Looking for? Connections with people and play around with our shared retro machines. 
CR Travis says, my name, hello I'm Travis S. My systems, I'm an avid collector in the following areas, retro video games, professional CRT monitors, 1990s gateway computers, Tandy 1000, and vintage software. How do you retro? I like to play old games, use old operating systems, and restore parts and systems. The previous bios were edited for time. Thanks to, Alex Geyer, Boysen, Glenside Computer Club, Paul Fiscarelli, Paul Shoemaker, Tandy Color Computer 3, and the Coco Nation patrons for boosting the server. Please consider joining Discord and visiting the welcome section to read these bios in full and see what the community has to offer. Just go to discord.thecoconation.com. See you on Discord! Alright, next up, um, Project Update, Acquisitions. And I believe, Brian, you had something next. Here we go. Well, the first thing, and uh, uh, the most prized possession that I have uh, lately is uh, my copy of Neutrite. <laughs> came in, so. so That's not right a definition now. of the word prized I wasn't previously aware of. <laughs> so, and no, it's still shrink-wrapped. It's still shrink-wrapped, yep. And, uh, yes, uh, you did do a nice job on it. I really like the uh, the back cover there, Nick. It looks good, so. So, nice job. Thanks. <laughs> okay, uh, the next thing there I'd like to share with you guys. Let me switch cameras here. And here we go. Okay. Coco 3. I recently uh, picked this one up. It was out on eBay there, uh, listed as uh, not working and untested, um, which sometimes, you know, they, they just do that because they don't have a way of plugging it in or don't know how to plug it in. Um, or a TV that can handle it anymore, maybe. Or, yeah, mm -hmm. right. <laughs> and the price was uh, uh, very, very low and said they had to buy now, so I, I grabbed it. Um, it's in, it's in, it's in good shape here. It's a little dusty, uh, keys. It looks a lot better on the screen, but it's, it's quite dusty and dirty here. Um, mm. and when I, when I turned it on, uh, uh, it had, uh, the, uh, all the boxes with the at symbols and you'd, you'd hit the reset button and then you get like oranges and other weird checkered patterns and stuff like that. Uh, usually it's like a memory or reset the gimme type of thing. And, uh, um, so I went to uh, to do that. So I pulled the screws out uh, from it and uh, was greeted with a nice uh, surprise. It uh, it was listed as a 128, but the seller and the pictures did not indicate it. It had a uh, had a distal a distal 512 in there. So that was kind of a nice, nice. little uh, added bonus there. Um, but I did go ahead and reseat the uh, the chips here and also reseated uh, Mr. Gimme. And uh, um, with that, let's see here. Yes, it's all happy now. It lives, man. It's, it's, all, it's all happy now. So, so you got to steal there is what you're telling us. Yeah, basically. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, while we were on the chat there with, uh, with Mark, because I was kind of fiddling with it about the first 10 minutes of the show. And during most of the interview, I ran it through one of the uh, uh, memory tests that are out there, the 512 uh, memory twist. And it, I sat that ramp for 45 minutes, and uh, so happy as a clam. <laughs> yep, it's happy now. So no. maybe a maybe a little um, um, uh, deoxit. Maybe I might spray on those just to to give it a good once over. But and, uh, it's probably good to go. 
And note on the Disto Ram specifically, if it doesn't have the little plastic tubes over the pins that plug into the motherboard, it's possible to push it down too far and make it act like that. Yes. By, and, by and just does, pushing yep. And this does have those black tubes that you're speaking of. Because um, uh, I yeah, fought they, that they, for so long. Oh. <laughs> I was pushing okay. it in too good. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, if you touch, uh, I'm assuming there must be some contacts on the bottom or something like that. That if it contacts too deep shield. or something, so oh, the shield on the bottom, sure. Yeah, there's yeah. no bottom in that connector, so you can push the pins right through the connector and short to the motherboard underneath. Oh, sure. Yeah, that certainly would play uh, play some havoc. It is an 86 gimme, not an 87, but uh, but still, um, for the price cool. I paid for it, and to have this and uh, now working. Uh, that was a pretty good, oh, uh, pretty good deal. Was that the Canadian screen I spotted under its top? Yes, actually. Yeah, uh, I was going to say that too. <laughs> let me uh, let me let me turn this thing off here. Let me uh, switch the screen here again. Uh, switch it back to. So here. we've all learned something today, I guess. Right. <laughs> let me. Uh, anything kids like to put so points in slots. As as we talked about there, yep. There's that screen. Uh, the glue's kind of turned a little brown on this one here, though. Or yeah, pretty well like that. <laughs> yep. So there's that. And so, yeah, this is a, uh, let me hold this keyboard while I do it though. But yeah, it's, uh, it's one of our, uh, Canadian ones there with the silver Ooh. foil and the, uh, um, French. Yeah. It's the French version of their, of the, uh, of the name there. So, yeah. Cool. There you go. So yeah, mm. there's a nice, nice pickup. So, I was uh, glad to get this one here. Whoops. Back on a little bit more there. But nothing no, nothing else really to show on it. I just wanted to kind of share that. Uh, every once in a while, a little little gem kind of uh, pops out every once in a while. So, yeah. We'll move this out of the way here real quick. Yeah, somebody in Australia I saw, was it on Facebook? Had gotten a huge thing for dirt cheap, like yeah, multiple cocos and carts yeah. and... Yeah, it looked like it was a hundred dollars. There was a Coco three and two and a one. Yeah, two Coco ones and a disc another, drive. Whatever. Yeah, there was quite a quite a deal there that they <laughs> that they got there. So yeah, that was a that was a nice little uh, find on their part there. So I mean, just picking up the Coco three for a hundred bucks would have been a would have been a, yeah <laughs> a good deal. I'm assuming it's a hundred Australian, which is about sixty five seventy dollars US. Uh, yeah, yeah, about that. Yep. Um. So on uh, on the uh, the Dragon uh, uh, Facebook page, uh, there was a gentleman. I forget his name. I should have looked it up. Uh, is it Jason? I can't remember. Um, he he was selling some stuff, and so I picked up a couple of the items that he was uh, selling. Oh. So this is the uh, 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 Buzzard Bait um, uh, by Tom Mix, and what I liked about this one is that is that uh, the dongle? It came with the dongle. Yes, it did. So it had the, the, let me get it over on the white here so you can maybe see a little bit better. So this would plug into, I believe, does this plug into the, uh, it plugs into the left joystick port. And you have to plug this in while you load the program. Once the program has been loaded, then you can take this out and plug your joystick in. Um, That's weird. Yeah, it was so a form I, of copy protection. Because if you didn't wow. have that dongle, the game wouldn't load. So do I expect to find a certain resistance value? And I'm sorry. Have Probably expect to, to find out what's in it. Hey, no, two it, people it, are talking it, at it, once. Uh, Mark first, then Ron. 
uh, so I'd expect it's looking for specific uh, resistance value on the joystick port. I believe, yes. Kieran could probably answer that better in the chat because he knows quite much more about it than I would. But And, and Ron, what was your question? I think Ron was asking what's inside of it, and it's a molded case. So it, it, right, it, so it's just a black epoxy lump. Eh? Yeah. No, so you'd have to actually literally break it to open it then? Yeah, yeah, so... So anyway, Sixty saying that. in the chat, he says, I'm pretty sure there's an oscillator in it, but for some reason, I've still never actually hooked it up to scope. Okay. To see what it's doing or looking for. So, yeah. Right. Yep. So I thought that was kind of neat. Next time you get an x-ray. You can x-ray. Ron, <laughs> I, I don't know if you've moved away or changed your mics, Ron, but you sound like you're, you're talking from 100 feet away. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I got it now. There you go. Yeah. yeah. There you go. It's only six inches. <laughs> yeah, crazy. Um, another item that I also bought from him was this. Oh, fourth, Telly fourth, and it's uh, again from uh, it was from a micro deal, and uh, it came with this uh, this cassette here. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I never thought of using the binder rings <laughs> for a cassette like holder. That's different. <laughs> so it had, it had the cassette here, and then it had this uh, manual printed on these nice brown pages, but. Uh, um, it looks to be, it's, it's kind of a tutorial type uh, uh, walking you through the different commands and some of the programming there with the, with the, the fourth uh, that language. That would make it hard to copy. Yep. Yeah. That Spectral would did that too. They'd sell their instruction sheets on dark red paper with black ink. You Xerox, it was just solid black. Oh. Right. <laughs> it's, it's armadillo color. Yeah. All right. So, now I'm trying to remember, is armadillo Texas. an American company that sold through MicroDeal or is that an actually a UK company? Does it they have had to come from Texas. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was just going to say, Armadillo would be kind of strange to see in England. So <laughs> I just had to. So, yeah, I thought that was a, that, that kind of uh, intrigued me there a little bit there. Um, is fourth, is that on the, uh, the EOU or is that uh, as an option or? There is a version of fourth for OS9. I don't think I've got it on there yet because I haven't okay. had a chance to test it to make sure it works. Um, there's multiple forts for disk basic. There was like Hoyt Stearns, Armadillo. Um, there's at least three or four versions that I'm aware of. Okay. And this was, like I said, it was just a language programming tutorial for the, uh, well, they said for the Dragon 32, but uh, I'm assuming it would apply to, uh, to the Cocoa as well. Is that a graphical, um, language or? I is it something a little bit like uh, like flex and that sort of thing, or I'm not sure how how it. So I was asking a chat know. question. What was the question? Is it a yeah. graphical um, language? Like no, it's it's um, Polish notation of, language, but it's 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 very fast. But you basically design the language as you go, so you create commands as you're kind of going. So oh, it's okay. it's probably the closest to assembly. It's even closer than C is, to be honest. Um, but basically, you build your own commands, and you kind of like, it's almost like a macro thing, I guess, probably closest. But it's very, very low level and very, very fast. There was one British computer, was it the Jupiter Ace, that actually had that as a standard language, and you could program stuff like a yeah. hundred times faster than Basic. It was the one that looked like a Sinclair, wasn't it? But it ran for yeah, it had a chip basic. keyboard yeah. of some sort, yeah. and it was made by ex-Sinclair engineers. Yeah, but it was red. The language is known for being incredibly fast and very different from just about every other language. Like it takes a while to get used to the Polish notation. Like if you want to say add two numbers together, you don't go three plus two, you go three, two plus. 
<laughs> and that takes getting used to, which I never did get used to it. So the, the, the firmware for all the old Sun workstations, the UltraSparks and the Sparks, was also based on Forth, as well as all the hardware drivers that were in it. So the old OK prompt, you used to could actually write your own drivers right there or run Forth as the operating system. No driver, anything needed on the workstation. Hmm. Some of the uh, older Apples had uh, an open boot Forth-based firmware as well uh, before they switched, I think, to the Intel side of things. So the yeah, because fourth really took it. off about the early '80s, and then it kind of faded after about '83, '84. Sorry, go ahead, Ron. So the fourth was with you. <laughs> no, oh, wasn't wasn't the was program dumb. graphic? Wasn't the program Graphicom written in fourth? I, I don't heard, remember. I, I seem to remember reading that it was actually written in fourth on the Coco. There was a few commercial programs that were written in fourth that I, I honestly don't remember what they are. I thought my head Graphcom might have been yeah. one of them, or maybe Graphcom Part or Two. Or Graphicom Two, yeah, one of the. Maybe that's what I had thought in my head when I thought of graphical. Are you sure you weren't thinking of a fifth? I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> Flat I think, seventy. I think, yeah. God knows. I think it's seven hundred and fifty millimeter of uh, milliliter bottles now. <laughs> So uh, yeah, so that was the two things I got from uh, got from him there. Um, when I was kind of sorting through some things, I came across this. Yeah. Um, so basic technology. Um, I have made, that exact same uh, pamphlet. Do you? Awesome. Uh, they they make this uh, five port uh, MPI that you it, uh, you plug a cartridge in that has a ribbon cable that goes to the to the MPI. And I had shared this about uh, maybe six months ago on the on the show here. Right. Um, I, uh, I I had shown that, um, but I thought it was kind of neat. The, this brochure here, it looks like it may have, might have been something that they handed out because it has like pricing. Yep. Um, let's see here. And they had a ton of hardware cards you could buy with real time clocks and static RAM and motor controllers, and it was kind of like the um, A bus. A bus. Yeah. That's thank you. That's what I was trying to remember. Mm, no charge. <laughs> so you could you could buy the the the, uh, the BT one thousand was their part number for this and uh, including cable it was two seventy but they had the crossed out and you can now pick it up for two hundred and fifty dollars and yeah. then and this uh, came out it, before the the multi pack from Tandy did right yep yep they did did you, did you try the phone number no I haven't tried the phone <laughs> number. So. Um, but then you could also get it with eight uh, K of SRAM and it normally sold for three hundred and they had it marked down to two seventy five. And then, uh, as, as Curtis indicated uh, in the brochure here, they also talked about uh, a real-time clock with calendar uh, cartridge that was available, and that, they sold that for one hundred nine dollars. So, but uh, no, I thought it was a neat brochure. Now, did you do the highlighting with a marker? No, that's a, it, was, it was that way. <laughs> that's that's the way it was printed. Yeah, it popped for two color printing. Hmm. Ooh, and they even had better pricing. They had anniversary pricing here on this uh, insert here, and they had it down to two twenty. <laughs> so, so yeah, yeah, there's a few of these. Like Frank Hogg had the solution, which was a six slot. Basic technology had the five slot. The A bus was more for you know hobs, hobbyist uh, hardware design type stuff than the other two were. But uh, once once Tandy brought out the multi pack and it kind of took off, these all kind of faded away. Except for the A bus, actually, the A bus kept going for a while. Yeah, that six slot solution there. I've I've been I've had that on a search for a while and. I don't know how likely it is that something like that's going to pop up at all, but uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe. So anyway, if anybody's going to find it's going to be you, Brian. 
<laughs> well, I'll <Right>? try. <laughs> <laughs> and this is a this isn't a big one. We, we don't have to spend too much on there, but this is just a copy of the uh, the Microware uh, OS nine sixty eight uh, operating system. Uh, it's a programming manual. I'm sure it's out there and available already, but uh, I don't know. Yeah, I think I'm that's sure, the but... actual Tandy one that, or is it? I can't really tell. Yeah, it's uh, it's hard to read here because it's like it's a copy. But uh, let's see here. Does it, does it say Tandy on the inside? Uh, Microsystems uh, Corporation, Des Moines, Iowa. Oh, that might be the actual stock level one or level two one then. So, but uh, I thought that was uh, somebody made a copy of it and put it in this little binder here. So. A um, couple more things here and then uh, wrap it up here. So recently, uh, a few months, a month or so ago, uh, Mikey was doing some series of videos on Flex. And I came across these um, in, my, in, in some of the stuff there that I was sorting through. So this is the, uh, the Flex for the color computer. And this is one of the original discs. And what, and what Mikey talks about is the fact that these master discs are coded. Is there, was David on the call here still? No, I, I think believe. he had to leave. Oh, okay, okay. So what's unique about these discs is that the, I think he said like the first, uh, and I think Mikey explains this as well, that the first sector was in MFM format, and then the rest of the disc was in... Uh, the what's the, the first thing? track is single density, I believe, and then okay. everything else is double density. Right. And that's Thank because you. the older Flex machines from the 70s, like the late 70s, the 6800 version and the old, old 6809s were single density drives. So they made it since a double density controller can also read single density. You would read that first track and be able to tell you, you know, am I able to use this disc? Because it would tell you on the single density one, this is a double density formatted disc otherwise. And then your your hardware may not support that. So it can immediately come back and say, sorry, you can't run this. Your drive's on single density. Right. And I think because of that, you can't, you can't just do a, a like a backup of this disc and make a copy no. of it. Right? <laughs> so you have to use like a grease weasel or some, you know, some solution like that to, to do this. Uh, this is the 5.0.4. Uh, version, um, which that's is the later one. Mike, I think Mikey showed with smooth scrolling and stuff too. If I remember, yep, yep. That he he talked about that. So, and so this is one of the original uh, manuals. That's about a half an inch thick. And then also uh, with that was get this here, uh, the Flex uh, uh, assembly. Uh, we've got here editor assembler. Yeah. Editor assembler. Excuse me. Yes, thank you. Um, and, and it's disc as well. So, and this one's actually loose. This one needs to go into a binder. There's no, it's not glued on the edge here. So, but those were, uh, these two were laying together. I'm still kind of working through that, that collection of stuff that we, uh, that we talk about every once in a while. So, yeah. Uh, and then another one, and I haven't found this out on the archives. I'm not sure. This is a copy again, but this is the, the 6809 Flex Application Guide. Adaptation and, guide, yeah, that's for uh, porting it to other other computers. Okay, and so I thought this was a uh, kind of neat, but uh, I didn't see I didn't see this particular name out there on the archive. There's a lot of PDFs uh, in the Flex section there, but uh, so this and that's be, by the original creators of Flex. That's technical systems consultants. That's the people that created it in the first place. Okay, that, you know Frank licensed it from to make a Cocoa version. Okay, so yeah. And then let's see here. Last but not least, I, uh, as you guys know, I, I really like joysticks, and so I'm always on the lookout for interesting <laughs> joysticks, whether it's uh, um, ones for the Coco or the Dragon. Well, I came across this one on eBay: Strike Control. And uh, let's see here. This actually came. This was actually over in the UK. Let's see if it'll focus or not but it says here that's the model uh 
12112 compatible with the Dragon 32 and 64 computers. And so it was made by a company called Strike Control uh, Consumer Electronics. And uh, let me uh, open these things up. I think the, so I don't know if these things have ever been used, to be honest with you. Right. <laughs> the, the, the condition and everything, it's, it's, it's a little dusty, so I wonder if somebody might have actually had it setting out. But everything, like the twisty ties, um, I'll just pull one of them out here. That's one or two. They two uh, ever thought about uh, ergonomics. Yeah. And, uh, I it, could use that. So, yeah, this is a, it, it looks like it's two buttons, but it's actually just a five pin because it would work with the Dragon 32. So I'm assuming both of these buttons do the same thing. But I tell you, it does have a nice feel because you can go like this with your with your hand or you can, if you want to uh -huh. hold it like this, you can kind of, and it's a it's a spring-loaded spring uh, oh, cool. return. Now, there's no way to disable it, so it's always, uh, always spring, though. But uh, I really like the blue, though. I thought that was kind of neat. Uh, I was showing this to Tim <laughs> earlier. And he liked it as well, but the the blue really is kind of cool. So, I was going to ask Kieran in the chat here. He's been busy talking with Mikey about flex disc formats and stuff. But I'm wondering if he's seen this particular joystick because this is not one I've seen before. Yeah, I it says seen it Dragon. It says Dragon, for, but from the side, it looks like a Coco One case. Turn it on its side; it's got the little dip in it and everything. <laughs> oh, <laughs> there, you, there you go. Right. Yeah. <laughs> So anyway, so I thought these were really nice. I mean, I these they look brand new. I mean, they're kind of dusty yeah. though. But the, just the way the twisty tie is on here and stuff like that, it just looks like uh, um, that's the way it would like would have been from the factory, you know, uh, when they twist them up. But uh, anyway, um, no, nice, nice little joystick. So so I'd share that with the group. Yeah, it's a cool one. I haven't seen uh, any of that small uh, with the spring back. Uh, joystick, yeah, because it, uh, it, cool. like I said, it fits uh, fits in the fits, fits in the palm pretty good. And, so uh, maybe I'll have to pull this out and use this on the next game on challenge. And uh, if you slaughter us on the next game on challenge, we know it works. Yeah, right. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, well, that's all I have for you uh, today, gentlemen. Now, Tom Eric Gunderson just mentioned in the chat. He said he's never seen those joysticks before, and of course, he's in Europe and has seen a lot of the Dragon joysticks that were available. So, yeah, I was going to look and see here. Um, even has the uh, the warranty card uh, in the box here. For, um, Let's see here. Now, this is uh, I don't know for the for the UK folks over there, Manchester. Yep, and with a postal code instead of a zip code, just like Canada does. Well, the other way around. I wonder where they and, got them from. And Australia. Yeah, because I kind of wonder because the way that it's the uh, the way that it's kind of worded here just says you know compatible uh, with. So I wonder if this might have been a company. You know, just like we see this a lot with the other third-party uh, joysticks right. where, you know, they, they made a joystick and then they would have like an Apple version or, um, you know. Look, or, look at the or, rest of the box. Yeah, there's there's nothing else really on the box that just talks about uh, um, is, yeah. the, the different features of it and right. stuff like it's that. It's completely generic except for the one sticker that says, this is the Coco one. Right. Yeah. So, but anyway. Cool. But uh, that's, uh, yeah. that's one I've never seen before. So that's that's a good one. That's cool. Yeah, good find. Made in Taiwan. Well, all the good stuff is right. So. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Now I noticed we have David Craker now. So he's live from a retro show in Winnipeg. He just notified me about yesterday. And uh, oh, cool. so before we get on the game on challenge, I thought we'd cover that. I don't know if Bruce Moore made it to that yeah. one or not. I know he's going to ask him. I see Coco. Is is David uh, okay. there? Is he got audio? 
Looks like he's muted right now. So the kid's playing Willie's Warehouse. Yeah, a couple of cocos there. Like I said, he's mentioned it was like multi-platform, but he was bringing his cocos down. David, are you there? I don't know if he just set up the stream feed and then ran off to get something to eat or something. I know the show is only running today, and it's running, I think, till 4 p.m. Central, which would be another couple hours, I guess. What kind of a head is that on the wall up there? Ow. <laughs> It looks like an owl. Yeah, that's pretty big. And where did you say this wow. was at, Curtis? This is in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Winnipeg. same city that uh, Bruce Moore is from. It's at the Game Night Games building on Osborne Street. It's um, apparently a place they play D and D and stuff, and uh, they got to, to use this space for the uh, retro. And my it's bro- called my the Metro. <laughs> yeah, it's called Manitoba Retro Computing Enthusiasts. I don't know if they'll have the enthusiasm that we saw from Charlie earlier, but they can try. Mm-hmm. <laughs> got a bit of a Harry Potter theme to it. Yeah, well, like I said, it's it's actually this this room that they got it in is usually reserved for the uh, <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea if he knows he's live streaming, but nope, he does not. <laughs> I was waiting for him to pick his nose. Great, he's from Taiwan. <laughs> Looking I like it's good to see the Coco represented. This is a fairly new show from what David was describing. Let me see if I can pull up his chat here because he was talking about it in Discord. I do like that CRT that the Coco 3 is connected to. Yeah, it's yeah. actually got the buttons on the front so you can actually see them instead of trying to hit them on the side like all my stupid monitors. Are you... Is that a Magnavox? Or yeah, it's a Magnavox. Yeah, like on that. the left, the other one. Yeah, 8515 by the looks of it. Composite and to, RGB. Yeah. White Coco 1. A big white Coco 1, yeah. Well, Coco 2 down or under. Or Coco 2, yeah, that's right. Is that a if Coco 1, like the old the, the 64K model? The yeah. case looks big enough. I don't think that's a Coco 2. No, no, no well, it's a white Coco 1. Yeah. The 64K model Coco they sold briefly one, in 83. But... Yeah, it was called well, the Coco well, 2 in Australia, but it was a Coco right, 1. Yeah, here. that's right. If you look upside that's down, right. it seems correct for him. Yeah, it, it was actually called the 64K <laughs> color computer. That's what it was labeled as. Over here, hmm. that's right, yeah. Yeah, you guys called it a Coco 2 for some reason. I'm not quite sure why. Because it was a Coco 1 case, well, just white. Yeah. And a melty keyboard, the very white, first melty yeah. keyboard. Or is it a TDP 100? Nah, no. Wrong no. logo, I think. Wrong logo, wrong case design. There's a Commodore SX-64 in the distance. There. Yeah, they got one of them damn yep. things. I'm sure Frank's got one of those down at the uh, other show in Kitchener, too. Well, this act, the camera is set up perfectly, actually. It's Yeah, that's right. The, it's pointing right at the color computer. That's all yeah, we that's want. correct. There you go. <laughs> Very clear yeah. picture. Well, if, if David pops in later, he can he can buzz in and talk about the show here. But since he doesn't appear to be around at the moment, uh, we'll go on to the game on challenge, I think. No, Kevin. And since we were um, highlighting the fact that we got kids playing on the Coco, that's uh, another perfect shot yep. of the kid playing on the Coco. Right? Yep. Ken, are you ready for game on? Geez, everybody's supposed to be doing... So... There he is. I was just going to say, everybody's supposed to be doing stuff mm-hmm. left. <laughs> okay. Here we go. 
Welcome everybody to the Coco Nation Game On Challenge of the Week results video. This week we played Air Attack. We had a total of 14 players. We had Annie with 12,300, Mark B with 15,300, Coconut Bob 16,700, Calcifer 18,200. Exile in Paradise, 23,100. Canadian Retro Things, 29,200. Gary Neal, 37,700. Jim Rye, 38,000. Buck Owens, 41,800. Sabhead, 41,900. L. Curtis Boyle, 43,000. Mr. Dave, 6309, 45,900. Brian Walsh, 84,600. And this week's number one score belongs to Tasman with 97,000. Thanks everybody that played and we'll see you again next week. There we go. All right. So that was air attack. Um, if you didn't recognize it, it is a clone of scramble. And it was one of the um, games that was included in the TND uh, magazine. So yep. one of the interesting things about it is that uh, from the splash screen, you can see it was made in 1984, but it wasn't actually released until 1988. So um, I guess they were scrounging through their archives to find something to release with the... Uh, um, yeah, I kind of wish I know the full story in that because 1984, there was the other, the main tape magazine we had, the first one ever actually was Chromaset. And they folded in mid-84 once Hot Cocoa came out because they were ran by the same company. Um, and they were kind of overlapping. I think they wanted to stop that. So I wonder if Paul maybe had submitted it to Chromaset and then fold, Chromaset folded and then he decided just, you know, didn't really look too hard after that. Maybe, you know, he, he discovered TND afterwards and they were still going up until 93 or something like that. So maybe he submitted there. I don't, I don't know. It's speculation, but the 84 seems kind of coincidental. Yeah. Anyways, uh, yeah, for a game that's included with the magazine, it was um, not a bad little scramble port. Yep. Um, the If you played it, uh, you'll notice that the uh, destroying the fuel depots did absolutely nothing, so it wasn't a required thing like in the actual game. I don't know if uh, he just ran out of space to try to include it in the 16K to uh, have a fuel gauge or just didn't do it. No, but um, yeah, I couldn't find any kind of reviews of it. So, for tips and tricks on the game, I guess just don't die. Yeah, Anybody one trick else? I had for the game for me, um, the rockets that fire up, you lead, you can lead them out. Like if you go forward, you'll cause them to trigger firing up faster, and then you can pull back. Yeah, giving you time to shoot them. So that's so that's one trick I had. Watch out because um, if they're coming up below you and you bomb them, their explosion keeps moving upwards and can hit you. Yep. So, um, yeah, I don't know what else to say about it. It's a Scrabble game, and it had auto fire, so you could just. It hold. had auto fire. Yes, it did. That's the other thing I wanted to say about it. It had auto fire. <laughs>
So, uh, yeah, you didn't have to wear out your uh, trigger finger. You could just hold the trigger down. I don't know. Does anybody else that uh, tried it have anything else to say about this game? Anybody? Nope. Going. Anybody? Going. Anybody? Going. Gone. All right. Gone. <laughs> Our other game that we were playing was uh, Hungry Horus, which is basically a specky version of Pac Man. Got a question from the chat here, uh, Ken uh, from Jim Rye. He's okay. asking, "Is Ken supposed to be sharing?" Because he just we just see the panel on the screen. Oh, I um, I'm not sharing anything right now. No, because okay, my bandwidth sucks. If I'm sharing something, I can't really talk. <laughs> okay. Um, where was I? We're talking about uh, Hungry Horus. So. Did anybody get a chance to try that game this week? This was Jim Rye's uh, choice, by the way, last week. I did. Yeah, Hungry Horse is all right. It is the um, mascot of the Spectrum. And uh, there's one level on there that's really annoying because the entire level is one long haul. And it's got loops at each end. So, so you got to you got to draw the bad guy down to the bottom loop, and then and then run, <laughs> run the other. And he basically chases you entire hall. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, I do know that. Uh, re in the past, um, different YouTubers have been sued for using pictures of hung of Horace on their uh, stuff. So. Uh, We'll, we'll try not to bring up too many pictures of him on the live stream. So somebody has tried to copyright or patent the zero with feet. Did somebody bought the rights feet, to it yes. a few years back and they sued all the YouTubers that were doing any reviews of Horace games and everything. So well, that's nice and lame way to abuse the fan base there guy. Yep. So. Exactly. Oh, well, I'll, I'll was it Nintendo Horace out there and, and, and <laughs> if I can hey, find it. No, but no, I, I, when that kind of thing happens, I immediately think Nintendo or Disney. Right. But they have millions involved. Say, the Sinclair's got to have... Since our YouTube channel's not monetized, I don't think we have anything to worry about because all they would do is copyright claim it. And no, I don't, I don't know anything about this this thing you're talking about, Ken Lossi, but Steve Rasmussen in the chat just said, I think she was using Horace in an adult manner. So maybe that was mm. part uh, of the no, she, no, she got sued... That particular one, she got, uh, you're talking about Octavius, and she got sued for using Horace in her title screen. Okay. Mm. But uh, there was a couple of other YouTubers that got uh, sued also for um, having Horace pictures in their... Um, I assume this uh, is Horace from the manual artwork, not just Horace in the game somewhere. Yeah. Well, I'm not sure. Because there's 18 pixels. What can you do? <laughs> yeah. As somebody said, he's a big walking zero. Right. <laughs> Anyways, uh, yeah. So it's, uh, yeah, it's kind of a Pac-Man clone with a little bit of a different spin on how the mazes are set up. Yeah, they and, connect between uh, screens. Like you don't complete a maze and then go, you can just jump through yeah. the door, but you can't go back through that entrance. Yeah. 
And there is a way to cheat and get lots more points if you've been reading the Discord. I guess. Uh, yep. Just to make it fair. The way that you cheat is when you go on top of the uh, bell, you just stand there and let it keep ringing until you uh, until it disappears. And apparently you get a bunch of points for that. Not yet, but. Just so everybody's on uh, the same footing for getting a good score. My internet is being cranky. My internet? Mine. Oh. I think it I think it just came back. Yeah, Twitch back isn't quite sure. I don't know. Still streaming on streaming on Twitch, so my internet's yeah. cranky all the time, so no, we're we're a blurry mess here. Yeah, it lost about four hundred frames, but it's back. It's okay. Oh, there's Frank. Yeah, it's, it's just me talking, so. No, oh, Frank, Frank has joined us live from the Kitchener show. Frank is here to talk about Horace. Well, only I could figure out how to put my camera in Zoom. Uh, <laughs> but you know what? I'm just going to flip my phone. There you go. So, unfortunately, I hate to say we are the only ones in the Cocoa display. There's a lot of candy stuff. But I'm just going to quickly walk around. There is a talk going on, which is where the bulk of the people are. Uh, uh, Jeff Schnapps is giving a talk. Jeff is uh, the director behind a uh, documentary called I Adore My 64. And you guys can pretty much guess what that's about. Yeah. Uh, 64K some, Cocos? Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, sure. We'll go with, we'll go with that. Uh, we we will go with that, but uh, it's an interesting venue. It used to be a department store, and it's now all all broken open. Uh, and we're having a fantastic time here, to be perfectly honest with you. Yeah, it seems you got California beams out there too. Yeah, right. you know, we still don't want the building to fall on you if something happens. <laughs> so did did Neil it. Blanchard make it out there? I, I think I he haven't got sick. Seen but... Neil yet. Yeah, I think Neil said he'd be here tomorrow. Uh, so tomorrow we've got the majority of the speakers on Jerry Ellsworth and some former Commodore engineers that were in Maine neighborhood are here. Um, yeah, and I think you had Trina waved at the camera when you were walking by earlier. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure where she went. She was just here a second ago. But uh, yeah, so we're you know we're having a fantastic time. There's some interesting displays. We got a bunch of people from the old net. Uh, actually broadcasting on UHF. Uh, you see that all the talks are actually being broadcast over UHF. Uh, I'm not sure how happy the CRTC is going to be about that here, but <laughs> no one's going to call them. Uh, there's an MSI, an, an actual MSI over there in the corner. Um, and this is the one that was in a barn last year, wasn't it? Correct. Uh, and this year we are... Uh, we're here. We're we're serving alcohol as well. We've got a liquor license over here. The retro rewind stand. Uh, we've got the kitchen area all set up. Uh, Jamie's over there. Pretty. To, uh, what was that? Nick? It's Sorry? a pretty. It's a pretty classy looking location. Yeah, it's too bad they let us in because we bring the. <laughs> <laughs> It'll uh, clean right up when you're gone. Yeah, exactly. But that's uh, what the booze is for. Then you won't notice it yeah. too much. We uh, we're having a fantastic time. I mean, 
We've got all sorts of people here. Um, so I just kind of wanted to check in real quick and just uh, wave from uh, Kitchener on tour. And this is an annual event. How many years has it been going now? It's the third year that we've been doing it. Uh, next year will be a much larger thing with a uh, a new name. Let's just put it that way. Okay, so, so it covers all retro, though? Selection. It's not getting specific? All, all retro, all retro. Like I said, we've got M-Size here. We've got, uh, unfortunately, there's handy machines. There's just no, uh, like, there's 1,400s and 10, 1,000s. We seem to be the only people with a uh, a Coco display. It's, 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 it's over there. Jamie's showing off the uh, prowess of the SDC. But uh, we're having a fantastic time. An absolute fantastic time. We have a fantastic turnout. Which is uh, it's great, it's great to see. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna try to get to that one fairly soon. I'm gonna try to drag Bill Noble with me to that one. That would be great, great to have you come out. Here, look, I'm gonna do that. Uh, I didn't really think about this, or else I would have set this up properly. But hey, it seems to be working. <laughs> <laughs> no, it looks like a good show. I, I like the venue. That looks really cool, actually. Yeah, yeah, we. Yeah, it's a fantastic uh, event. Uh, there's Sarah, the real boss of the business over there. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's the first retro show I've gone to where I haven't bought anything solely because she's here. I was just going to say that you know the day's early yet, isn't it? Yeah, there's an Omega Three. Do they have an auction? Uh, no, I'm just on with Coco Nation. Say hi. Say hi to all the people. Uh, <laughs> what I. There is a, there's a raffle uh, system that's being uh, used to raise money for a, a local charity. Okay, that's cool. So you might yeah, have to, to spend some money there just to be, you know, polite and courteous. And there's an Amiga three thousand tower that uh, has my name on it. Sarah, Sarah didn't hear that, which is good. She just left, which is fantastic. But there is a very very expensive machine that I have my eye on. <laughs> All right, I don't, I don't want to hold you guys up. If anyone's got any questions, I'll take them real quick. But we, as you can see, we've got uh, customers all over the place, which is uh, we're, we're, it's a fantastic, you, fantastic you, show, fantastic event. You, you said next year you're going to be changing the name, which I won't ask you more about that because it sounds like it's a bit secret at the moment, or maybe not even finally decided. But is it going to be at the same venue next year since you switched venues this year? No, it'll be at a much larger venue. Okay, we uh, we we hit we hit unfortunately fire capacity here. And we actually have people outside waiting to get in. One, two oh, people. okay. That's a good problem uh, to have. Yeah, it's a good problem to have. Uh, it's not a good problem when the fire marker fills up. Though. So no. <laughs> uh, we're, we're playing by the rules. Uh, no, next year will definitely be a, a much larger venue. Probably a more traditional venue here. And roughly around the same time of the year? Uh, or a bit earlier. I think we're aiming for the beginning of August. So that, you know, people take vacation, you know, it can... Come around September's kind of a tough time for some people, especially we got kids going to school and all that. Most people don't want to take vacation, uh, so we're, we're aiming for like uh, either the second week or third week of August. Okay, cool. Yeah, I, I would like to get out to that one. That one sounds like a lot of fun. To talking to you and Neil and a few others that have been to it before. So, yeah, I think we can make that happen. Cool. Well, thanks for popping by and showing us that. Uh, we we definitely time, need more cook representation, well. though. <laughs> okay, we're there. We've got it. We're doing it. We're doing it over there. Next somewhere. year, we'll, we'll next year the Coco Nation will invade. Yeah, and, it, and you guys are more than welcome. You know that. 
Hey Ken, we got another road trip coming up. Oh right. <laughs> Except I'm pretty. Cl- I'm not that far from Toronto. I'll just fly. No, you're not. You're not. All right. Enjoy I'll the rest of the show, guys. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Frank, thanks. Have a good weekend, guys. Sure. Bye. <laughs> Hey, right, sorry, Ken. <laughs> I right. wanted to catch him before it nose over there. Yeah, no problem. No problem at all. Um, so yeah, so those are the games uh for uh that we played last week. And we are continuing with Hungry Horse for another week. And uh I was lazy this week because I'm in the middle of packing up to go home. So we talked about what the game was gonna be for next week and we decided it on Thursday night show if you were anybody was paying attention. And this was what we decided on. If anybody recognizes this. Is that the I don't think I do because I think I suggested it, but yeah, you're the one that suggested it. So <laughs> Some nope, sort not of centipede. centipede clone. It's not a centipede clone. It's a millipede clone. There you go. Mm-hmm. So this is yep. the one and only millipede clone on the cocoa. It's is that by in, intracolor or something? Or no? Nope. It's not. No. Nope. Nope. So Kingpede is by T and D Software, and it is a. I guess that's another um, magazine. Yep. Another tape one. magazine. <clears throat> Yeah, they had so some good uh, stuff on those. I have, I have to say, I've been going through them for uh, chronological gaming. In fact, I'm fixing two of them to run off disk systems because right now they're hard coded for cassette. So I've been patching a few. Of them. You'll be seeing them showing up in the archive. A couple I were actually uploaded earlier this week have shown up on the archive now. So there's a few new games that you know most of us have never seen before. I'd never seen some of these before myself. So there's some cool stuff on there. Might have to pull and out the trackball. So it's a uh, thirty uses thirty two k RAM and it's for the Coco one, two, or three. Now, um, Thursday night, I guess I'll talk about that a little bit since Sloopy's not here. Um, We had a pretty good show there. Uh, We had... Some people were having a little trouble getting their systems working properly, but uh, we had, I think, got the most six or seven people at once. Uh, I I thought we got up to nine. Did we end up to nine? I don't know. I wasn't actually paying attention. I was just playing games. <laughs> yeah, this is supposed and, to be Sloopy's job. You weren't supposed to have to pay attention. Yeah, I, I don't have to pay attention. I'm just there to play games and listen to Mark talk about the instructions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Brian had some interesting screensavers. Yes. Well, Brian was the one that couldn't get quite get his system working properly. Yeah, I was trying to... Um... Uh, I was working with my Dragon 32 to get it going to play the game, and it was okay. uh, giving me fits. So people were playing both uh, both games there, as you can see. So I think we were having a lot of fun and uh, just basically chatting and, yeah, having a good time. And if you want to join us for having that good time on Thursday nights, it starts at, I don't know, what is that, 6 Eight. o'clock Central Time? Uh, 7. 7 o'clock Central Time? Yeah, 8 sure. Eastern. Sure. 8 Eastern. There you go. So uh, on the Discord channel, 
So drop by. Even if you don't want to play a game, you can just drop in and chat. But uh, yeah, you can choose one of the Game On Challenge games or play any Coco game you want. So cool. And it looks like David Craker's back at his table here, so we can maybe... Oh, okay. Well, we'll switch over to David Craker going live in the field to David Craker. You can tell he's wearing the Dungeons and Dagrath shirt. Hey, guys. Can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you, David. Excellent, excellent. No worries. Uh, yeah, we're in Winnipeg at Game Night Games at the Manitoba Retro Computer Enthusiasts uh, meetup, I guess you could call it. Um, we don't have as many Cocos here as I thought. Um, one of the guys who had a Coco 1 here is just getting packed up. You might be able to see the box uh, on one of the tables way back. I might have to just move the camera a little bit. If you don't see the box, it's no big deal. Like There's not that much to see. Uh, yeah. anyway, but, we, can um, see we got a couple of Cocos over here that are set up. Uh, there are a few more guys who have them. Uh, we've got a whole bunch of other cool machines, though. There's an Amiga, a uh, couple of Commodore machines. There's a TurboGrafx-16 set up in the back corner. Um, there's an Atari, uh, I think a Telestar machine, actually, there as well. Uh, Coleco Atom. So we've got a lot of variety here. And uh, my son is enjoying some time uh, playing video games right here as well. So. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's been there the whole time you've been had the camera set up. Oh yeah, he he can play Candy Company for hours. <laughs> now is, is this generally what? retro computers and video game systems? Is that the idea? Just basically anything retro? Basically, I mean, our focus is computers, but we have opened it up to uh, retro consoles as well. Um, like we are a computer enthusiast group, but a lot of us also like video game consoles, so uh, we'll bring those as well. And how long has this show been running? Is this the first year? Or? uh it's just it's not even really a show it's just a meetup like we'll meet up every three months or so we'll do a meetup um and this is the second one that i've been to the first one i was at was in the spring before coco fest i think it was in march uh and they did one over the summer where people just brought handhelds to a restaurant and, and met up at a restaurant that time so this is our second one here in this space where we've got room to bring uh like full-size computers and stuff to set up and uh, what's attendance been like just out of curiosity well what you see here right now if i just sort of pan the room a little bit that's pretty typical what we have we do have people who are customers in the store who just drop in and we had a few of those again today people who didn't even know about our group but they see the machine set up and they come and drop in and you know they get some hands-on and get some fun with playing some some of the games um so you get a, like a few more people than what you see here now and then it kind of ebbs and flows but this is pretty typical okay and is this regularly scheduled like literally every three months or is you just kind of figure it out as you go or we kind of figure it out as we go yeah there's a, a facebook group that we're all part of and uh the organizer kind of just message people and suggest a date every few months and see what works for people and did you get hold of uh d bruce moore is he thinking about coming out it's one of these or I messaged him in Discord, uh, found him in Discord, but I didn't hear back from him at all. And I, you know, I just uh, he messaged him. Be, he might be out of town too. Who knows? Yeah, who knows? But so hopefully he'll see it at some point. And maybe if he's watching the show right now, Bruce, check your <laughs> Discord messages. Uh, we'd love to have you join us sometime. It'd be awesome. Yeah. Be As I was mentioning to you in, in private chat, there's a few uh, companies uh, from Winnipeg that used to sell stuff for the Coco. Like Color Term was originally created by a company in, in Winnipeg, and there's a few others too. I got to hunt them down so we can find some of those old users. Yeah, that'd be awesome. We could have a few of those guys hook into our group, or, or you know, or come on your show at some point as well. It'd be really cool. 
But if you can give me some warning on the next one, because Winnipeg's only like an eight-hour drive. That's nothing for me, yeah. Ken. Um, exactly, yeah. And, and Bill's actually an hour closer than I am, so I could even pick him up on the way and maybe make it a weekend trip or something, or, you know, depending that on what time awesome of day the week you guys have. Guys here too. Yeah, totally. It's only we five hours from my cabin. <laughs> Sorry, what'd what you say? That? I said it's only five hours from my cabin, so that's like a morning drive. I didn't get yeah. Ken on the way, too. So. Oh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> We do have some members in our group from Thunder Bay, I know. So, uh, you know, you, you wouldn't be that far from where they are either. And yeah, definitely, you guys would be welcome. We'd love to have you. We'll have to get one of those portacocos we had covering earlier, just all battery operated remote screens yeah. in the whole bit. <laughs> you could walk around the, the game store browsing the shelves while you use your cocoa then. Yep. Typing in the list of stuff I want to buy. Yeah. <laughs> I do actually have, I don't have it set up right now, but I do have my light gun adapter here as well. Uh, my, my son's enjoying candy company so much. I haven't hooked it up yet, but uh, it is working. Uh, I did, uh, I did avoid the nine volt battery, desoldered the nine volt battery clip and we're using a five volt, uh, just five volt DC uh, phone charger to power it now. Works really nice, nice and solid. Um, powering from the joystick port did not work. Uh, I tried that, and it just uh, pulled the the voltage down too low. I was down to about four volts on the Coco Three, and uh, the circuit did not work with that. So. <laughs> yeah, I just yeah. have a nine volt battery adapter on mine. So I have it now. This is a one day event, or is it? Or do you guys do it again tomorrow? Uh, just just for a few hours on a Saturday. So we're we're from one till four Central Time. Okay. So it's just like yeah, a few hours in the afternoon on a Saturday. It's what we typically have done so far. It's not a whole weekend thing yet. Maybe someday. <laughs> but it but it happens more often. You don't have to wait a whole year for this one. Yeah, I'm gonna have to talk to Bill about that one because I wasn't even aware of this one until you texted me yesterday. I think it was, and then uh, I'll well, have to it's pretty see if new, right? To. So this is only the second one we've done, and uh, it's just like a few guys local here who kind of connected on Facebook. Uh, you know, if you see the guy in the white shirt right in the middle of the screen there, that's uh, Doug Ham. He's the leader of our group who started it, uh, okay. started the Facebook group, and kind of uh, he's the one who kind of calls when the next meetup's going to be. Um, and he'd be happy to talk with you guys if you want to have a chat with him. He can tell you maybe a bit more details of how we started the group or whatever. Um, I kind of gave him a heads up, you know, so he won't be shocked. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, actually, if you can post the uh, link to the Facebook group, maybe in, in Discord there, this for some of us that are, you know, a bit more local to that area can pop by, like Ken in the summer when he's at his cabin, he's, he's pretty close, and yeah, Bill and I aren't too far away. And Yeah, and if you're part of the group, then you'll know whenever we're doing a meetup, so that'd be great to have you guys drop by. Cool. Yeah. I like the setup, though, because you said this is actually normally for playing D&D or something, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I, I, if I just move the camera here a little bit, you can see they've got shelves and shelves yeah. just full of board games here. So that's what they're normally setting up on all these tables. They'll have uh, you know a big board game meetup, and if I pan a bit further, there's even more tables further back. I don't know if you can see them back mm. there, but yeah, lots of lots of space. Like we'd have room to bring a lot more computers in here yet, and it would still fit. So come on down next time. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. There, I just might do that. Are there murals on the wall back there? Uh, uh, there are some murals around, yeah. Uh, not not like computer ones, but uh, yeah, on the back wall, yeah. you can see some painted murals back there, eh? like yeah. medieval sort of theme stuff. Mm -hmm. Fits with the D&D &D sort of theme, I guess. The D&D, &D, yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. Sort of the medieval style. Yeah. 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 And they sell all sorts of miniatures for that type of, of gaming. So um, what's what's the head under the big window there? That's a, it looks like a like a griffin, maybe, is what I guess. Yeah. It looks a bit like an owl, but I'm gonna say it's a griffin head. Mm. Yeah, I think you're right. It's pretty cool looking. And there's a dragon head as well beside the door. I don't know if you see that. There might be somebody blocking yeah. that right. Oh yeah. yeah. It's like a red dragon head. <laughs> now, is this strictly like just like sort of a meetup where everybody brings their machines and everybody kind of plays around with each other's, or do you, or is there trading and selling and vendors and stuff too? Or we don't have anything official like that. I actually haven't asked if uh, you know they'd mind if if people sold stuff. But so far, it's just it's like people come here and meet and bring their stuff, and you know we talk, get to use other people's machines. You you learn about what other people have brought. It's a lot of fun just because there's so much variety here. Okay, cool. And I got to introduce a few people to the Coco SDC today as well. Uh, the other Coco owner just has a backbit to use with it. And since it's Coco One, the backbit actually doesn't work on it yet. So uh, I, I went to my Coco SDC for a bit of the show today. Might have a so, sale for Frank. <laughs> What's that? So might have a sale for Frank. He's actually at another yeah. show in uh, Kitchener. I told him where to get one from. So yeah, he does know about Frank already. <laughs> <laughs> Which uh, Mac is that one that we, we can just see the back of? Uh, that's the Macintosh Classic. Do you guys Classic. want me to take you around the tables or, at all? I can pop my phone out and walk around if you want to see stuff. Sure. A bit more. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Just give me a sec here. We're nerds. We like this kind of stuff. Let's say hi to your son. <laughs> So that's my son Joshua. Say hi, Hello. Josh. Hey, Josh. He's playing. Hey, you want a right copy now. of New Joy? <laughs> I think he's appeared on the show before during Game On, hasn't he? Once or twice. He has before, yeah. Yeah, and actually, he plays second uh, playing Candy Company as well. Let's Nick see Marotta your shirt. Tina <laughs> <Dino> Wars. <laughs> <laughs> And here we've got a Macintosh Classic. I got my first oh, yeah. shareware. I got sh I finally got shareware for the first, like physical shareware. I'm so happy. <laughs> Somebody feels like, yeah, this is a bunch of Mac stuff. You should have it. I'm like, okay. awesome. I'm happy. I finally got I finally experienced shareware. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> you got all sorts of stuff to, to use then. Exactly. Yeah, yeah we've got a a Coleco Telestar over here too. Who said that? Yeah. Well, I remember those. It's a rare one. Uh, that's pong, real pong. Turn it <laughs> yeah. on. Let's see it. Yes, and it's all vintage. Uh, uh, one second, I'll ask the guy who has it. Is this your? Yeah, we don't want to see the blue. That's a goodly amount of uh, board games you got. We can actually see the full wall now. Back. As loud as it's going to be. Look at that pong. was playing. I was yeah, the guy on the live stream right now, he just programmed Pong and Basic on the Coco just in, in the last few weeks. Yeah. Nick Marantis. <laughs> so far, in all basic. the crap we've had today, this has been the most popular device that people, strangers have sat down at. No way. It's universal. Everyone knows Pong. It's universal, exactly. Everybody yep. knows Pong. If you want to play like number of bunches, they're like, they don't know. Yeah. Like, you, just, you, just, <laughs> you see this? You're like, oh, yeah, I don't want to play this. <laughs> It's yeah, it's a lot simpler than Baldur's Gate 3, I'll say. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> it's like this fine control. So we've got the Telestar. We've got a Coleco Atom here as well. Yeah, both, oh, both tape eraser. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Coleco Adam with the FujiNet. So basically, the whole Coleco library is uh, is on this guy. Yeah, I think Henry Reitfeld had one of those at uh, Coco Fest when he brought his Adam. When he says the whole library, is that like more than 12 games? Oh, yeah. <laughs> we were just browsing Wikipedia before you came over. We wanted to know more about one of the other computers. I said, I have a way to find out about it. Let's nice. look Wikipedia nice. on my Adam. On your Adam, even. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, well, I'd like to think so. Yeah. FujiNet lets you do all sorts of amazing stuff. It does, yeah. yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Could you have something that Mark Overholzer is familiar with on the Apple too? So, yeah, totally. That's something I need to learn more about. Yeah. You can see the ColecoVision here as well. He's got a nice setup with the steering wheel, also. Yeah, oh, yeah. And trackball too. Yeah, trackball. And uh, there's a Commodore SS64 just a bit further down. Oh, you can skip that one. Commodore. <laughs> Seen it Frank usually has one of those running at his booth, too. Yeah. Those are all always really nice machines. I like seeing those. They don't see them too often. So. I think, Ken, we saw two of them or three of them at Boat Fest here. There's three of them at Boat Fest. I tried to take one home, but nobody would let me. What is that, an 8100 yeah. or something? Uh, G3. What model of PowerPC is this, Matt? Uh, G3 mini tower beige. You guys heard that? Okay, so G3 is a bit later, yeah, than 8100. Yeah. yeah. And we got Amiga 1200 right next door. In really nice shape. And a Wyco joystick. Yeah. Looks yeah. like <laughs> classic. I have a yeah. used Telstar if you want to trade for your Amiga 1200. Just let me know. <laughs> Some guys are packing up already, but we do have, uh, I'll just swing by to the back here. We got one more machine. It's the TurboGrafx 16 mini that he brought in. Couple of stealth computers there. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, my roommate had a full size Turbo Graphics. Actually, it was a fun machine. There were some pretty good games on it. Really good games, yeah. Devil's Crush and Alien Crush were my favorites. <laughs> so that's the whole show right now. There was a couple other guys in this back corner that have packed up and left already. But okay, yeah, definitely. I'll have to see if I can join the group. Maybe send me the link in the Facebook uh, or in Discord for the Facebook group there, and I'll join it up. And then maybe say so I can drag Bill and myself down. Sure, that's your yeah, shirt. Definitely. Let's we'll see that shirt. Hey. There you go. Being a place that Boko being a place still that play. <laughs> Being a place that plays D and D, we should be running dungeons. Yeah, you should be running Daggers. Uh, <laughs> I, yeah. I have the I have the cartridge with me. Actually, I should get that running. You're right. I've been too yeah. busy talking to people. To, or Gates to of Delirium, or Seventh Link, or Paladin's Legacy. Yeah. There's a ton of games that fit. Just don't play there again. <laughs> right. I did not bring that cartridge. I own it, unfortunately, but I did not bring it. <laughs> it's a it good project cartridge. The, might be on the STC, you know. Yeah, Dagareth should be on the STC for sure. Yeah, but I have the actual cartridge. I should pull that out when I have yeah. a chance to use the real thing. I definitely should do it <laughs> when you get a chance. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's too good at Candy Co. Here, you're, you're going to have to do it next year. <laughs> I think it's still the same game. Josh is well, well, it'll, it'll, it'll work on the other Coco. <laughs> Bring more cocos. It'll work on the other cocoa. It it would, yes. I'll, I'll get Dagrath running on the cocoa one over there. Yeah, that's uh, that's my white case cocoa one that I just just got uh, finished restoring in the last few weeks. So yeah, the sixty four K color computer one, or just color computer sixty four K computer is called at the time. 
I do have a gray case uh, 64K machine at home, but that one needs a new voltage regulator still. I haven't got around to fixing it yet, but soon, hopefully. It looks like it's got a nice picture. Yeah. It's not bad. It's got a composite mod in it, which definitely helps. The, the RF on it looks terrible. Uh, <laughs> I think more terrible than usual because I'm pretty sure it was flood damage before I bought it. Uh, it took a lot of cleaning up to get it to look as good as it does now. <laughs> Is it the melted keyboard? Yeah, yeah, 64K computer. That was the very first yeah. Coco that had the melted keyboard. Interestingly, the machine I have here, when I got it, it actually had a full travel Coco 2 keyboard on it, um, which I've restored and got working again. But I actually switched this keyboard with the Coco 2 that I have because I wanted to have the melty keyboard in this one. Right. Yeah. This yeah. Somebody upgraded their it themselves. Right. Yeah, it came from a school district, so I think the, the school probably upgraded it at some point. <laughs> Later, Ken. Ken just uh, notifies he has to go finish packing because he's uh, heading out of starting he's heading packing. west here tomorrow. Drive safe, Ken. Maybe stop by and say hi to Dave on your way through Winnipeg. Yeah, you're, you're welcome to stop in. I'm in Manitoba, southern Manitoba. <laughs> I'll message you later. <laughs> I'll be through there in the morning tomorrow morning. <laughs> there you go. Sounds good. Denny's is open, right? You later on today. <laughs> right. All right. Meet at the Denny's. Bye, everybody. <laughs> Bye. See you again. Did you finish the game on? Yeah, I'm finished the game on. Okay. I announced everything. I did everything. So, and then I passed it off to our roving reporter in the field. Come on. Yep. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you guys got any more questions, I'll probably sign off shortly as well. I want to visit with a few more of the guys here if I can. So, oh look, he's finished. Oh, oh no, he hasn't. Did you get a high score? Five thousand Fifty-five thousand five hundred fifty-five, but you've got over a hundred thousand before, haven't you? <laughs> yeah, he's just telling you his score, but he's got he's got higher than this before. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, let you go so you can visit with the rest of the guys there too, and maybe show off Dagreth while you're at it. Yeah, I'll definitely get Dagreth going right away. But it was great chatting with you guys. Thanks for letting me share a bit, and uh, hope to see some of you here. Yeah, I, I definitely would like to make it out. That's that's not too bad of a drive. Right on. I think I'm even still relatives in Tell your son to take a picture of the high score. <laughs> oh yeah, we'll, we'll put it up on the uh, the Discord channel afterwards. Yeah, on the, on the general <laughs> game post. <laughs> high score screenshots. Right. Hey. All right. Take care, guys. Thanks, Dave. Hey, hey, Mark. Or uh, Curtis. Yeah, or Curtis Abater. If I could show one more thing, just real quick, that I found, I just wanted to. It, I thought it was kind of interesting. It'll take just thirty okay. seconds. Just let Mark highlight yep. you first. There you go. So I was putting that joystick uh, back, and there's a little cardboard insert that was in the bottom that kind of kept the two joysticks separated. And I thought I saw a piece of paper underneath there. And so I I took everything out of the box, and this was in the bottom. I just thought it, it was kind of interesting. So I thought I'd just I'd like to – whoops. I'd like to share it real quick. <laughs> yep. Let's see How do you fit uh, the dog in the box is my question. Right, right. There you go. Um, let's see here. There we go. Did it switch? There we go. So the, the, the person that had this, so the person that had this must have maybe bought this at a, uh, so it says, welcome to the sixth 6809 color computer show. I remember the reading Dragon. about these. These were annual events in the UK that covered both the dragons and the Cocos. Yeah. And so it, it has the, the event here it was on uh, December, 1987. Yeah. And uh, there's more. 
So let's here get this to lay flat here a little bit. The whole map. So it has a, has a has a map with all the different vendors and uh, H C Anderson. Let's hear quick quick beam quick software. Beam. Yep, game manufacturer. Um, PMP National Dragon Users Group. Uh, John Penn Discount Software. Uh, David uh, Macon OS Nine Users Group. Woohoo! Uh, is that CompuSense? Yeah. Uh, Harry Whitehouse. <laughs> Uh, A and R, uh, Computape, uh, Blaby, Amateur yep, Radio, Blaby Computer Games, yep. yep. Uh, Dragon Magazine uh, was there. Uh, Dragon Users Magazine, and uh, Dragon uh, Rick and Roar, Delta DOS, and Sixty Eight Microgroup. So Sixty, yeah. Karen just mentioned he went to a couple of the later shows of this particular show. Himself. Okay. So yeah, a little layout of the map there. So I don't. Know, I just thought that was kind of interesting. Uh, I just wanted to share that real quick before I. I put put it all the way there, but so I'm guessing maybe this person, maybe they might have bought this from a vendor there, maybe, and they just folded this up and put it all in there, and then just never got around to using the joysticks or something. But uh, hmm. anyway, I just on the back just, cover, or is it just blank? Um, uh, whoops! Oh, yeah, coming shows. soon. <laughs> coming soon. So there we go. So yeah, I just wanted to take a few minutes. Oh. I thought that was kind of interesting before I boxed it up again. So. So, oh, cool. He okay. should scan that and throw them on the archive. I don't think there's any of those in the archive. Okay, yeah. Could do that. So okay. That's all I wanted to share. I just wanted to throw that out there. Cool. Go on. Okay. You have any of those, Nick, for Australian shows, or did you ever go to any? No, I don't know. So we're in between stuff, right? I just want to say something real quick. This yeah. is my brother in law, Mark Wittick, and he's a color computer user for years. He has one set up in his basement. He's fighting cancer, and today's his birthday. Happy birthday, Mark. Yeah, he's, he's having a rough go of it, so he really needs – if you pray, pray for him to get a chance. Okay? Okay. Okay. Thanks. Happy birthday. Get well soon. Yeah. yeah. Hey, oh, Mark, and, uh, I think before we go, go ahead. Oh, this vintage geek guy? I'll be covering some of him in the news. Texted him and um, <clears throat> haven't heard back from him. But uh, um, I did, you know, his logo for him. Uh, if he wants to pick it up, it's on Ron's Garage. But um, he seems to be a really nice guy, and he's very Coco-oriented, his first computer. That's what he grew up with, yeah. Like, Ken and I yeah. went and met him down at the museum before it officially opened to the public. Uh, you probably saw the video we did of that. I invited uh, him to come on the show, but... Yeah, he hasn't got back to me yet. Uh, has he ever been on the show other than features? I think I think we we Ken and I recorded an interview with him at the Vintage Geek Museum, which I think we played on the channel or played on the show, and then it's also on Ken's channel. I don't know if he's officially been on the show itself. I can't remember if he has or not. That's a good question. Yeah. So we'll we'll see. Yeah, he's got a couple of Coco related videos he put up for Septandy this week. Yeah, we'll be covering those in the news. So yeah, he's a great guy. Yeah. Great museum, too. So if you're in Tennessee, I mean, go check it out. Uh, Mark, I think, well, since we've had a couple of live, you know, show presentation stuff here, I think we'll go straight to a commercial break before we hit the news. What do you think? Good idea. <laughs> and I need coffee. I'm up. Hello, this is Mark Siegel, 
product manager for the Color Computer product line and designer of the Tandy Color Computer 3. And I'm proud to be a citizen of the Coco Nation. Shall we play a game? Making games for the Coco for over 35 years. Go to my Coco Games website at www.nickmarentes.com for information and pricing of my later games as well as downloads of many of my older games. Coco 2's got personality, lots of practicality, fun is sensational, learn is educational. Coco 2's expandable, so easily commandable. It's programmable, so term exam grammable. Just you and Coco 2 do what you want to do. Coco 2, the color computer with personality from Radio Shack. Sale price for Christmas giving from $149.95. Radio Shack's Coco 2, do what you want to do. Just you and Coco 2. And we're back. Okay, so I think maybe what I'll do, we're just discussing in, in during the commercial break there. I think we'll do the game on news first, then we'll start the regular news, but the regular news at the very beginning, we'll talk about Brian Joyce and a, a bit of what he's contributed to the community and uh, a general discussion. So, um, and Nick, you want to you talk about it because it actually directly involves you too, I think. Well, um, a, a little bit, yeah. No, anyway, just just to explain yeah, like some is. of the things. And Mark, because you were the kind of person that, or you were the person that was kind of heading up the whole discussion on you know what happens when somebody passes away type thing. What do you do with your collections? I think that we, we get you involved in that too because this does involve that in a way we hadn't really thought of before until what happened with Nick here. So, yeah, but this is kind of the exact thing I was thinking about and realized you know I, we probably should have talked with him. Well, we should talk with everybody, but anyway. Yeah, but yeah, <clears throat> kind of just a whole bunch of things at once. So, 
Uh, for those of you who missed the beginning of the show, we actually played the um, the, the fake trailer for the fake movie of uh, David the David Ladd story on floppy drives, and actually Brian Joyce is the one who actually did that. So we'll, we'll talk about that after the game on news. So Play it if again you want to... later, what's that? Play that commercial again. Yeah, when we, we get back to the that. news, I think we'll play that a second yeah, time yeah. just to because people that that's probably what he's most famous for. Yeah. That well, besides may, hosting your site. It. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Mark, if you want. Okay, so, so before I start sharing stories here, I, I want to actually bring Nick in on his other little side project he's been working on the last week or two. We kind of announced last week that he'd made a version of Pong, and uh, he then released it in the wild to the public to start fiddling around with, and that's exactly what happened. And I've actually lost track completely of what's been going on, because uh, I've been quite busy with uh, some work stuff cleaning up the rest of rush season here. So, Nick, what, what all happened with Pong? Well, Pong... Um... Just a quick reflection back. I mean, that that whole thing started when uh, Danielle here in Australia uh, put up a, uh, a post asking if uh, there was a Pong game available for the Coco because she wanted to do a a, uh, a video uh, for for her music and wanted to incorporate the Coco. And I, I, I don't know exactly what the video is going to be, but she wanted Pong. And... Um, I said, well, there isn't any that are exactly like, you know, the old black and white Pong. So I thought, well, why don't you write one? And she said it was a good idea. But it, then when I, after the show, I thought, tell you what, I'll write one. So I wrote <laughs> I wrote one in basic. And I, it was a bit of a challenge just to write it in standard, extended basic. No machine language, no tricks. And I, I, I did a preliminary preliminary version and uploaded that and uh, Danny, it was perfect for what Danielle wanted but I also said well tell you what I just did this quickly if anyone can get it optimize it improve it or, or change it whatever they want to do I, it was no commercial thing or anything it was just a something to do and um, it got it, it did get picked up by Richard Kelly uh, he he um, actually took my version and optimized it because being in basic, of course, it's going to be a little bit slow. Um, so he's, he optimized it a bit and got it a bit more speed. And uh, he's been taking it even further. Um, I think uh, uh, Eric Gavrila, no, who was it? Someone suggested oh, you should have a, a demo mode in there as well. And I like the sound of that. So I thought I'd keep working on it, and I've added a demo mode, uh, a bit of color as well. Uh, Richard's actually extending extending it even further. So when we see his version, his will probably be a better one, which is going to be faster, and who knows what else he'll add. But I thought, well, my one, I'll I'll just put the demo mode in, and you know, tidy it up, and just release that as my Septandy project since that's what I seem to be spending most of my time on this month. So that is my official uh, SEP Tandy. So you can download the uh, a, a disk image of it. I've just put it up on Facebook, a, a disk image of it. 
Yeah, I've got. I'm just sharing the screen now. So this is uh, your kind of latest update here from 13 yeah, hours ago. That's um, right. So you can download the the uh, Pong Pong for ECB. I called it, and then just run this. It's just a single basic program. And below it, you can see the a screenshot. So I added a bit of color as well this time. Well, that was what I was going to ask. Cause like when you released it last week, it was basically strict black and white Pong. It was really yeah. Simple. That was. That's what right. all has Richard contributed and what all have you added since last week? Oh, he, Rich, Richard uh, optimized the basic programming. I'm doing all these little, uh, I, I, I don't even understand all the tricks, but he, the way he uses all the variables um, and uh, positioning of certain things uh, you know, in the program, putting, I think the first 10 lines were all, single increment line numbers and apparently basic can uh, access those root those lines quicker if they're uh, at the beginning of the code and that's where he's moved the actual main game loop in he's done a few things i mean i i don't understand all the little tricks uh that was richard kelly's uh, genius on all those how, how much um, faster did it run after his changes just out of curiosity it's a little bit faster i mean i I've added a like few noticeably more or it. subtly. Oh, I was a little bit smoother. I did um, since the last version. I um, the 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 pixel originally ran as an entire byte. It was like a big block moving around the screen, and it it was a bit. A, well, it still is a, a bit easy to play, really. But I I thought I'd make the 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 dot move by half byte b blocks. So the pixel's now half height. So it's a little, it looks a bit smoother and, um, well, it has more frames of animation for the ball. And doing that means, of course, that the, the code's going to run a bit slower. So without, without Richard's optimizations, it would have been slower than what it was previously. Whereas now it's running about the same speed, even though I've increased the, uh, the ball frame rate, you could say. So oh. it's not. And you added some color too, by the looks of it. Well, I added the color. I added the color just to make it look a bit different. Uh, it, it's easily made to black and white. There's no no big tricks on that. Um, but it's a two-player game. I added an extra function now because the game's not really hard. In basic, it doesn't really run fast enough to be hard. So you can, when you watch the demo game, most times the ball, it manages to catch the ball on both sides um, every time. You know, it's computer controlled. It, it can play the game almost perfectly. It's, uh, it, it is quite easy. So what I did was the ball, that, that green dotted line you see in the middle, when the ball crosses there, it will order, well, randomly deflect the ball like at a um opposite angle so if it's heading upwards and it goes into that green line it might then deflect downwards just to give it a bit something you know, make it a little bit harder so other than that it's still pong <laughs> but uh that that's my my uh, attempt that was all i was gonna planning to do uh but richard's uh is probably adding more stuff in there and maybe more optimizations. But for for basic, straight basic, no other 
no uh, machine code or anything to speed it up. Just goes to show what you can do with the uh, Coco's extended color basic. This will work on a Coco 1 and 2, uh, but it'll be a little bit slower again because on the Coco 3, it does actually turn on the double clock speed, so it runs a little bit faster. On a Coco 1 and 2, it it just puts up the... Um, the, uh, the ROM the speed up, yeah. The ROM speed up only, which isn't quite this, up to the same speed as on the Coco 3. But, oh, well, that's that's what I've been able to do in BASIC. So Now, we got a request from stop. Alan Murphy here in the chat. He says, hopefully someone can uh, pull that poor game from being held hostage by Facebook <laughs> and send it over to the Color Computer Archive. Now, I'm, I'm guessing if Richard's yeah. still doing changes, you're going to wait until it stabilizes and it's done, done, and then you'll oh, no. probably throw it on there? Well, no, well th th this is my version. Oh, well, to keep all the pongs on one disk image, maybe, yeah. Yeah, because there are there's a fair number of people that just don't do Facebook. I mean, our two guests is more no, no. We're, we're two that don't on so. Facebook. Yeah, so we we could probably get a um, a single disk image with all the pongs on there. The one I uploaded is just a blank a blank DSK with that one file on there in Basic, my one. But okay. yeah, later on we can we can add um, we can add Richard's one as well and. I don't know if anyone else has got another one as well. We could just put it as a Pong compilation. <laughs> yeah, but I think we'll leave you in charge since you're the one who instigated the project, and then you, Richard can let you well, know when I mean, he's done. Yeah, I mean, there's, no, there's been no real big planning. It's just something that's just happened, you know. Oh, <laughs> you know, that, that, that looks like fun. Let's do this, and then let's do that. And it just evolved, you know. So many squirrels, so little so. time. <laughs> that's right so anyway I'll, I'll, if I, I if i didn't stop it it would be it would, it would have been constant feature creep you know so that's as far as i was going to do because i've got a i've got a other projects i've got to start as well yeah anyway for those of you that are on facebook if you want to grab the latest version from richard and or the latest version from nick or both uh you can get them in the uh, tandy color computer group in facebook and uh, once it's stabilized and they're kind of done, we'll get it uploaded to the archive so that everybody else can get a grab of it too. And then I'll put them up on my site too because I'm, I'm not going to do it until they're stabilized. I'm not going to update it every second day because I've got, uh, like Nick, yeah. a lot of stuff I'm still on the go doing here, which I'll be discussing some of that a little bit later on the show. Yep. Okay, well, thank you, Nick. I will now switch. I can. Okay, you guys, are we seeing some canyon climber? Yep. Okay, this is, uh, I mean, we've seen lots of gameplay videos. We've covered canyon climber numerous times before. Uh, what's unique about this one is something, uh, and Karen had pointed this out when he noticed it too, and he mentioned on the Discord, is I've never seen this done on a Coco before. This is a speed run. For those of you who are not familiar with what a speed run is, it's basically to get mm. through a game either completely or get through all levels of a game, which is the case here because the game itself can go on forever. But to go through all three screens in is the absolute shortest time possible, and um, that's what this guy did. And I guess that's a challenge to you other Coco game players out there. Can you do it any faster than this? And because it's so short, it's just like a minute and a bit here. I'll play the whole thing, and you can kind of see how he goes through all three levels of Cannon Climber in just over a minute plus type thing. So, 
I started it up a little bit here, but there we go. It's brand new. That's the demo, and there he goes. And the timer's running. You can see in the lower left there. Oh, another Discord channel. What was that? Another okay. Discord channel, the speedrun channel. <laughs> well, I know these are popular in PCs and more modern gaming systems, yeah. but I'd never seen anybody try it on a Cocoa before. So well, That's a cool idea. I was going to mention again, maybe that could be a, like a special edition of the Game On Challenge, too, is maybe try to do a speedrun. Yeah. Right. That's a good idea. There, 34 seconds. He's on screen, too. I know this is just riveting for the audio-only listeners, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's on screen, too. He's jumping over arrows and getting to the top, and... 51 seconds, 52 seconds. He's on the third hey, one where you're jumping the platforms. They can buy a cell phone and watch this, you know, on video. <laughs> At least they're getting the sound effects. And 106.94. So basically you got it done in 107. Um, I don't think I've ever done it that fast. So there's a challenge to the uh, Canyon Climber aficionados here. Either watching, hearing, listening on the chat, in the on the board panel here. See if anybody can beat that. Maybe we should make that an official challenge for the Game on Challenge as a, a third thing to do besides the two official games for a week. Yeah. That'd be kind of fun to watch people right. trying to compete doing that actually on the live stream too, I think. What was that, uh, Rick? You were, you were accepting the challenge? Was that what you were saying? Oh, no, I would be good in a downland speed run because that was the game I owned for a long time. So I learned to not stop anywhere. But no, not this one. But I like the idea of speedruns. That would be a new thing to do with these old games. Can you yep. do a high-speed high poke? No, but that would be cheating. You need be a high-speed poke <laughs> oh, and make it faster. No, you need to drink the coffee and do the high-speed poke. So you can <laughs> yeah. High-speed poke uh, yourself. Yeah. <laughs> no, that that would be cheating because then you're actually you know cutting the time down it required to get it. You want to try to do it at the well, end. Yeah, the timer to has to run with the game. There you go. Fastest, fastest <laughs> time, right? <clears throat> but yeah, that would that would be definitely cheating on these types of games. So that uh, I don't think would be acceptable for speedrun. All right, how about a um, second a second Discord um, category for that category, you know, the yeah. poke <laughs> the poke playing the cheat runs and the <laughs> yeah. and the real speed. Run. I mean, what's right. next? You know, I'm going to cheat and put the number of men up to 255 and do a run with that too. Like, a, you know, where do you stop? So I think you have to pretty well go with stock for a speed run. I I know on the PCs and stuff where they're doing these types of things, like you have to play stock. You can't right. do anything enhancements. You can't get a, a special auto-fire joystick or anything like that. You have to be doing it you know, with the original hardware, the original software speed and everything else. Because that's the whole point. You're trying to compete for a record. You can't have the rules change and, and have it a consistent record. Our government so, does that. Okay. <laughs> uh, next up. Now, this is one that um, <clears throat> several of us were involved with beta testing. Uh, about a month ago, and we had, there were some suggestions and some bug fixes and stuff that got done. So George Jansen, who was actually doing our semi-language tutorial, probably, what is it now, about a year or two ago? He also did like some utilities like PAC for OS9 back in the day. Well, he decided to do a little bit of a semi-language game programming. So he actually wrote this game called 2048, and it got released the same week that Neutroid Reloaded hit. And I figured there's so much, you know, 
Uh, Nick's going to be bragging about it so much. Basically, you would never get, you know, through to to George's game. So I decided to hold it off for a week so we can actually, you know, dedicate a little time for it. Now, this is a totally different game than Neutroid. This is a strategy game and a numbers game type thing. But actually, it's it's addictive and fun. It took me a little bit to kind of figure what what to do. But once I did, actually, I kind of got addicted and I was playing it a fair bit. And it comes with built-in directions right in the program itself, plus a little PDF manual. It's up on the Color Computer Archive. You can also get it downloaded from my game site if you want. And the screenshots, that's actually what I'm showing here. So basically, you start off with this little grid of four by four squares, and you have a couple of numbers on it. And basically, you hit the arrow keys to shove all the numbers until they either hit the edge of the grid, or if they hit another number, it'll stop. But if they hit a number, the number that matches, so if you slide a four and you hit a four, one of them disappears and it turns into an eight. It doubles. And the whole point is to try to get up to 2048, uh, which I've never done yet. Um, I think I've got up to mm-hmm. 512 a few times, but basically you have to keep slamming. And basically you can also run out of moves. You can't move in any direction. So you kind of have to like pre-plan like where you're sliding and where you're going to get your best bang for butt for doubling numbers, et cetera. And it's actually quite a fun little addicting game, I have to say. It's a Coco 3 only because you wanted to get some extra colors. You got a little bit of color animation stuff too. Um, but it, it plays quite well. 128K Coco. Technically, you can run from cassette if you didn't have a disk drive. Uh, of course, we have it set up for disk images here, too. But uh, And it's based on a game that was originally done by Italian web de- developer Gabriel Cerulli. <clears throat> and this is uh, an online web-based game originally, and it's been ported to a bazillion different platforms. Now the Coco's got its own version. There's no reason one could not make a Coco 1 and 2 version of this game. It definitely would work. Um, but if you're into puzzle games, um, and plus if you're you're into machine language, of course, everything's in powers of two. So your your mm-hmm. points in the squares go two, four, eight, sixteen. So it just it it feels like being at home. Do you so, think uh, this will be on the MC10? It could. This is yeah. one that could. Mm-hmm. You could do it in low res. <clears throat> just use the uh, the numbers from the VDG type thing, and you know, move them back and forth, draw a little grid. It definitely would work. Jim Gary, there you go. Your next project. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, go grab it. It's a, a pretty good game. And uh, George has mentioned he's got a couple other simpler games like this. <clears throat> he's been kind of scratching his semi-language itch. So he's got a couple others. I think we'll get to some of the same beta testers again and go through some of these other ones as he gets them done. But uh, look for a few more <clears throat> simpler little games coming from George in the near future. Uh, next up, Retro Gaming Nook. And was that who was popping into the chat? Somebody was popping in with Retro something or other. I'm not sure it's the same yeah, it was. So they're actually in the, the uh, live chat stream here. I uh, decided to take a, a tackle of color baseball by Dale Lear. Um, of course, when we interviewed Dale years ago, we talked about baseball quite a bit because that was actually his most popular game. I also found out that Tandy in the mid to late 80s was publishing top 10 lists of their Cocoa software every uh, couple months, I think it was. And even in, in 1988, like years after this was released, Baseball was still in the top 10 fairly often, along with Dagrath and a few others. So it was a popular game all the way through. Um, and this is one of the, especially for the time period it came out. Now, it's copyright 1982, but I believe it came out in 83 because Tandy delayed a lot of these, you know, because they were making manuals and beta testing and stuff like that. But uh, this is one of the better ones. It actually has a lot of features you can name and get percentages, batting percentages for your players on each team. Uh, one or two players, you can bunt and bulk and all kinds of fancier stuff that some of the simpler games from that time period did not include. So it's quite a good one. 
They actually, uh, at the beginning of the video here, they actually have the computer play itself. That was another option I had here. You can actually select computer players for both. So you're just kind of watching a baseball game, quite literally type thing. Unfortunately, they don't steal as much as stuff like they, you can do in the real one. Because the real one, you can actually like lead off the base. And as soon as the pitcher throws, start running. And, you know, even if the, the person strikes, you can try to steal a base, et cetera. So it's, it's a fairly decent version of baseball, especially for the time period, basically on any platform, honestly. So anyway, it's about a half hour video where you get to see the computer play itself and then they tackle the human versus computer part. And I will leak one spoiler here. He did manage to hit a home run near the end. So you get to see the fancy handwriting home run up in the top part of the screen. Uh, but yeah, good. It's a part of their Septandi and it's kind of cool. They picked that one. That's a personal favorite of mine. So uh, thank you, uh, Retro Gaming Nook. And then you're in the chat too. So. That was a good example of gameplay exceeds graphics. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like, like when the players are standing still, they look like A's with dots for feet. <laughs> yeah, but they run well. <laughs> the one thing I will say is that that does take a little bit of time to get used to the controls because you figure I'm going to move the joystick diagonally to what the player I want to shoot for. That's not how you do it. The position of the joystick is relative to who you're throwing the ball to. So if you want to throw to the, uh, you know, the, third baseman you got to put it all the way to the left if you want the first baseman you put it all the way right. no matter where you are on the screen you could be further to the right of the first baseman you still have to move it to the right even though he's left of you because you have the joystick controls the position you're throwing to not the direction the ball is getting thrown in so there's a lot of little subtleties once you get used to that it's not too bad at all it's actually quite a quite a good version of baseball i, I would rank this ahead of the intelligent atari 2600 ones myself Exactly. This, there's more Curtis, meat on the you bones explain here. it so well. I try. Basically, I'm just, you know, winging it. <laughs> uh, next up, the official release. So we've talked about this one before, probably about a month ago. It's a guy named Christopher Schneider. And he's actually written this in conjunction with somebody else. And I believe this is the third third game he's done in this series. So basically... A lot of people consider the Infocom text adventure game engine to be one of the best of the old 8-bit micros in the early to mid-80s because it actually had a really good parser. Most text adventure games had a two-word noun verbs type thing. Infocom actually allowed you to string sentences together so you can get this and this and put this over here type thing as one sentence and it would do the whole thing in one shebang. And they're also known for being uh, much more descriptive. Like they're not very terse, small things like a lot of basic text adventures did. But because these usually filled an entire disc, they could get, you know, the direct paragraphs describing your scene. So it's much more like an interactive book. And uh, it was definitely a favorite of mine. I mean, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, that text adventure, I played that a lot. Zork 1 and 2, I played a lot. You know, Witness, Infidel. A lot of these, I mean, you know, that were sold directly by Infocom on the Coco. And then eventually Tandy sold quite a few of them, too. Um, anyway, the engine for it is basically been ported to dozens and dozens of platforms. And what Christopher has been doing is been writing games to use the Infocom engine and then actually has a script file that he's made to set up to generate it for, you know, 20, 30 different platforms, including the Coco and the Dragon. So what he's released here is called the Forgotten Pyramid. And uh, you can download one zip. Here's the actual graphics he did for it, which I thought he did a really good job on. It's kind of a Mayan period, not a, a pyramid, not a, a Egyptian one. And... Um, Basically, you start the game, you're you're in a plane that just got struck by lightning, you're about to crash, and you have to figure out how to get off the plane without dying while your plane's plummeting to the ground at high speed. So that's that's the, the premise at the start there. Um, 
But when you download the zip file and he's got a direct link to it on his Facebook post, I've also got a link to it off my page because I've already got a page right up for this one as well. But if you go get the uh, zip file, it actually has all the disk images for all the retro systems that he supports. So that if you have other retro systems that you want to try it on, like Commodore 64s, Apple IIs, Amigas, uh, British machines, Australian machines, whatever, uh, they're all in there. And you can just pick and choose which one you want to try. And some of them will use 80 column, some will use 40 column. The Coca ones, based on the old Infocom engine, are 32 column. Uh, Parasurat, who did a port of it for the Dragon because there was a glitch on the Dragon one, actually has a support for the Coco VGA. So you can actually run it 64 column on that one too. So uh, that version is available as well. Um, but if you're into the interactive text uh, adventure games, he's been trying to keep the spirit of the Infocom style alive, not just the parser, but he's been trying to follow their storytelling ability, which is something that Infocom was really, really good at compared to almost everybody else. I would definitely place these as being better quality text adventure games than Scott Adams' Adventures from Adventure International. Granted, Scott was playing with much earlier, more primitive hardware. He couldn't, you know, make a game on a cassette that would fill up, you know, 180K of, of text descriptions, obviously. So um, he was a bit of a disadvantage being a much more early adapter into it. But the, these were kind of the gold standard for text adventure games for the, the, 80, the 8-bit micros in the early 80s. So, Curtis, yeah. uh, <clears throat> this Forgotten Pyramid release is done with the Puddle build tools that Steve invoked did Hibernated 1. Yes, recently. the one we covered a year or two ago or whatever it was. Yeah, and um, the Puddle build tools... They they use a subset of the inform language called Puny Inform that will generate that Infocom style output. Um, the Z3 and Z5 files are in both Hibernated and Forgotten Pyramid and the other Puddle tools that uh, the other Puddle compatible games, and those will run on the MC10 as well using. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, Darren's ported. Uh, zip interpreter. Now on the MC10, I would guess you're probably more limited on the size of the game you play. Not on an MCX32. Oh yeah, I suppose because it's uh, you know there you go. Cool. I did not know it was on the MC10. I didn't remember seeing an MC10 in the zip file. Actually, maybe I didn't look for it though. Well, no, you take the Z3 file and just put it in the directory on the MC10, and then fire up Darren's um, interpreter. And point it to that. Oh, okay, yeah, because that's how Pear was kind of describing it, too, because you could take the interpreter he did earlier, and you could just load it, and I think you have to do an exec and H1100 or something like that once you mount the other disc. Yeah, so if you wanted to make your own Infocom-style game, there's two really great options for it. Um, John Linville uh, came up with uh, a build system that he's posted on his blog, uh, Retro Tinker, where you take the original source code that was recovered when they uh, interviewed Brian Moriarty, mm -hmm. and you can build the version D interpreter and then load in your Z3 or Z5 file there. Uh, and then, of course, on GitHub is this uh, Puddle Build Tools kit that when you build your game using the Inform language, it will output it in pure Infocom format and it does the bulk of the heavy lift on getting all of those um, platforms covered, including there's DOS PC stuff in there, all kinds of stuff. So when you dig into the zip, you'll see all of the 50 million yep. versions that this thing supports. And the Inform language has a lot of documentation out there on how to build 
these kinds of interactive fiction. And there is a huge interactive fiction community with uh, very detailed sites on tr- uh, tricks, tips, you know, recommendations, you know, stuff that the do's and don'ts, all kinds of stuff. So uh, you don't have to learn the Infocom original uh, stack-based muddle lispy kind of language to do this stuff. You, you can do this all through Inform and render it down into running on the actual Infocom engine. Okay. So that's that's good because they've got actually got like the uh the AGI stuff for the Sierra games. We you know the, there's public yep sites explaining how to do those too. So we have several different adventure engines that you can actually make new games, including for the Coco. Cool. Sounds like a good anyway, free download. There's no charge for this, completely free game. Go grab it. It's uh Directly off his site, I think I've got the link for that, like I said before, uh, directly on on my page entry for this particular game, or you can grab it off the Coco Group on Facebook or the Dragon Group on Facebook. And if you have multiple retro machines, you can try it on all of them pretty well. Uh, next up, Chronologically Gaming um, has been catching. I've been ca- helping them actually uh, fixing a lot of old games. There's some stuff on the old Chroma sets and T&Ds were hard-coded for cassette. If you try to run a disk, somebody literally just crashed your machine dead. And in one case, it actually scrambled the disk for me. <laughs> um, so I've been kind of going through and fixing those gradually as we go as he's been progressing. I'm trying to get months ahead of where he's actually you know, recording right now. So right now, he just finished off June of 1982. And it's just starting July of 1982. <laughs> oh, excuse me. Uh, but there's a few uh, Cocoa ones that he covered here. And I'm not going to play all of them because... Uh, some of them are quite familiar. Some of them are a bit more rare, though, so I might show you a little bit of those. Um, so this particular one here for episode 213, uh, he covered Pyramid 2000 and Racket 2, which are by Robert Arnstein, and that's the same guy who did the Model 1 and 3 versions earlier, so that's basically just the Coco versions of those, so I won't play those. Now, Sky Defense, uh, that is one of the most overhyped games on the Coco I think I've ever seen. If you watch their uh, ads, which I think he actually covers here, if I remember correctly. Um, but the game's a bit of a disappointment compared to the ad hype. Let's put it that way. If only we could find a better way to play it or accurately play it rather than relying on just crappy emulation. Yes, possibly. Uh, I've tried several different ones and I even just, just finishing up the previous one here. On. I see Earl's throwing out three and a half. Yeah, that, very nice. All right, and with, after Sky Bumper, let's leave the arcade. Let's see where we're going now. Wow, it's the Color Computer Night. So this is Sky Defense. Let's take a look at Sky Defense. This is one we don't have a lot of information for. I do have one of the ads you would have seen in a magazine. Can you survive the first wave of attack or the next or the next? Only your jo- Now, this is the later ad where they kind of toned it down a bit. Um, it was a full-page ad in rainbow with a bit of color, so this was not a cheap cheap ad to do but they had an earlier one joystick will ever know high res high speed color sound machine language of course of course machine language and then another one too flip so this is the original ad and they did it with like fancy you know old english style fonts and stuff but they one of the best games ever created for the color computer has been unleashed that sounds like one of my ads (laughs) <laughs> it does actually <laughs> fly over mounds and terrain in real time flight and battle the attacking aliens machine language and underscored not basic so it's better than your pong apparently uh, <laughs> but for those of you who have not seen the game fly over mounds and terrain um, in real time well, well i'll just let it speak for itself aliens. 
machine language, not basic. Nice. They have it underlined. And there's an example of the screenshot. We also have a homemade manual or looks like, yeah, this is by Quasar Animations. The object of the game is to defend your planet by destroying as many attackers as you can without being destroyed. You have five ships to complete your mission or five lives. I don't know if this was the original instructions. I never did so see the original instructions must. for Skydefense. You use defense. the left joystick as well as its fire button. Some machines will use the right joystick. Your score will be in the top left corner of the screen and the top right will have the number of ships you've lost. There are three major attack waves and you receive a bonus of 100 points as you complete each. If you survive all three, you'll start over but retain your score you're restricted to three shots at a time and sometimes two at a time wait what we have three shots but sometimes two how does that work it doesn't sometimes rapid fire we'll give it that slower than normal to indicate your onboard computer is failing and your ship makes repairs it'll work properly no way okay and then they have some uh loading instructions there <laughs> that's true i understand the hype whenever we read boxes every box has hype it's high res every game is high res in 1982 all right, let's pop in and play Sky Defense by Razor Animations at some time in June. Now, have any of you played this one before? Besides me? No. Why did they pick that font? It would have been appropriate for a role-playing game, but not this one. That's right. Machine language. Sky Def. Let's go. Sky Defense. If Curtis says don't believe the hype, then I'm probably going to be very underwhelmed. Let's see what happens. Press the fire button to start. I don't think we've heard this sound on a computer before. Let's just bask in... Okay, it's over now. And we're in! It's Let's got Nick's favorite color eye. palette and everything. Three shots at a time. It's almost feeling like a burst fire. The goggles oh, do nothing. Think, yeah, there it is. Okay, so if you hold... Yeah, Look at nice, all the pollution on the ground. If you hold it down... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but basically that's it. More. That's the entire game. It just constantly scrolls. Like you can move right and left and up and down, and you could rapid fire up to three shots say, at once or two if it gets too loaded down. This is the aliens end up firing so fast that you almost have no time to go shoot them and then dodge their bullets. So you die a lot. Move around and uh, oh yeah, the yeah, it's not impressive at all. On the cocoa, that's the whole game. Like you literally have seen pretty well everything. There are a couple different design ships that come up. Are you supposed to fly and, uh, and save the world while doing psychedelic drugs? I, <laughs> I suppose so. And another game that would have been better in that the green color set, not the pink Mid sky one. Yeah, not the pastel. Uh, yeah. Now, ironically enough, the company that did this, which released it, like like he said, in, in June of 1982, came out with another game, kind of the same thing. You're traveling a ship, you're shooting aliens across horizontally scrolling terrain, but it's one of the best ones on the Cocoa 1 and 2. Yeah, I think I know. And that's mean. Guardian. Yeah. And that is such a big swing in quality. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like going from the beginning of Nick's career right up to zero hour type thing. You know, it's... Uh... <laughs> So who wrote this? Like, do we know the programmer himself? Or? I do not. I, I did talk to no. um, what's the guy's name who did Guardian? David Joiner. He did a lot of yeah. stuff with him. He did say he did not write this one. This was run written um, by somebody else for Quasar. But yeah, it looks very different <laughs> in the uh, style. How would that look in a green monochrome monitor? I wonder. Better, I would imagine. Yeah, <laughs> me too. This really? purple and magenta crap. Me too. Well, I remember. <laughs> On the in the old days, grabbing the old tent knob on the color TV and cranking it until the thing looked <laughs> at least yeah. usable. That, that was yeah. our version of palette changing back then. We did it, Tint. right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's one alien planet right there. Oh, yeah, you <laughs> yeah. betcha. Full sky and psychedelic 
Skittles ground. But I, I mean, if, Kenny, have, if go ahead, he didn't have to store any graphics. That would be just random data. Yeah, it's probably like right. a dump of the ROM or something. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, with height. But the game itself, I mean, it's 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 super difficult to play because the alien shots are fast enough. You don't have time to do. So you basically just sit in one spot and fire, and hopefully the alien comes by into your yeah. sights and you hit them. Like it's 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 not even a fun game to play. I mean, the graphics aside, yeah, I could have picked a different color set. But Puyan, for example, has a terrible color set. Gameplay is great. This is not yeah. the case here. <laughs> this is an all around bad so game. Power hacking sky defense is still no help. <laughs> yeah so i'm really glad they redeemed themselves and brought out guardian later that's that's all i gotta say there yeah. no guardian has well, one or two issues at the top sweet lord the eye bleed <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> that wasn't even my comment i was commenting on it too but uh the other comment right after the ship is perhaps the worst color it could be so it's like orange yeah. on magenta it's even hard to see it's there yeah that's right, right it vibrates and it's not even moving <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, not one of the best efforts. And, you know, you know, this, you know, claiming it's an awesome game in machine language and all this stuff. Like, I'm sorry, you're really overselling it here. It's even for the time, it wasn't that good of a game on the Coco. Uh, does this guy actually say, you know, whether or not the game is a stinker or not? Yeah, he rates every game he does on the channel for all platforms, whether he's doing the little electronic games that you, you hold in your hand or consoles, or home computers. He does a rating on all of them. And he rates it by that breakdown of being a handheld electronic game versus a console versus a home computer. Those are three separate categories. He keeps the scoring consistent to each of those, but they don't cross over. You don't compare a console game to a home computer game, for example. And he also does it across all platforms. So if you're doing a computer, home computer game, like in this case, he's comparing this one with every other game that's been released up to this point. June 1982 in this particular case, with every other home computer. So it's like Atari 400 and 800, um, you know, Tier Model 1, uh, 3s, uh, ColecoVision. Well, actually, that wouldn't be an example. Um, the VIC-20 uh, Spectrum had just come out by then, so the Spectrum games are included. So he's compared with every other one. Like, how does this compare with every other home computer game that's out by this time? And uh, it, this one didn't fare well. <laughs> Even no. my pong is better than this. Yeah, honestly, you, at least you can see what you're doing. <laughs> oh well, um, then of course we redeem it. Here we go. Well, this this one I was a bit di disappointed in Jeff on this one because um, I think he was kind of rushing through here because he's trying to finish off the month, right? Because he wanted to get to, wants to get in July because there's a couple big releases in July on, on multiple platforms. So he picked a really good game and an original. You know, basically, it's a Kaboom Avalanche style game with with some originality because you have to change your color to match. Now, you should be playing this on a low level where it gradually ramps up and you can actually get your score because every time one of the bombs hits the bottom of the screen, you lose score. So if you aren't very good at playing it or you set the difficulty level too high like he did, you're basically just going to zero out your score almost instantly. He picked level seven out of nine. So it's just a swath of, of wow. things coming down at you. <laughs> which is not how you should be playing this. So I was a bit disappointed he did that, but now he didn't know. Let's take a look at Starship Chameleon starting with the box or a fabricated box. We have a sticker in the top. Now that is the actual ad that they had. That is legit artwork that they did use. And then the later version had this one Starship Chameleon for the color being a little bit funny. Oh no. Another semi-intelligent. We'll skip the instructions. 
first glance, but at level seven, I mean, you can't shooter. catch all those. And so when I <laughs> when I first played this, I, I was doing this, and you'll notice his score is zero, so he'll get, bump it up shot, for a bit, and then as everything hits the bottom, he loses his score. So it's it's, well, it's almost pointless. The manual, you see, you have to change ah, the color pointless. of your character from yellow. <laughs> yeah, to very good. After yellow, you can <laughs> Real good. The I wasn't planning that, but it worked. Yeah, it looks good. The blue. So it's essentially like... I mean, if you want to do a challenge, you can play maybe level two or three, which increases the speed, but doesn't increase the number of bombs to become ridiculous. It gets hard enough on its own. Like, even if you start on level one, by the time you get to 25, 30,000, the game is getting hard. Um, you get way more of the red semi-intelligent bombs that will follow you around horizontally, and you get multiple ones on the screen at once, and you're still trying to grab your things. You have to try to, like, swarm around them, duck other ones. You have to hit the bombs when the same color as you, and you have to hit your button to do that. The hollow bombs, you can see like two blue ones here that have hollow and one yellow one. Those are worth a thousand points. The solid ones are only worth a hundred. So the greed factor kicks in for sure. Um, this is actually one of my favorite games from this early on in the Coco's life, especially for third party. And uh, it, it should not have been reviewed on level seven. Sorry. <laughs> but is this um, who programmed this? Ken Kalish. Yeah, Kalish, that's, that's it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. It was his second or third Coco game. He did escape before this. And it's before Invaders Revenge and Phantom Slayer, which come out in August. Yeah. So um, I'm, 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 I'm waiting to see what he's going to think of Phantom Slayer. That's that's one of my all-time favorites. <laughs> I'm one of the earliest real-time 3D shooters. So I'm curious what he's going to think about that one. He really likes skiing 3D. So Next up, um, Disc, Disky Boy on YouTube. Now, there's another channel that does a lot of these comparison videos where they take you know, some official game in that, or even clones or a mixture of both. <clears throat> and they'll run a whole bunch of platforms together, not even just eight bit, but eight, 16 arcade. So you can kind of compare and see how each one of them plays. Now, the guy that does the main channel of this has not done a new video in three months. And this guy's a huge fan of his and decided to try to tackle one on his own. And he decided to do Shanghai. So the very beginning of the video covers the arcade coin op version of Shanghai, which actually is a later one than some of the home computer ones. But there's two of concern here. The first one is the dragon one. And I remember seeing this one. I've not seen this loading screen before, though. This actually, um, unlike a lot of the text loading screens we've seen where, you know, it loads in like semi-graphics four while you're loading, you can watch the F-Flash. This actually kicks into a graphics mode, which the dragon apparently did a lot more than the Coco people did. So it does a full high-res screen for its loading title screen. Mm. So you get to watch this screen here while you're loading the game. And then it plays a black and white, more similar to the Mac version of Shanghai, I guess, than a lot of the other ones. Because I've actually compared some of the other 8-bit machines. And quite frankly, the Coco 3, I think, out of the 8-bit machines, probably looks the best out of all of them. Uh, it's not until you get to some 16-bit machines, it, it gets better looking. Um, like I compared with the Com 64, the... Uh, acorn the uh, bbc micro spectrum and a few others um but the dragon one as a black and white one because of course no artifacting in this mode in the dragon actually does look pretty good and i had not seen like all the intro screens before i've seen screenshots of the actual game itself before but got a bit of a transition too there between screens yeah it's not too bad But he's actually got the tiles, so they look the same. Like some of the other ones, because they had slightly yeah. low-res screens for color, they don't look at all like the tiles we're used to. But just to, to do a comparison here, so he's got, you know, 52 versions of it here. 
But let's say if you want to compare, say, what does the Apple II version look like? And it's kind of lost the 3D look entirely. Yeah. And the artifacting actually makes it look pretty horrible. <laughs> so, yeah, it does. Yeah. And and the tiles are are not similar. Um, the bamboo ones you can kind of tell, but the rest of them don't resemble the original pretty well. I, at I all. reckon. I reckon that's more meant for a monochrome screen, not color. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it, honestly, visually, even if you did switch this to monochrome, I don't think it looks as yeah. good as the dragon one. It's it's the red part where the artifacting is. Uh, I don't think that's meant to be artifacted color there. That's why. Yeah. That, but, I, but I mean, I, on the yeah, Apple II composite, monochrome. you would have got artifacting because that's just the way it yeah, works. Yeah. Right? But I think it was meant for a monochrome display. Yeah. That's just shading. Yeah. Yeah, here's the Amstrad one though. This one looks a bit closer to us, except it suddenly goes into this, you know, black and white mode. But at least it has a 3D look still, and the menu on the top. So this is closer to the Coco yeah. version. Now I think there's a Commodore, or is it Atari 8-bit version? It's using the black and white as well. Yeah, and some animation of the dragon, you know, on the intro screen was kind of cool. Yeah, I'll, I'll give it that one. That was one Rick couldn't fit in what he wanted to do either, because Tandy said no, it's got to fit on a what a 16k cartridge. Can't yeah. use a 32. I can hear the cassette load. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, this not one quite isn't too 3D, bad though. Yeah, it lost the 3D. Yeah, no, yeah. The details lost there, the they did 3D. pretty good in the detail. Yeah, oh, the yeah. 3D looks missing. And I think, is there a C64 version? I was going to show that one, too. Yeah, here we are. Good music. <laughs> but that's disappointing uh, yeah. for C64. Ooh. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's just... <laughs> That's yeah, not even that's a good color set. Yeah, if you're going to do this, you might as well just go to nah. black and white. It's the same guy who did the Apple II version, which is why the stacking looks the same as well. It's a 6502 mm, right. port to multiple yep. yeah. two machines. But the C64 was capable of much better than this. Right. Yeah. That is a disappointment if I've ever seen you it. You have to count to know what layer you're on. Yeah, that's... I'll show the spectrum here because that's a... And this is using the later Spectrum that actually had the AY sound chip, so you figured, oh, this is going to be pretty decent. And this is a recent port, 2021. And that one actually doesn't look too bad. Uh, now, because of the way their 8x8 pixel color attribute system works here, you got to make your, your 3D looks fairly tall. They have to fill that entire space because you only got two yeah. colors you can use within each each square right. but they did the color mixes pretty good i mean you can see a few like the mam one on the left there is you can see a mixture of yellow and green like you get a bit of the color clash but actually they did a pretty good job on this one i was pretty impressed mm. and for anybody who's been living under a rock for years here here's the uh rick adams coco three one And at least he knew that this is the wrong color set. He actually did switch it properly to RGB. <laughs> I don't think he knew about the hidden uh, bone color tile set that Rick snuck into the cartridge because they told him to take it out. Mm. Right. Which makes it my favorite. 
Yeah, well, actually, looking through, I can't remember which version it was, but there's a couple versions here that that's what they use. They use that yellowish bone tile color it's, set. This is just which, too contrasty, you know? And it, it it looks nice. Like, I don't know why they overrode him on that one. And then he snuck it in as a hidden. If you snuck the cursor into a little spot on the screen there, you if you clicked on it, one spot out of 64 <laughs> by 64, you click on it, changes it to the color set he wanted. On the Nitrous 9 version of it, uh-huh. we just fixed it so it's actually user-selectable. Nice and easy. Why did Tandy do this? Yeah, that one I don't understand. And I don't know if it was Tandy or if that was Activision that told him to change it. I can't remember what he said. Oh, right. But somebody overrode that, him on it. Do they have an Atari ST or, or Amiga version? In those uh, yes, videos? and yes, I believe. Uh, Atari ST right oh, there. Oh, you want the color or the monochrome like version? Well, what does the monochrome one look like? That'll be like the Mac. Yeah, it'd be 640 by 200. Yeah. I think was their uh, monochrome. It res. was, yeah. Yeah, that looks like the Mac somewhat. Mm. So the Coco could do that as well. Yeah. Well, I'm to remember, did the Atari have 640 by 400 two-color interlaced or something? It did have an interlace. Yeah, you're right. I think that might be what it's using. You're not getting the flicker you but, would get on the real ST. Yeah. And if you want the color version, which will drop the res back down. I do like that animation. Right. The dragon's all right, yeah. Like, that's not bad. It's not bad. Um, yeah. I think the Coco one, honestly, does look a little bit better still. A little right. bit better on the 3D. But I mean, yeah, yeah the only way you can tell the height here is to look at the color borders, which is very difficult to yeah. do while you're trying to. And they're very up. small. Yeah. yeah. It, they need to be just emphasized a bit more. I mean, the graphics within each tile is quite good. I don't have any complaints is, about yeah. that. But yeah, it's, it doesn't quite look as polished as the Coco one, honestly. No. Uh, and the Amiga, where was that? Is there an Amiga one? I couldn't see it. Yeah, do you want 98, 93, oh, or the it. original? <laughs> oh, God, three. Uh, oh, he doesn't well, have timestamps on these. That sucks. I'd have to go find it now. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. So Sam Coupe. Neck PC, 8801. Sharp 11, where am I here ah. on the list? I'm over here. I've got a ways to go yet, so let's jump ahead. Neo Geo Pocket. Okay, we're at 21. Still a ways to go. Still further down. Nintendo. Still a bit more. There's one of the Amigas. Now, which one? <laughs> Go back a little bit only. I oh, that's, that, a, that's the that's last. That's Archimedes. So, yeah, that's that. that this is the that original Amiga nice. one then. Right. This is the one that mm. I think, if I remember correctly, Rick actually received the graphics for this to use as a basis on the Coco. Because that was All this right. is the one that had the full dragon, too, that he was trying to cram in the cartridge and then Tandy wouldn't let him have the extra room. Now, of course, they have a much bigger palette. They have a 32 colors at once instead of 16. They have a 4,096 color palette. So this one actually looks pretty good. I'd say this looks better than the Coco one. But not by a huge amount. Right. I wonder, did they improve it later? Uh, And here's another one on the Amiga. This is the 93 one. This one looks disgusting. Yeah. 
And this one looks pretty good. This is one where they started introducing the different shapes and stuff that you could have for your, your right. dragon, as it's called. But the Coco 3 one, I think it stacks up pretty well. Yeah. I mean, unless you get to bad. completely modern machines like Super VJ and stuff, obviously, but we didn't do too bad. Or oh, Rick didn't do too bad. Yeah. 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 That, well, we yeah. have a the, the basic yeah. nine one by Sean Driscoll is not bad either, honestly. Right. Sorry, go ahead, Alan. I think it was Alan. Oh, just that Rick guy. He he knows a thing or two. <laughs> yeah, I think he might have. Yeah. I think he has some experience in the field. Yeah, 60. Uh, Karen is saying, uh, yeah, not real Spectrum. Spectrum's greater than 48K didn't count in the same way this Coco 3 doesn't count. Well, I don't know if I'd go that far, but yeah, the Spectrum <laughs> had multiple you know iterations of itself too. There was the Spectrum 128 and the Spectrum 2 Plus, and I can't remember the other ones, but I have a cat trying to get my attention here. Actually, um, that's the last of the game story. So how about if we have a quick commercial break, I'll let the cat outside. And then yep. we'll come back and cover the regular news. Well, we can watch oh. the fire. Where's fire in uh, Curtis's hair. <laughs> yeah, you can uh, do the commercial break and go straight into the uh, the hair fire stuff. That's <laughs> okay. what we want. Hi, I'm John. And I'm Aaron of The Coco Show. And you're watching or listening to The Coco Nation, the live and interactive talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer and its cousins. All hail the Coco Nation. Om. 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 In a world where RGB produces black and white video, one cable can make a difference. Switcheroo. Coco3scartcable.com G'day from the land down under where toilets flush backwards and thongs are a respectable form of casual footwear. I am Nick Morentes and I have been developing games for the Coco for over 35 years. Welcome to the Coco Nation the interactive live video talk show for all enthusiasts of the Coco family of computers. Hi, I'm Al Curtis Boyle. I'm Ken Waters of Canadian Retro Things. And you're watching the Coco Nation Show. Only the bravest souls enter. Only the most cunning return. Defeat innumerable monsters to ransom the king's scepter stolen by the evil wizard. Your sword, shield, and wits are your only allies. Pray you find a magical inn as your only respite in the forest of doom. For the tiny color computer one, two, and three. November 2017, if you dare. When you want the latest in TRS-80, Tandy, Dragon, MC-10, 
and all of their hardware cousins. No matter what it takes or where news breaks from around the world to your nation. The Coco Nation News with L. Curtis Boyle. Love it. You still like that one, huh, Nick? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so as I mentioned earlier, uh, we'll talk about Brian here at the top of the news. But, but just before we get to that, I want to talk about some upcoming conventions. So there's a couple going on right now. Uh, the first one, uh, we already had uh, David Craker was on, uh, the Manitoba Retro Computer Enthusiast, which should be ending pretty soon. Um, but they'll be having that probably every three months, it sounds like, roughly. The World of Retro Computing, which is uh, what I've got showing up here on the screen, is the one in Kitchener. That's the one that Frank came live from, and it sounds like they're getting a bigger venue next year. So that's another one to plan to go to. Tandy Assembly is coming up September 29th to October 1st in Springfield, Ohio. That covers all the Tandy machines. So that covers pocket computers and Model 100s and Tandy 1000s and Cocos and Model 123s, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I know they're having a special uh, Trash Talkers podcast on YouTube next weekend at, I believe it's 5 p.m. Eastern. And the show is actually going to be kind of a preview of Tandy Assembly. They're going to be talking about the schedule. They're going to be talking about the presenters, the vendors, um, who all is attending, who's giving seminars, etc. So if you want to watch that you can go to and search for trs 80 trash talk if you just search trash talk it'll find a whole bunch of other crap you don't want and that's a live show that uh sometimes they pay attention to the chat we try to do it as much as we can but sometimes they'll pay attention to actually answer your questions too but sometimes they kind of get you know involved with the, each other's talking and then they kind of forget the chats even there but uh, if you're interested in seeing what's going to be coming up at tandy assembly that's the podcast to watch that's the live show to watch next weekend uh, next up, we have the Interim Computer Festival. I believe, Mark, you probably know more about this one than I do in Seattle, Washington. This is September 30th, October 1st. So it's the exact same weekend as uh, Tandy Assembly is, but it's on the West Coast. So if you can't travel all the way across to the East. I actually don't know too much, except I signed up for a couple tables and I'm on the mailing list. Basically, they're trying to bring back basically VCF Pacific Northwest. So except as an independent organization. So. Okay, and it looks like, if I'm judging by the address here, because it says it's Interest Space 3100 Airport Way South in Seattle. I'm assuming this is close to the airport? Um, Yeah, it's kind of on the north side of the uh, airport. It's actually about uh, eight blocks, I said, from the uh, Living Computer Museum, which is where VCF Pacific Northwest was held in the past. So okay. it's in that same neighborhood. It's the same neighborhood it has the um, uh, where the uh, NFL team plays and the uh, uh, Major League Baseball team plays. So that end of town. So you've never been to this this particular nope. iteration. You've been to the VCF once been before. Been to the VCF uh, once uh, and was going to go a second time and it was canceled. COVID, thank you. Uh, so this is uh, no the first time for this. Uh, and so yeah, I don't really know a whole lot about it other than they've got about. Uh, if you click on where it says uh, event, it uh, will show you uh, what's uh, what the event layout is and who's signed up so far. So that's who's there, and a little bit of this, a little bit of that, some networking stuff, uh, my stuff. Um, somebody has a uh, um, router from Freenode, I think it is. I got some um, container representation here too, Chilliwack. And yep, yep. 
Yeah, we got people coming down from BC, people coming up from Oregon. So anyway, it's just a kind of a, a foothold here. And so hopefully it'll grow and become like BCF, except uh, in the Pacific Northwest. Do, do you think you'll have time to like uh, broadcast from there? Because I'm going to try to see if we can get people from both Tandy Assembly and that show. Yeah, I'll um, see if I can. And I think you're the are you the only Coco person we know, or is Tim or AJ going to this? Uh, Tim, I think, wants to go up for the day. Uh, and Ken said he might be able to come down. And uh, and uh, yeah, I don't know about anybody else, but at least those have showed some interest. And you know, Ken's only about four hours away, three hours away, and, and Tim's about three, three hour, four hours away also. So. Okay, yeah, so we can get at least one of you to do a little bit of a broadcast show what the show looks like so people know if they want to try to attend it the following year. And we'll yeah. do the same with Tandy, same if we can get somebody there to come on and kind of give us a yeah, quick little show report. There's only about 12, 12 uh, uh, people demoing stuff, so it's small. Um, they had a, a Commodore one back in June, and they had about 30 uh, people showing stuff. So so they got a little bit more space to grow, but we'll see. Uh, yeah, and you're just trying to restart it after VCF shut down there, so that's, that's yep, understandable. Exactly. So something, so maybe the start of something big. Yeah, hopefully. Uh, next up, right up uh, near Kieran there, is still in the chat, uh, is the Dragon Meetup 2023. That's October the 7th to 8th, so the weekend afterwards, at the Center for Computing History. Um, this is, uh, I can't remember what year this is. This is uh, they've had this several years in the world. We've actually covered it before, basically. Uh, there'll be like dragon betas and dragon professionals. I'm sure Julian and John will have their new uh, hardware, including, you know, repro motherboards and some of the other stuff that John's been doing, um, like the uh, Sprite, uh, what the heck's the name of the board? Playing blank here. The one that has the uh, MSX type hardware Super on it, the Sprite. sound. and What's that? Super Sprite. Super Sprite. Thank you. I don't know why my brain was blanking out there. But yeah, I'm expecting that hopefully look before. <laughs> yeah, I might explain it. Yeah. But uh yeah, this this is a good show. We've actually covered this before. Um, and hopefully one of the people down there will be able to link up us again that weekend so we can get a bit of a live report from Dragon Meetup as well. One of these years, decades, I'm gonna make it to this one myself there, but that's uh has to be a bit more pre-planned, and I have to have enough money to fly to UK and back. I think the oh, here you are. is back. Oh, that's crazy. I don't know what's going on. Even the backup internet wouldn't pick it up. You're back now, though. That is weird. Looks like it. Hey, can anybody out in a viewership land hear us? <laughs> I'll still Done see us on Twitch. Breaker, breaker. Breaker <laughs> nation calling. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think it just had to do a reset or something. I don't know. Um, I got yeah. It looks like we got video back on Twitch anyway. That is weird. Even the backup internet wouldn't do it. Okay, I guess resume. Yeah, I'm just going to mention that some people might have to hit reload. I've got Zoom. Anyway, I haven't been to the Portland. Gaming Expo, but uh, Tim and AJ were there last year. 
Right. Yeah, because they're doing live gameplay streaming from there, if I remember. Yep. Just waiting to make sure the chat's actually seeing us here instead of just talking in the wind. People in chat, can you can you hear us and see us? Please respond in the chat if you can. We're live on YouTube. Kevin always says YouTube says stream ended two minutes ago. Yes, no, I'm you still may on Twitch. have to force refresh. Yeah, they'll have to refresh and get a new link for YouTube. Probably for uh, no, actually, I think Facebook is also continuing along. So. I'm assuming the uh, the chat stuff's still going out to all three streaming platforms, right? For the mm. most part, it looks yeah, like. I'm, for yeah, for what it's here. worth, the the link to restream is didn't pick back up. It's remained broken, so I don't know if that affects chat anywhere or anything. Hey, I see I a, what happened here. Mark, locally, you sent a message us. on Facebook. I seen that showing up in the chat. Yeah, it says we removed it. <laughs> Facebook said it removed it because uh, why'd this happen? Looks like you tried to get likes, follows, or shares, or video views in a misleading way. <laughs> Connecting is misleading. Interesting. The word test yeah. is now no longer allowed to be used. Thank you, Internet Overlord Robot. Yes. <laughs> Oh well. Yeah, it I don't know what though. happened. You got lost both Facebook Cox and Verizon at the same time. Well, I think we are on here. But so far, I haven't seen a response from anybody in the chat besides Mark. I found a new YouTube link, and I've got uh, Tom Eric Anderson, Sixy. TJB Chris, William Athing, fairly amused. Okay, so they're all responding so they can see us? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Let me continue on. Oh, yeah, Buck Owens just said Twitch is good. Okay, good. (laughs) I wasn't seeing any responses at all there, except that, you know, the, the stream had shut down two minutes ago, so I thought everything was dead. Okay, well, uh, we finished covering the shows that are coming up over, you know, through basically mid-October. And before I get into the proper news here, I thought we'd talk about uh, the passing of, of Brian Joyce. So there's a couple parts. This one is, uh, you know, big thank you for everything he's contributed. Uh, he was very active in Cocoa Beauty. He was active in Cocoa Talk in the early days. He used to do a lot of stuff for us. He actually did those clip videos, the best ofs too, didn't he? Yeah, the DVD co- collections. He did the yeah. compilations. Yeah, so he actually did a lot of work behind the scenes. Yeah, he wasn't too much in front of the camera type thing. Uh, he also hosts Nick's, you know, game websites where you go order all the stuff so Nick can get Ferraris. Um, <laughs> but it was, it was it was rather a shock and sudden. I I had no idea anything was wrong, or I don't even know if that is what happened. We have no idea what what caused it. But basically, yeah, we just suddenly got noticed this past week that he passed away. So uh, first of all, big tribute to him. Um, I should mention there is actually going to be an online service for him. I think somebody posted on Facebook. Let's see if I can find that. Link. Yeah, I reposted it. It's next uh, it's at 1.30 p.m. Uh, probably in Canberra. Yeah, by the way, our chat to YouTube may be broke. 
Yeah, I think they're all broke. Uh, well, I'm showing it. Facebook to Twitch seems to work, but everything else is broken. Right. Well, and like the link to Restream Studio is broken. So there's a bunch of stuff that didn't come back. Yes. I don't know how you would reset that. I'm only seeing a two out of three. Anyway, continue on. Okay. Our apologies. The internet broke and, and uh, only partially recovered. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, hang on. It's I got red again. Jesus. It's the day for technical difficulties. Mm -hmm. I don't know what's going on. Uh, still streaming on Twitch, it looks like. Yeah. Okay. I'm not uh, seeing any stuttering YouTube. on the scroll bar either. YouTube also We've got this uh, current image up. So. I mean, it's okay. It's back to green again. I mean, there is some tolerance there, but it just before it took too long. And that's why we dropped. Anyway, continue on while it's still going. Okay. So anyway, what I'm showing here is from Facebook, especially for you people that are not on Facebook. Um, basically, basically, you know, forever love of die, father, six, son, brother, uncle, friend, and pa to many. Join us to celebrate Brian's life at the Outdoor Chapel of Norwood Park Crematorium at 65 Sanford Street, Mitchell. This is in Australia. On Wednesday, 20th September, 2023, commencing at 1.30. And we'll be live streamed. Um, if anybody uh, is not on Facebook and wants to attend the live stream, let one of us know, and we'll uh, post the direct link. What's for the that on translation and time zones? Yeah, I'm not even sure what time zone that's in. To be honest, <laughs> it's Canberra. It's one thirty p.m. I would estimate that would be around about the ten o'clock the day before. So, in in U.S. time, so Tuesday, well, Eastern time because U.S. has multiple time zones. Oh, does it? Yeah. So yeah, central central US. <laughs> it's seven. Like how disappointed you sounded there. <laughs> oh, does it? <laughs> I think Australia has multiple guys. time zones too, but none of them count except for the East Coast. So, no I, I thought there was only one America. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, we're all neighbors too. <laughs> That's right. Anyway, it's it, it's a loss for the community, and I, I don't want to dwell on that too much. He's done so many good things for us, and like I said, a lot of it was behind the scenes, so it wasn't obvious. You guys saw the results, but you wouldn't have seen, you know, him, you know, trying to take credit for it or whatever else. So he did a lot of background videos for us in the Coco Talk days, uh, hosting Nick's site right up to you know now it still is. Um, but I wanted to kind of segue that into like we've been talking about, you know what to do with Coco collections, et cetera, when somebody passes away and we should be talking about, you know, doing wills, but this kind of brought up, like he helps co-host uh, Nick's site. And there's uh, several people in the co community. I used to be co-hosted with STG net by Scott Gapentrog, for example. So what happens when in this particular case, Brian is the one that registered Nick .com and hosted it on his site. So technically Brian is the owner of Nick's site. Yeah, and he'd be the contact person for it. So, what happens first of all when this happens? When the person that owns the site passes away, but the person they're hosting on behalf of is still around and wants to continue the site on, like, how do you even arrange that? That'd be one thing. And two, you know, make a backup plan. Like, what happens if this type of thing happens for any sites you're hosting? Now, Mark, you were doing some research on this for your seminar in Coco Festo. You didn't get a chance to do it. 
Um, has this been something you've done some research on specifically or? Uh, a little bit back months ago. I haven't done much on it in the past few months, but yeah, it's this exact reason because, you know, where is this, uh, you know, what happens to all of Brian's stuff and, and everybody is dependent upon him. What happens to their stuff? So it's one of my concerns about having some sort of succession plan. So. Right. And in this case here, I don't think this would be covered by a will. This would be something you'd have to arrange with whoever you're getting hosted with, right? Yeah. My my previous employer had this problem a couple of times where if the owner disappears for whatever reason, when it expires, it expires and anyone else can recognize, can register that name. So there will be some point where Nick's domain expires and he'll be able to register it. Just anyone could, but who's going to want Nick Marinti's except someone named Nick Marinti's. Yeah. Who, who wants so, that name? So that, that that's probably your best is to get the expiry date and just be ready to register it. How would you be able to find you, that out? You can also, uh, who is you can camp on yeah, the who is where yeah. you can look up any domain registry and see what the expiry can, date and the contact person. You can also work okay. with the registrar. And since you can prove that the domain is a personal domain to your name, you will be able to work with them to get it transferred to the control of someone else. There's humans there. They, they'll need to. They'll need confirmation, like a death certificate and things like that. But there, you you can get domains transferred directly through the registrar in cases like this. So, it's it doesn't happen often, but they do have a way. Okay, and how do you contact uh, the registrar? Is that local to each country, or is that some it's universal body, or what? Registrar. It depends. I mean, it depends on which register. It could be anywhere, actually. All right. Your who is will tell you who it's registered under, right? And you just work from there. Yeah, and they have contact information typically for whoever that registrar is. Okay. But yeah, this this is an angle. Like I, I, we'd all talked about, you know, last year even about, you know, if you have a big collection of stuff, like most of the time, your family doesn't want to keep all that crap, um, unless you're lucky and you have a really enthusiastic son who's going to help sell everything that you do, <laughs> like we had on earlier. Um, kudos to Charlie. Um, but you know, most of the time, you know, the spouses or the kids usually aren't that interested in the retro stuff. So, you know, having a will set up that you're donating to a club or you give it to somebody else nearby you that's still interested in it, they get it or whatever, rather than getting all hucked in the garbage or a goodwill or something where it might just disappear. We've talked about that, but having something like this with the electronic trail of your existence type thing, and especially when you're linked with other people, that is something we've not really discussed before. So I, that's one of the reasons I wanted to bring it up. And it no. does sound like... Some sites have succession plans in them. Like, for example, your Facebook account, you can designate who can take over control of that Facebook account after you're gone. So, yeah, I think that's actually what happened in Brian's case because these posts are done under his account about the funeral. And yeah. obviously, he didn't do that himself. Yeah. So, I mean, some sites will do that and, you know, go ahead and set those up if you haven't. You know, you have to talk to each of the sites where you have things like Amazon holds digital um, artifacts that you've purchased the the license to and things like that. 
game licenses that you have stored online, those kinds of sites that have those kinds of um, digital artifacts, some of them do have succession planning and you can set that up right up front. And if okay. not, write them a letter and ask. Yeah. Well, the thing. So. I just looked up mine on that who is and nicholasmarentes.com uh it says your domain is available <laughs> 24.95 for first year see that's different because no, no. buck owens just posted he that's he looked ridiculous. it up and it says registration expiration date 2024 january 22nd and that gives the time yeah you got a scammer nick no, what he <laughs> saw, what he, what he <laughs> saw was Nicholas Marentes, not Nick Marentes dot com. Ah, okay. oh, ah, yeah. yeah. So Nick yeah, forgot his own website. That's cool. That's the issue. Grab the other one for twelve bucks. You got a backup. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Is it? So it looks like you're good till January twenty second. Was prepaid for that. Right. But that's only oh, just, six months away. I would like yeah, to just extend the same one. Yeah, figure it out while you got time. Exactly. So I would have to um, say buy that domain and then find another person to host it. Correct. Correct. Is that right? Right. Right. You can work it under any host. Yeah. I mean, some of some yeah. of the uh, places where you get domain names actually have space they can give you, like you know, hover.com or something like that. You can probably yeah. even set up yourself if you wanted yeah. to. Do you have the original source for your pages and stuff, or was that done by somebody else? I've got I've got all the 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 source for the pages. Yeah, yeah, because you can even host it yourself. Just register on Hover or what's that one that the race car driver promotes, GoDaddy or something like that. Depending on what I don't know what's local to Australia, but well, no, yeah, it doesn't have to be in Australia. It could be anywhere in the world. Well, true. Well, now the squatters know expiration date. Mm. Sorry, I didn't hear either one that was talking there. <laughs> GoDaddy's here in Arizona. Um, Paul, when he passed two years ago on the 15th of September, um, you know, we were friends. And uh, beforehand, he made sure that um, I would get the stuff that he had. Um, some of it, though, or majority of it, I had given him because he had, you know, lost his stuff a while back or gave it away. But... Um, so in his case, you know, I have his stuff, but um, not everybody lives close to another person, you know? No, like I don't. Uh, uh, the nearest one I've got is Bill, and he's, you know, 100 kilometers away. Is um, he older than you? Yeah, he's older than me. So I'm like, if, if, if once I get my wheel done, I'm probably going to will it to Glenside and I'll have to leave a contact, you know, a website or something so they get a hold of whoever's running Glenside at whatever time that is. And, you know, just say, you know, take take out of my uh, savings or whatever's left there. You pay for the shipping even to get it across or something, if, you, if that can be arranged or something along that line. They'll well, probably play this video back. <laughs> does, does Glenside have like a retrieval fund or is anyone thinking about something like that? So it. I, want to I don't know. I think stuff, all of our, our official Glenside people have left the call, so <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I guess it's a little late to ask that, isn't it? Mark, but you're yeah, probably the only one here that might have any direct uh, contact there, but everybody else, like Brian and Terry, have left the call already, so. Because, I mean, I've got stuff I'd give away, but I don't have family or anyone to handle it for me. I would have to pretty much just say, you know, y'all can have it if you want it. Um, 
in some manner. So anyway. could you just mention my name right now? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know which one of the U2 is older than the other here. I'm not sure which way they were. <laughs> right, right. We might be fighting each other for who gets what. <laughs> Hey, Nick, uh, Mike, Mark Siegel said, just leave yeah. us $50,000 to Coco Nation, you know, and we, we can do that, and then we'll take uh, over your site. Oh, he'll take care of it for you. He'll yeah. pay for it in Ferraris, I heard. Right. I'll have to sell all my Ferraris. <laughs> Actually, I would I would like to see the Coco Nation because it's an entity, uh, independent, you know, LLC, do that do sort of stuff. Yeah. Basically take over and host. I mean, we could use a little bit of that money we get every month from the Patreons and whoever wants to donate to set up hosting space and take over people's sites. When we go over to Nick Marenti's house to uh, divvy up his stuff, you're going to see that all his Ferraris are in pieces everywhere that he got, you know, front fenders, (laughs) seats. Parting them out for a higher, making a higher amount of time. You got to look under under the bed. Yeah. Yeah, there's the secret. It's an old shoebox. <laughs> so I'm looking at that GoDaddy site. I did uh, nickmorentes.com. It says domain taken, but then it says um, broker service fee $108. Add to cart. Does that mean I can buy it back or buy it to myself? It's not expired yet. There are 100,000 people on the internet that will take a lot of extra money to do things that you can do very cheaply. Right. Uh, so don't don't take anybody's advice on the internet. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, you can but wait, you can, wait. You're you can, on the internet right now. But yeah, you can go true. directly, you can go directly to GoDaddy or any other registrar and buy the thing yourself for 20 bucks or you can pay someone 100 bucks to do it for you. It's it's a really well, scammy system out yeah, there. Yeah, I was going to say, like, Hover.com, I don't get charged anywhere near that to have my site registered. Not even close. And make sure you, you uh, talk to them and tell them it's not um, marionettes. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. It, it does suggest, I mean, nickmorentes.com, that's a U.S. one. It does say an alternative is nickmorentes.com.au. And that mm-hmm. one's twenty one ninety five a year per year. Yeah. So maybe so I should just open you, up you a can new do one. that. The one thing I'll warn you about is that when you change your domain address like that, especially if the old one still exists, then you're going to have a lot of people losing your site because the bookmarks all have to be changed, and people who don't listen well, to the show regularly won't have a clue well, this has happened. No, they, they do plus, that for you. Plus, you own the .dot com, and that is valuable. The yeah. .dot com yeah. is more valuable than any .dot anything else. Yeah, like .ca, nobody remembers uh, that. They they will forward it for a price. <laughs> Only if you have control over the right. You have one. to own the .com before you can do any kind of fancy forwarding or anything. Yeah, so. talk to your current hosting, whoever's taking that over for Brian. Talk to them first. Don't do anything else until you know what their plan is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't know who it is. Uh, who, who it does? It does wife. The one, that that wife. the one that seems to be posting is his wife, or it says fiance, but I think they're married. Worth asking, right? I, and you got six months, so somebody's watching right. this show and knows the answer and is yelling at the screen, right? <laughs> <laughs> they right. can post in the comments if they want. <laughs> All right, but yeah, that's that's something I think we, any of us that have domains and stuff, uh, as well as equipment and whatever else, uh, that is something we should definitely think about. Is 
yeah. setting up some way for it to transfer nice and smoothly, either mm-hmm. like a domain or you know your equipment or whatever. Unless you have somebody locally you already have in mind, you can just you know kind of arrange that locally and just put it in your will type thing. But for people that have to ship stuff like Rick or myself, it's not going to stay here. It's going to have to get donated. Maybe I'll donate it all to Nick. Fill up his house. <laughs> yeah. All you got to do is ship it to Australia. Here we go. <laughs> they have to get rid of all those Ferraris. You know that, collect. <laughs> you know that Coco kid with the batteries? He would take it. Some of it. Uh-huh. I, there's some of my software stuff I don't think he'd care. Like color profile, I'm pretty sure he's not too interested in. So anyway, it's definitely something to think about. And I, Mark, we should definitely make sure you do get your seminar ready for next year because this is something I think that yes. does need to be discussed, especially with the age we're yes. all getting to. Yep, I know. That's why I was kind of on my radar. At the moment, it's been the checklist. Back, yep, and contacts and a list of things you need to know. Yeah, and we so, should have official representation from Coconocean and or Glenside. So if people want to donate collections to them because they'll know who they can either use it as auction pieces or they can have somebody that joins a club that you were you were talking about having these little drawing prizes that Brian was talking about. Right, these are from the last meeting, you know, that you could actually have to encourage young people to join. Well, maybe a reward is that somebody does pass away and they have a couple of cocos, they can actually just get one for free from the club just to get them into the, into the fold type thing. Like, that's not a bad idea either. I'd rather give my stuff right. to free if somebody's going to use it than to get it thrown out in a, a bin on a, you know, a corner for a garage sale or something. Exactly. So, yeah, I think that's something we should have. Uh, it doesn't matter to me if it's Coco Nation or if it's Glenside. Glenside obviously has been around a lot longer and has, I think, um, a bit more used to this kind of stuff, handling auctions and things that they might be a better fit for it. But if they don't want to or can't for whatever reason, then definitely we can do it ourselves. I'm going to start a company. It's like the car warranty people for Cocos, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and hound you. Have you made plans yet for your cocoa collection? Come and see me. Well, I think the cocoa crew had a kind of a spoof ad on that at one point too, didn't they? The word being serious about it in this case. But I think they had a spoof ad about that, you know, rescuing cocos from the garbage heaps and goodwills and whatever else. Anyway, uh it's a it's a it's a loss to the cocoa community. He like I said, he contributed a lot and uh Is there a picture a bit- of him? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, there were. I've never seen the picture. That's him um, right there. That's him right there. Hmm. Yep. Yeah. yeah, when he was he, on he the show, out. his camera he was always out. laptop low, so it, he looked like super huge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. If you scroll down and look at the pictures of him, there's one of him wearing a I'm a coconut t shirt. Just in his general stuff here? Uh, yeah, recent photos probably. Around the left. No. Recent photos would be. Yeah, recent photos. Click on that and then find photos of him. No. This is all it's showing me. Oh, it's just, okay. just click on one. Somewhere. Yeah, the, oh, the right. top middle. No. <laughs> <laughs> hey, That's all I got. True. I think you have to be friends with him yeah. to see all of this stuff. This is just his public oh, post. Like, mm, that could be. Oh. Yeah, so that's the only picture I really have of him. But uh, yeah, he's quite young. He's he's younger than me. So fifty-one, it said. Really, fifty-one? Gee, yeah, that's my brother's age when he passed. 
That's far too young. Yeah, yeah far too young. Anyway, I don't want to dwell on it too much because I'll just get depressed, but uh, definitely some yeah. food for thought. Now that note, let's switch over to something a bit more positive. The news. <laughs> <laughs> we'll miss you, Brian. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, at this point, maybe him and Paul are uh, working on a new Coco mod. Yeah, could be. As long as they don't die and try to help them solder, it should be good. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Oops, I scared the whole screen. I didn't want to do that. Actually, if you go, uh, I just went to his Facebook page. There's more pictures of him there if you want to show that. If you're friends with him, yeah. I, I never officially became friends oh. with the Facebook, so I can't see them. I can't show them. Oh, okay. Um, I'm not, yeah, or maybe I'm, I must have at some point. <laughs> well, you're fellow Aussie, so I figured you guys be friends. There's only like 50 people that live there, right? <laughs> Yeah, he, he's just over one of my fences. <laughs> That's what we get in Canada all the time from you, you, you Americans. Mm. Yeah, and yes, TGB Chris, I have a ton of desktop icons. I actually continue on to my second monitor because I just haven't had time to clean them up lately. <laughs> <laughs> that was a dark a secret. Monitor. I was hoping to hide until I died, but unfortunately, I accidentally released it. Oops. Curtis, <laughs> the first step is admitting you have a problem. It's not a problem. It's just uh no a desktop like that, that's a problem. Nah. It's, it's second desktop. Google Maps to find all your actual desktop icons. <laughs> it's 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 uh desktop icon inception is what it is. Actually, it's usually because I just download stuff and I have a default to desktop because usually I download stuff just to temporarily look at it to check something out when I'm doing research and stuff. So I just keep forgetting to delete them. I just gotta go through and you know the ones that I've already processed and done, I just gotta kill them off. But I had rush season at work here, so I haven't done any of that in the last month and a half. Anyhow, enough about my desktop. And you should live stream that so we can all make snarky comments. <laughs> <laughs> it's like some people with tabs, like Deke. He says he usually has 120 tabs open in his browser at all times because he wants to refer to stuff. That just is, is insane, as insane as, as this is to me. All right, end of the news. So first up, Ron Klein posted some more updates for the those people that have the Cocoa Pie, uh, namely some MC Basic and TASM 6801 updates. Um, so those are from uh, Greg Dion, who does the uh, Basic Compiler for the MC10. So actually, this covers that because the MC Basic Compiler is one of the things updated. The other is the assembler that it uses. Uh, so any of you that are have a Cocoa Pie and are working with any of the basic compiler stuff like Jim Gary's been doing recently, there's updates to that. You can go grab them. And there's a, a way of doing it that's kind of automated within the Cocoa Pie, too. I don't have one, so I can't tell you what it is. I just know it's there. You run update. Yeah, there you go. Sounds simple enough. If you can find the update icon on my desktop. No, I'm just kidding. <clears throat> Uh, next up, uh, we were talking about this earlier with Ron, because uh, he actually made a Cocoa versions of the Vintage Geek logo. So uh, they've actually done two videos, one uh, basically last weekend, another one that just came out this morning, actually. So um, this is part of Septandy. So Aaron that. is working. Sorry. Look at that thing right there in the middle. Yep. The Network that 2 controller. Awesome. No. So basically, <laughs> go ahead. 
It's a TDP 100 is what he's saying. <laughs> that too. No, the network controller, man. Look at that. Yep. Yeah, I got one. So as we talked last week, TGB Chris, who's actually in our chat right now, he was attempting to do a Cocoa Network 2 controller too, and he could not get it to work. And Aaron had the same problem. They basically, between the two of them, they kind of talked to each other in chats and stuff. But basically, they figured out that basically the only the Cocoa 1 is capable of working with a network two, and it might have to do. We talked about this last week with Rick and a few others that uh, it might be the audio levels aren't good enough, or there's something else different between the circuitry. Because Coco twos and threes will not work with a network two, only Coco ones or a TDP, which is basically a Coco one F board, um, work. So he basically ran it together and and managed to get uh, the TDP and the Coco one talking to each other. So he's he wasn't able to demonstrate a wide system like you would normally have used back in the day, just as the host and one client. Um, so this one here is doubling down with a network two controller, and it's kind of the part one one where he kind of goes through it, explains you know how it works, basically what it was used for, how you send programs using C save and C load, where the the clients, the students would type in C load, and as soon as they type C load, the motor relay clicks on that lights up one of the lights on the network two to tell you which people on the network have actually done the C load command or are waiting for files. So if you had like say five students nodes one through five, you'd have to wait for all five of those lights to come on. So every student has typed in C load. And then you type C save from the host computer and all five of them get the same program at the same time downloaded across. That's basically how it works. So he kind of goes through the history and doing that. And then he did a follow-up video this morning um, where he actually goes through doing some proper, you know, like, you know, math programs and stuff. So I'm going to play a little bit of the second one. Because the technical details, you can watch the first video. It's it's fairly lengthy and goes into a lot of detail. This is just to basically show you what it's like using it on the Coco. And TGB Chris, if you want to see the equivalent done with Model 3s and Model 4s, he's got his own videos there as well. And I think he's done a follow-up video too, if I remember. So anyway, I'll play at the beginning of this one. Just can kind of get an idea of the flavor of it. And you can watch the full one on your own. I'm also going to bring in a special guest for this so that we have someone to be our student, quote-unquote, for our experiment today as we test out the Network 2 controller and a real classroom environment. What have I got to lose? Just a reminder, if you like vintage technology, vintage computers, especially Tandy, be sure to like and subscribe. It's going to help us a lot as we grow, and I encourage you to become a Vintage Geek member. You can do that at our website at VintageGeek.com. To help demonstrate the Network 2 controller and its functionality, I brought in a special guest, Sally McCracken, who is our collections manager here at Vintage Geek. Glad to have you here today, Sally. Glad to be here. I know that uh, you had a lot of involvement in setting up kind of our color computer lab here in the museum, so it'll be kind of nice to see this uh, actually get a little bit of use as it was intended. Oh yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to be the first student. I also understand that you found in our archive collection that the network controller was mentioned in one of the comic books. I did. I actually found that it was mentioned in two of our Tandy comic books, our Superman comic book and our Say No to Drugs comic book. Well, there's no better way to say no to drugs than to use a color computer, so. Absolutely. <laughs> the whiz kids really had it right, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to start with a basic program here. Apparently, you can actually do assembly language programs with the Network 2, but I'm going to start with just a basic program just to make it a little bit easier. Okay. And this one is going to be math flashcards, which I know is one of your favorite subjects, yeah. so. <laughs> really looking forward to doing math. <laughs> so I'm going to go ahead and get this set up. If you would uh, type in C-load on your workstation, and hit enter. And now the controller is in its load mode, so I should be able to save directly to your machine. I'm just gonna call this math. 
and looks like it there found it, it. it may take a couple of minutes and then to once the uh, motor relay clicks <laughs> off the equivalent of motor <laughs> off command and the light the goes Model off one, so the teacher knows that the countdown timer <laughs> the load time which would have been really handy would have been a lot of math true <laughs> Yeah, we've got okay. our okay. Yeah, so we're we're ready to try this out. Now, if you go ahead and type in run, I'm going to do the same. All right. Looks like we're both running the program. That's great. Now, are you going to go with multiplication or division? Ooh, I'll go with multiplication. All right, I'll do the same. We'll try to try to stay in the same same area. Oh, did not know this game had sound. Oh goodness. <laughs> I wasn't responding to my keystrokes there for a minute. Embarrassing. <laughs> oh, no. At any rate, uh, that kind of shows you what it is. They actually play some actual games that they download, like they did a blackjack game and stuff. And then we find out that she's never played blackjack in her life and had no idea how to play it at the beginning. So, um, But yeah, I could definitely see this would have been quite quite convenient for teachers because if you had 16 students all with Cocos and you can send the same program to all of them in one shot rather than having to run around or pay for you know legal copies for 16 different computers type thing. This would have saved a lot of money and time. Um, so actually, I, I've never seen one of these in real life before, except at auctions. I've never seen one running before, for sure. Uh, I think the first time I ever saw even attempting to run one in real life was when Ken and I went down and visited the Vintage Geek Museum just after Coco Fest. So it's it's really cool to see this. And uh, TGB Chris, now I, I'm wondering, is there anything for the people that have these, like Aaron or or TGB Chris here, is there anything they should be looking for so we can figure out a way to get this to work with a Coco Two or Three? Any suggestions from the hardware gurus? We'd have to be sniffing the signals with like an oscilloscope to see what the level differences are. Right, right, because it's. It's all in the cassette sure. interface. So, but I mean, it's got to be to do with what can the salt chip deliver versus what does the Coco one, which doesn't have a salt chip, does right? And is the board any different, any better? And and could, for example, could could Pedro do a modification to his uh, pepper board, which replaces the salt, that would make, make it compatible, it, or a yeah. switch that would make it compatible, or something like maybe that's an option. But, you know, if you have one piece of software and you load it on multiple machines, is that not piracy? Depends. Uh, no, because you're not saving it. You're not saving it there. It's it's ephemeral. Yeah, but you're yeah. allowing it to run. I don't think Tandy's going to come after you, though. No. Yeah, but is it illegal for me to take a VHS tape of a movie I have and go to a friend's house and watch it on his? Because that's basically what you're doing. No, but that's taking the original copy. Yeah, well, the original copy is in the classroom. Yeah, you know, it's in the same room, sure. What if the cable... I mean, short? what would prevent you from just loading it on each student station walking computer to computer then if they all have cassettes? Right. That's same not piracy. Is, is it? Well, piracy to me means you're keeping it, isn't it? No, the, the actual act is distribution, but <clears throat> the point of the device is also possibly granting you a license. You'd have to look at the manual. Oh, right. Um, it depends on the terms. Uh, you know, because the, yeah, because it was it was specifically for educational stuff, uh, among other things. How many people you know, were arrested using the machine? <laughs> Probably none. <laughs> well, what I'm curious That'll... about is, could the difference between the Coco 1 cassette and the Coco 2 and 3 cassette be the that that affects the network controller be the same thing that's keeping the SVI CAS um, virtual tape drive from working on the Coco 2 and 3. So on the Discord, 
uh, in the cassette channel, people have been talking about this this add-on that they can get from a guy named Duncan in Australia that is a really cool little tape emulator computer that seems to only work on one kind of cocoa, but not the others. And I'm wondering if because if it's the same signal difference that's affecting the network controller mm. as affects the SBI CAS. So that'll be something we can uh, we can look at as well. If we could figure out one, it might fix the other one. Exactly. I mean, potentially it could be speed, but I'm thinking it's more level control. Right. It, it gets into that whole digital computers are really analog devices pretending to be digital. And this is yeah. even more so than that because it really is an analog signal from a digital. And yeah, you've got impedance and all kinds of things going on. So, hmm. Brain exploded. Anyway, that's that. That'd be a cool thing to fix because it would be nice if we could figure out a fix for it. Whether it's like a new pepper board or something like that that uh, would allow it to work. Because then a lot of these people that are trying to demo these on a wider range, like the old classrooms of the ore, would have been, you know, like like Vintage uh, Geek Museum has, you know, a ton of Coco twos and threes around, but they can't demonstrate it on the network two because they just don't work. So if there's some way to do a little upgrade and, and get it to work on that. They could actually do the wide ranging classroom with multiple rows of cocos. And like a, he said, they have these set up to be interactive for people visiting the museum. You get to try it out. You could become part of that class and, and give it a shot. And it'd be really nice if you could actually, you know, use the twos and threes because there's more of those than the ones. Like did Tandy have a network controller for the two or three? Like a later version? Uh, not that I'm aware of. Um now, TJB Chris, who knows a lot more about these than I, he was in the chat. So if he knows if there's another one, he could he can mention it for sure. I'll keep an eye out. Okay. So I've been Retro Journal released his uh, Septandi video. And he published a short that we covered last week, uh, but this is the full one. So showing a Coco 2 that he inherited from his wife's family. It doesn't quite fire properly. Uh, looks like possibly the RAM is bad. Uh, I won't play the whole video here. You can go through it as he's kind of like going through and checking certain things like reseeding chips, etc. Uh, so I imagine there's going to be a follow-up once he figures out exactly what's wrong with it. That's on YouTube. Uh, Yark, which is Todd Horsch, uh, yet another retro channel, um, has put up part two and part three of his Coco 2 restoration and upgrades, uh, which is a series of stuff he's doing on a Coco 2. Uh, so the first one, he upgraded the CPU to a 639, upgraded the RAM from 16 to 64K, and then testing them uh, with a new video board for doing, I think it was composite. And then part three is the cleaning and retrobiting part, which, you know, for some people is controversial. Uh, so it's kind of a, like a good little how-to. I'll just, you know, show a few snippets here. So he's adding in, you know, video driver boards and all kinds of stuff here. Um, there's a lot of wires and it probably involves soldering, so I kind of skimmed over it. <laughs> Is anyone else hearing Curtis kind of break up a bit? Um, I didn't, but maybe. No, uh, it's just it you. Sounded, it sounded fine here. Okay. So anyway, that's the part two. That's the, doing the hardware upgrades. And then the other one is the retrobiting. Now, I'm, just as a quick thing, because I know there's been some controversy. Some people say retrobiting isn't really a solution because it basically fades after a while. Other people say it damages the plastic, and other people think it works great. What's the opinion of people on the panel here? Uh, retrobiting a good thing, bad thing? 
it, personal choice. What do you think? Good yeah. thing. Done it. It stayed. <clears throat> In my personal opinion, I don't do it because I consider that as part of the uh, machine's character. The patina. Yeah, it's patina, man. Call it patina <laughs> or whatever you want, but I consider it part of the machine's character. So you don't like Terry Steggy's black machine then? Oh, no, I'm fine with that. I mean, if you want, mm-hmm. I mean, when you get right down to it, it's your machine. You can do with it as you please. Yes. But I'm saying on my own hardware that it's, I don't do it. Yeah, I don't, I don't bother myself. For me, it's not so much the character, it's I'm lazy. Um, <laughs> and the case doesn't affect the performance, so I don't really care. Like if the computer <sighs> runs, it, you could put it in a paper bag. I don't care. I, yeah, it's, as long as it works. A, Exactly. That's that's. I'm more, yeah, I'm more concerned about the machine working than looking pretty. I mean, it's right. it's gonna look good no matter what because it's a good looking computer. If it's not a good looking computer, then nothing you do is gonna make it look good. Insert comedy or joke here. No, I'm just kidding. Paint um, is kind of final when you put the the paint on it. It's that color. Yeah. Uh, to me personally, it's basically it's personal preference because everybody has a different view on it. Some people want to make it look as pristine because it's a collectible. Other people like me want to just use it. There's people in between who just want to make it look better than you know you know, pulling it out of a barn after 20 years. So mm-hmm. whatever you're comfortable with, do it. I mean, that, there's no wrong way, a right way to do it mm-hmm. as long as you don't damage the machine to the point where you can't use it. There's no wrong way to cocoa. Yeah. Now we'll give you an update. TJ Chris mentioned Network Three. Hardware, the original ads did promise Cocoa support and also promised support for the Model 1 and the 2, but none of that ever materialized. After the Network 3 was released, it appeared to have only been working on the Model 3 and the Model 4s. So it looks like they were planning, and that's a serial-based one, too. That doesn't use cassette at all. So it looks like they were planning on doing something. But if it's serial-based, I don't know if it would, they were planning on having it require the R232 pack or if it would have worked on the Bitbanger or, or what they would have uh. planned, but sounds like it never got to that stage. It was promised, but they never completed. This would be a good time to talk to some of those people at Tandy Assembly, like some of the actual guys that worked at Tandy back then to see what really happened behind the scenes. I mean, is that what the deload command was for? Could be, because, I mean, that's off a serial port. Exactly. But But there's no D-save. You need special software to send it. Yeah, that would have been the host huh. computer, which they could have done on a three four, and it would have fed out the cocoa. Program. Oh, to all the cocos, and they just deloaded it. Yeah. And I'm yeah, trying to so remember. Was, remember D- D- was in the extended basic ROM, not the color basic ROM, right? I seem to recall in the in the class setup, the teacher would have you do a three four to dispense the lessons with a hard, you know, with a hard drive setup, and it would just spit the uh, software out. Yeah, I mean, if you want to see how the Network 3 ran on the Model 3 and 4, definitely watch TGB Chris's video because he he covers that extensively and has multiple machines hooked up to it to show you exactly how it works. And it was surprising how much of a bigger piece of equipment the Network 3 was than the Network 2. Like, it's huge. Well, it's got to fit uh, 16 DB25 serial ports in the back. That takes right. a fair bit of space. <laughs> Which brings us to, holy KVM, Batman. Can you imagine? I need 16 serial cables or 16 cassette cables that are 20 foot long to hook or this longer. thing up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there'd be a pretty good commission on that sale for the Radio Shack guy. Yes, sir. Now, that, that, um, before that we... stuff was handled through the uh, computer centers, not the, not the individual stores. Okay. 
Makes sense. Now, the screenshot freeze I've got here, and I'll actually play it a little bit here. I wanted to ask the opinion of the hardware gurus here. How good of an idea is this? Because this is something else that might be a bit controversial. And that's washing your circuit board in a sink with water and soap. Where I that's work, fine. we actually have a dishwasher that they run the boards through. Right. Honestly. Yeah, honestly. But you don't use dish soap, though. That's my issue. Yeah, as long as you uh, completely dry it off immediately afterwards, it's not that big of an issue. I mean, quite honestly, I would recommend using uh, either deionized or distilled water. Distilled water. Right. I mean, the, the totally professional way to do it is an ultrasonic cleaner, but it's mainly water and little branson in there or something. Yeah. It's, it's pretty much the same thing. Yeah, in an ultrasonic cleaner, though, you use deionized or distilled water. Right, nice water. Yeah. And you don't use dish soap with yeah. emollients for your skin and things like that. <laughs> in yeah. the past, I've used just regular water to get stuff. Like I had some motherboards that had gotten to rodent droppings on them. So I had soaked it in regular water and agitated a bunch, and then I rinsed it with distilled water. So I left it with, you know. All right, the stream is turning red again. Uh but yeah, tell what's going on. What's the uh, episode? Hang on, it just it just came back to green. Uh, <laughs> we're at three thirty. Okay, let's see here. Yep, there we are. Yeah, I just got the stream back in Twitch. Okay, so episode three thirty, part three. I don't know what's going YouTube on. YouTube is still today. buffering. Yeah, so I think it's just it just started a whole new event now. Yeah, probably. <coughs> Next thing you'll know, it'll be 11.30 tonight. Back <laughs> on YouTube, Dave and Chen and Siri. One Sorry. last story. Yeah, for whatever reason, the backup internet is not picking up the restream, but it's allowing me to work, stay on Zoom. All right. Okay. Well, uh, Dave, Dave, uh, six or nine is, is saying it's back on YouTube. I've seen it back on or on uh, Twitch. Twitch. Yeah. So and just say the word. I just have to hit the start button. I, I'm going to go plow through the rest of the news stories here fairly quick here, just in case this happens again. Mm -hmm. Okay. So everybody basically agrees that it's okay to wash a circuit board, but you should not use dish soap. You should make sure it dries afterwards, and you probably should use ionized or distilled water. Correct. Yeah, right. non scented, non uh, good for your hands soap is is best. Right. So borax. No, I'm just kidding. Yes. <laughs> A forty mule team. <laughs> that it? That'll take all those <laughs> stupid bodge wires off for you. There. Yeah. Just tie it, tie it, secure it in the dishwasher. Don't put any soap and it'll rinse just away. Rinse the heck out of it. Eh? Yep. Actually, yep. people do do that. So. Yeah. yeah actually, I, uh, he I said, take a garden do. hose myself, but. He, he yeah, said do do. If you put it in the dish in the dish uh, washer, um, I would also recommend using uh, the uh, drying agents because hmm. they remove the residue from the soap and such, and they don't have, leave any residue of their own, and they help dry the water. Like JetX, sweet, yeah, yeah, the jet dry. Yep. Yeah, you, yeah, you don't, don't want, want spots on your sense. cocoa, right? Well, you don't because well, you don't. minerals are caused minerals. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we don't want minerals left. Yeah, minerals are bad. Uh, Adrian Black often washes his boards in under a sink. Yeah, yeah, and no problems. There's no residue. The thing is, you can do it in the sink. You just have to do it the right way. And the biggest thing is yeah. make, 
make sure that if you're not using deionized or distilled water to make sure you get all the water off of it. Yeah. Anyway, continue on before it goes off. The internet goes off again. So uh, Coco Town actually did three updates. Now he's been doing a series here for Septandy where he's trying to, I don't know if he's trying to fully resurrect the game and finish it, or if he's just kind of going through all of his old notes and code that he found that he wrote as a teenager in his first attempt at doing a semi-language game based on Moon Patrol. So uh, this week he put in parts three, four, and five. So here's a little clip of part three, screen scrolling and the main loop. And I'll just let him run the little demo and talk about it for a little bit to give you an idea. All right. Now we can see some scrolling. I'm going to point out a couple things. Uh, one of the things that I was really insistent on was doing that kind of motion parallax thing where you have stuff that's closer to you moving faster than stuff that's further away, like the real moon patrol did. So the ground moves a little bit faster. Uh, the real moon patrol has your wheels bouncing up and down as the terrain under the wheels like gets has hills and valleys. That seemed too hard for me. So I just added these little reflector effect things to the wheels to make it look like they're turning. But not everything is uh, all, all awesome here. Uh, so first of all, I was, I was insistent also to have just a green background behind the car so that when the car had to move, I didn't have to do anything hard. Um, you see tearing, folks? Uh, it looks like there's some tearing to me. Like these mountains, it looks like there's a bit of a, a jitter or a shudder as they go across. And when you look at the vertical lines on the bottom, it seems like there's always more than one in each spot. It looks like there's two or three. Anyway, I'll let you uh, watch the rest of the video to get the uh, rest on that. But this one basically covers in how he did the screen scrolling and stuff. And he actually goes through the assembly code. Then on uh, part four, joystick control. Uh, so this is where he's actually reading the joysticks for jumping and moving, and he's also handling the fire buttons. So I'll play a clip of that. So today we're looking at the car and the joystick control over the car. So the first thing it can do is jump. So joystick up and it jumps like that. I'm pretty sure the timing, that's not going to be very playable. I don't think that timing is quite right. Notice how the reflectors stop when it's in the middle of a jump. Um, maybe it was too much of a pain to actually figure out where the deflector reflectors go when it's up in the air or moving around. I'm not. I mean, personally, I think it looks better when they stop when you're up in the air. Yeah, I would not feature. change that. <laughs> I would leave that exactly as it is. Because that's easier to and keep track of. Many limitations in this game. And even with those limitations, I never quite finished it to a point where it was playable. But let's take a look at the coat. So that's where he's showing that you do one shot in each direction up and to the right. And he also showed a little bit of moving left and right, too. So, And then he goes an explanation of how his code worked there. And then the last part he published in uh, this week, anyway, is uh, dealing with enemies. I've wired up my old code that controls the enemy, so we're going to watch that in action, and then we can talk about how I made that work. So as soon as I start, you're going to see the enemy start here on the right side. It's going to slide in here, and then it's going to like jiggle wildly over the car. 
The enemy doesn't shoot anything, and it is so huge, it's very hard to miss it. Even though it is uh, jiggling wildly, I'm going to try to miss it. I'm going to see if I can miss it. Oh yeah, I was managed to miss it. Actually, that should be the game, not not shooting the enemy. <laughs> now I'll, there we go. So everything slows down while we make a blow up, and and there we go. We're back, and and that's it. That's the enemy. Uh, so let's talk about this marvel of engineering. So starting in this main loop that you've seen a few times. I love his sense of humor during all of his videos. It's great. But yeah, it's it's kind of fun because we used to have Nick used to blog, you know, progress and sometimes specific routines on some of the games that he's done. But he's been, you know, so busy raking in Ferrari money, hasn't had a chance to do that in those latest games, <laughs> um, except Pong, apparently. Um, but it's kind of nice seeing this, you know, behind the scenes of how I do it. And he admits up front, this isn't the most optimizing. You know, he wrote this 35 years ago when he was a teenager. So and he never did complete the game. So he, you know, you know certain insurmountable things he couldn't figure out at the time. But uh for people, you know, beginning assembly language, this is kind of like from a beginner's perspective. Uh, you know, not total beginner, but he's he was learning it as he went and and learning how to design a game in assembly language as he went. So I'm really looking forward to the remainder of this, and I'm really curious if he's actually planning on trying to finish the whole thing off. You know, from what he's learned since, I hope he does because actually the game doesn't look that bad to be honest. Looks pretty like a pretty decent rendition of a uh, Moon Patrol. Um, speaking of sprites on the Coco Three, uh, Mr. Dave did some. Uh, couple of videos here that he did some routines of uh, software sprites on the Coco. This particular one here is showing larger ones, 64 by 98, 16 color sprites. And this is 6809, no 639, no overclocking, no nothing else, just plain old animation here. And the Coco's not playing that music in the background on its own, should mention. But it's a, it's a pretty decent size sprite, and you're getting some pretty decent speed. Uh, his sprite routine has the option of actually just you know putting it over top of a straight you know background and overdrawing it, or actually masking it on. Masking will slow it down a little bit. Um, and he's in fact planning on doing a video showing the masking as it's you know sprites travel over top of the background without destroying it. And then he did another follow up here. Well, uh, okay, so on the Discord this week with all these quote sprite unquote things. Mm -hmm. um, Turned down to a little bit of a kerfluffle because the Coco doesn't do sprites. And it doesn't do hardware sprites, yes. Well, no, it just doesn't do sprites. But we came up with a new piece of jargon. Um, Mark Siegel came up with this, and I, and I really like it. And I would hope that it catches on. That Instead of sprites, which were originally a TI thing, and that's probably why Mr. Dave likes them so much, um, Mark suggested pixies because they're pixels that are being blasted onto the screen memory. And I don't know, I kind of like that because I don't think anyone else has used it for purely software driven screen updates. So, anyway. yeah, but there's kind of there's past precedent because I mean, if you talk to Spectrum people and a bunch of the others that also had bitmap graphics, they all call it software sprites. Like that, that horse is. Come wrong. out of the barn 30 years ago and it's gone. Sorry. Well, here's the thing. This is the cocoa, and we can be different. <laughs> so, and we usually are. And so, yeah. So anyway, I'm going to throw that out there. Um, I, I like it. I'm going to adopt it personally. I don't think we should have sprites <laughs> on the cocoa unless you have a super sprite board. 
and then that is uh completely accurate oh then or i'll call it player Dave, missile graphics <laughs> well that's on the ataris or movable object blocks on the commodore with the vic um you know yeah everybody had their own jargon at the time but the amiga really, had uh the Amiga ha- actually Bobs. had real sprites, but it also had Bob's glitter yep. objects. Which is kind of more like what this is, but yeah, not not exactly. Uh, so anyway, uh, on the Discord, if you want a, a <laughs> kind of a bit of fun, um, the whole discussion is laid out in there about what exactly is and isn't sprites and if you want a complete techno bill argument on things there is one there it is a lot of fun to watch so pixies everybody update your notebook i'm still sticking with sprites sprites. yeah i'm I'm sticking with software sprites it's because if i'm trying to talk to people on other platforms especially if you're helping convert between platforms they won't have a clue what you're talking about but I have no problem. Well, you call them pixies, call them all platform, that all you want. You mean Mark. <laughs> if they're using other platforms, this is part of the opening the door to getting them onto a real platform. <laughs> yeah. They have to convert their software sprites to pixies, is what you're saying. Even though it's exactly the same thing. No, they just have to convert the documentation. <laughs> the, the, the software is probably already fine. Yeah. No, actually, I was following a bit of that discussion there too, and I, it's it's basically semantics and basically it know, what everybody's personal preferences. So I, I don't have a problem with it being called anything. It's just basically does my character move across the screen smoothly and doesn't destroy what's under the screen, so I can actually have it pass in front of tiles or whatever. So, and is it using hardware or software to do it? Because on the Coco, the Coco and, and Mark's point, there's a lot of interesting history that he brought up about why he kind of objected to the use of the word Sprite with the cocoa because of the amount of stuff that he and others took while they were at Tandy from other computers about not having a hardware Sprite capability. So that that's part of the history that's wrapped up in this. Yeah. That, that part I understand because the hardware Sprites on all the other machines, whether you call them player missiles or other, were restrictive. You had to have certain sizes. You can only have certain combinations or amounts of colors. Like there wasn't anything generic. With a bitmap, you can generically, you know, I want 16 color sprite. I want 10 color sprite. I want it this size. And, you know, you can do whatever the heck you want because it's under software control. Whereas the hardware sprites, you know, you've got 16 by 16 and 8 by 8 and 24 by 24, and that's it. Or you can only use four colors out of 16 on the screen or whatever. So that that part I fully understand uh, why they want to make the difference there. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, lots of fun. Sorry, uh, in this case, cool. oh, sorry, what was that? Mr. Dave's code is cool. If yeah. you uh, if you program in basic, this is this is actually very useful. Give it a look. Yeah, because he's got a semi language routines to do this. You can call from basic, so you can actually do this in a basic program. Mm. And he's going to be uploading a disk of all these extra sprites he's had. Like this is kind of a bomber man, I think, or something. Mega Man yeah. and or Mega uh, Man, sorry. Yeah, it, the disc Man, is yeah. up on the Discord already. Oh, he did put the disc image with the source and everything. Yep, it's up there. Okay, several, cool. Several different versions. Cool. I did. I didn't get a chance to check that. I'm a little bit behind. My Coco has uh, does sprites. Yeah, I think you were one of the people up testing, weren't you? No, look, look at my screen. I can barely see it here. What? 
Oh, Sprite. <laughs> Kansas Sprite. <laughs> Next up, I won't play too much of these here because I don't know the show to go on too long, especially with all the technical difficulties had and, and VCF already happened. Um, but basically, we've had a couple. I mean, lots of people that attended VCF Midwest have been putting up videos kind of summarizing things, you know, from their own points of view. So you get Apple-centric ones, C64-centric ones, et cetera. Or just generic, you know, hardware people, software people. But we had a couple here in the Coke community. So one was from Ken. And he goes through a little bit about his booth and some stuff that he saw, uh, his impressions about the show. Go catch on Canadian Retro Things. And then uh, Jason also did his. Uh, his Fairly Amused channel on YouTube. And um, actually catches a bit of Taylor and Amy and Jerry Ellsworth and a bunch of other uh, people singing and stuff there that Ken missed the round on his so I'm assuming there will be a video coming out from the Taylor and Amy show with some of that, you know, because we can get the full full song here because they only got a few seconds here from Jason. But that was pretty cool to see that, too. But it looks like it was a great show. Tons of people, tons of stuff happening, some big names there, uh, standing room only, basically, even in the parking lot. <laughs> so um, and they're definitely going to a bigger venue next year. So I have one year I'll make it to this one, too. There's so many shows I got to get to. Yeah, in that overhang there, there was yeah. five to seven uh, vendors. And then if you go straight out to the left, there was another. That was the parking lot with all those there was another, selling out of your cars, right? Yeah, there was another 10 to 12 in the parking lot. Yeah, it was nuts. Uh, this is an upcoming thing. So uh, Justin D. Morgan, who normally is kind of an Apple guy, isn't he? Sloopy? PC. PC? Okay. He's, he's uh, mainly PC, but secondary uh, Apple Macintosh. Yeah, so he does a lot of these repair, you know, getting a system up and running. And he actually bought a Cocoa at VCF East, I believe it was, this past year. Cocoa 2 with a speed sound pack. Yep. And uh, this planned one, which is happening on the 19th at 6 p.m. Central Time, he's going to be doing, uh, or trying to accomplish two things. One, he's going to upgrade the CPU to 6309. And this is part of his Septanity contribution. And the other thing is he's got the yellow bar thing, which is usually the 555 timer chip starts producing a yellow bar on the left side of the screen. Uh, he's going to try to fix that as well. So um, that, that'll be live one. He's very interactive with the chat. I think even more so than we are most of the time mm -hmm. um, to the point where he gets distracted with what he's doing because he's busy talking, <laughs> talking with the chat room. Um, but if you if you want to actually like join in the fun type thing, I'm going to see if I can hit on, on there too and maybe suggest a couple of six or nine you know game upgrades I've done for Cocoa Two games that he can try out to see the difference between the two CPUs. Yeah, so he, look forward to that. Yeah, he has a uh, Cocoa SDC, so yeah, as long as he's gotten it recently enough that he's got most of the six or nine stuff, he's got an old copy. He might not have them. Uh, <clears throat> it's. Uh, about a year old, I guess, a year and a half. Yeah, so you might be missing a few of my latest ones, but you should have a few of them on there. Oh, he doesn't have any of your latest ones because he got it from me. Oh, so he doesn't have like you know color car action, marble maze, none of that stuff. <laughs> no, I I think the uh, the sixty three or nine color car action is on there. Okay, uh, at least you have something to compare with, right? Yeah. All right, next up, <clears throat> and this was in the uh, sixty eight forty seven. Uh, Facebook group, which of course is the VDG chips chip number. And the guy named Antonino Porcino is working on adding 6847 modes to what he calls Dithertron, which is an online app. 
And basically what it does is it converts images like modern full color stuff and tries to convert it down to a bunch of 8-bit computer formats from C64s, uh, some 16-bits too, like Atari STs. Uh, there's no Cocoa stuff in there now, but he's been working on the 6847, which will cover the Cocoa 1, the Cocoa 2, the VZ300, the uh, uh, Cocoa 3 if you're running you know, uh, P-Modes up to P-Mode 3, P-Mode 4 type thing, and tries to dither and do the most accurate Thing. So you can see in the sample picture here, there's a, you know, a 24-bit color Maryland row. And this is cranked down to a 6847, a 128 by 64 four-color mode. And actually, it did a pretty decent job. Now, obviously, with four colors from millions, you're not going to get perfect results. Um, but I've actually I went over and tried it on his actual site here. So this is the site you go to, and you get the link in the show notes on Discord after the show here. Or you can get it now if you want. It's already there. Uh, but you can actually upload your own image you want to convert. You don't have to use. He has an example when you get to the web page, which is this. I think it's a Picasso or something. I'm not sure who, what painting this is. But basically, you can upload your own. And then you go to this drop-down menu, and you say, what format would you like to convert it to? And there's a whole bunch from PC, EGA, and CGA, Game Boy Classic, Amiga, uh, Commander X16, Atari ST, Amstrad, Spectrums, Bally Astrocades, Atari VCS. Uh, well, there's no Cocoa stuff here yet. I this, noticed this, there was a CompuColor. Is that a six eight four seven? Uh, where's the go color? down? There was a copy color there, and I thought that's down the bottom there. Ooh, uh, one sixty by one ninety two eight color. I doubt it. <laughs> ah, okay. I thought that was a yeah. Anyway, and you can slide like the image so that it fits, you know, to what you're trying to extract because obviously the resolution is much lower on the destination machine. But it really does try to do his best. So if I take C64 multi, mm. which is 160 by 216 color, four colors per four by eight block. And actually, it does some shimmering here. So I'm not so sure if it's redrawing or what it's doing there. Uh, but you can switch it to say C64 high res, 320 by 216 color, two color per block. So you get this really blocky looking, almost looks like a spectrum mm. map. Uh, Apple II high res, which is artifacted to crazy. So. You know, 140 by 192, six color. So that's half of the normal res. So it's actually using artifacting specifically to try to, you know, it's kind of like using P14 artifacting. We kind of lose the resolution. So yeah. once he gets the uh, VDG stuff supported there, I actually, and a few others have suggested you should try the 60, um, uh, the Cocoa 3 16 color modes and 64 color palette. He's already got EGA. So EGA is basically the exact same color palette as Cocoa. You get 64 colors to choose from, two bits for each of RGB. And you can do 320 by 200, but it also has a 640 by 350. You can do a really extended. But to give you an idea what it would probably look like, uh, I not which mode it is. Yeah, the here. That's basically what the Kogel 3 output would look like, which actually is pretty close to the original. Um, Does he have the Tandy, uh, Tandy graphics? The Tandy 16 color, you mean? Tandy mode? Uh, I don't think he does yet. Which would be the PC Junior graphics as well. Right. Um, do you have PC Junior? It'd be nice if he alphabetized that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think well, he's just yeah. adding them as he gets them done. Honestly. I do not see one. Nah. Tari ST, which is the same res as us, just has a deeper color palette to choose from, but it's the same color as Promote. That's doing Probably three bits for RGB, well. so this is... This is like the original uh, Coco VGA's palette, basically, except to higher res. 
But yeah, the, I mean, he's making this, this is a free online program. So if he doesn't get the other ones added, if you want to create assets based on you know images that you've made in a modern program with higher color, you can actually dither it down to Cocoa level just using this for free online tool, which is kind of cool. So let's see what Rondo Vote does with this. Yeah. <laughs> there Don't you bother go. me. I'm playing it now. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we figured you'd be playing with it. Yeah. But you know what? I think the high color does a better job. Well, maybe you can talk to this guy and see about getting that added to the Dithertron as well. <clears throat> there you go. Yeah. Yeah. So here's Amiga Low Res, which is 32 out of 4,096 colors, which is looking pretty pretty good. And then they actually support the Amiga um, ham mode, which seems to smooth it out a fair bit. Still not quite perfect, but but yeah, he's, he's got quite a few in here. Um, he's working on VDG support right now. Like you saw the sample, it's not enabled on the public one yet because he's still testing it and trying to get it to work. Uh, teletext, awesome. <clears throat> What's a Williams Arcade? Woohoo! <laughs> oh, Williams, Williams Arcade, arcade is that actually the arcade machines from Williams? The yeah. palette they used or something? Yeah, they had an eight bit color palette to choose from, sixteen colors at once, which is why they translate fairly well with uh, ah, Helix right, ports. Yeah. And you can do black and white. You want to do a Mac? You know, like five, twelve, three, forty-two, two color. Now this, I think, is re. I think this scaled at this point here a little bit. It doesn't quite fit in this box, so it's it's kind of messing the, together. Uh, you can change yeah. the um, diffusion as well, the ordering or whatever it's oh, called. Yeah. There. Nice well, there's features. a lot of options. You can you can do contrast, brightness, and color saturation, diffusion, order. You what kind of you know diffusion do you want? Uh, yeah, yeah, it's not bad. It's a nice little interface, and I think this would be very useful for retro programmers to get you know create something with a modern tool get it looking pretty good and then you'll know, see how well you can approximate it down to some of these older machines and some of them go like really low res there's some really primitive stuff in here try the like, apple that, high res well, i did i showed that one earlier that was the uh orange artifact and that's one, a, but go ahead and that's an online tool only is it yeah well that's the whole point you just upload your picture here you just drag it into the or browse and select it drag it in here and you just do it you don't need the software in your machine Automatically gets updated anytime he adds stuff, so you can just come back and check it. But here's like a Fairchild. Yeah, that might be useful. Yeah. Mm. Fairchild Final F. Like here's 102 by 58, four color. Yeesh. <laughs> <laughs> I so. like the etching, though. That was, that was for not being a grayscale, that was a really nice picture they got out of that. And yeah. you can shrink the box on the left, and that will change the scale of the. Uh, so you can, and you can move it around to whatever part of the image you want. So yeah, this is the outline of the girl in the dress here. So, yeah, it's a it's a pretty interesting. We've seen some things here that do like a specific format or two, but this is going to be a massively cross platform. Mm. Um, so if you ever want to be one of those people that writes cross platform games, like some graphical adventure game or something, and you want to make it for like fifteen different. Um, you know, old retro 8-bit machines with various color depths and various screen resolutions, kind of like they've been doing with the two engines um, that we've been covering, like the uh, Japanese uh, one that did Hopman, uh, blanking on the name of that one now. Inafuto. Thank you, Inafuto. And then the other one that Carlos does, um, he publishes on Facebook. He's got a cross-platform engine as well. So this, this would be a great tool for that, I think. Are you thinking of Crosslib, Fabian Caruso? 
Yeah, sorry. What did I say? <laughs> Carlos? Yeah, sorry. Yeah, that's who it meant. My, my apologies. Um, this one here I'll cover quickly. This is um, Dragon 32 Revision 2 Build Instructions. If you actually want to build one of the Dragon 32 reproduction motherboards, this contains stuff like parts lists, and the KiCad files Wait. and everything else and complete instructions of all of the stuff you need to first. build these. Sorry? It says soapy water is the first step. And then alcohol. <laughs> build build order. Or is it scroll, scroll back up to top top? I'm at. Okay, preparation. Clean motherboard, soapy water first. And then dry and then wipe down that's purple alcohol. And, then drink the alcohol. Then drink the alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> Tying into our previous conversation. It yeah, be <laughs> some good uh, spiced rum. <laughs> but we've been we've been covering the reproduction boards because Kieran did one for the Dragon sixty four, and I think it's is it Julian Brown's doing the Dragon thirty two one, and he's been we've been kind of covering his updates that as he's been right. getting it working. And uh, this is the complete instructions, basically how to put it together all the parts list, all the capacitors, resistors, chips. Everything you need, sockets, and complete instructions on how to build the whole thing and where everything goes type thing. So if anybody wants to do that as a kit style type thing and, and tackle that, I sure as heck wouldn't because it requires soldering. But uh, there you go. You can go hit that up on his uh, GitHub. We should have a new section in Discord, speed build. See who can build <laughs> it fast. I would call that wrecked computer boards, but anyway. Yeah, I know. That's where the alcohol comes in afterwards. Right? <laughs> what have I done? <laughs> yeah, I need a drink. I, I might as well start drinking now because that'd be right off the bat yeah. for me. <laughs> and then the final one here that I'm going to cover is uh, one that is a little bit different uh, from a website, or sorry, a YouTube channel called uh, Arkansas Picker. And it's a guy that uh, does, you know, grad sales, thrift sales, that kind of stuff. And, uh, he does all kinds of stuff. Now, he actually has a bit of a retro computer background. He actually helped organize a central Arkansas retro computer slash game console show just a couple of weeks ago, I think it was. I'm trying to name of the town. It's a two-word town, and it's in Little central Rock. Arkansas. Sorry? Little Rock? No, not Little Rock. It's smaller than that. Uh, it's 39,000 people or something. And it's southwest of Little Rock, I think. West, can't remember. I, I should have saved that link. Oh, um, yeah. So at any rate, uh, he went and found uh, a rare console, as he calls it. <laughs> so I, 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 I commented on this video, but I thought I'd play this here because uh, if you want to get a good deal on hardware, this was a pretty good deal he got. Thought about it. I talked to the board game. Oh, nice ah. console. Bust there, a whole bunch yeah, of cartridges. Good really cleaning good. supplies. Manuals, yeah. joysticks. How much got on this? What is it? Oh, <laughs> what is am I going to have internet uh, problems now? <laughs> <laughs> we'll never know. Look I like gave you this box. <laughs> Let me take it off your hands for $5. Uh, is that what it is? Yeah. Okay, just go ask Ronnie. He'll tell you. Oh, who's oh, Ronnie? He's extremely cheap. Are you Ronnie? I'm Ronnie. I was told to ask you about this right here. Oh my goodness gracious. 
Gonna put it back in the garage. You tell me what she thinks there. Five bucks. Oh my, I was right. That's not a bad deal for five bucks. You heard me. That is a hell of a score. So there, uh, Brian Weezer's off the call, so hopefully he doesn't watch this part so the rest of us can finally get some cheap hardware. <laughs> and uh, basically, I think uh, we have to go to Arkansas after Cocoa Fest here and pick up some cheap Cocoa stuff. Mm-hmm. Apparently, it's really, really affordable down there. Maybe you can get a Cocoa 3 for 10 Anyway, that's wow. that's the show for for today. Wow. Oh, or you could just go to VCF Midwest and get a Cocoa 2 for free. With cartridges and manuals? No. And joysticks? Just the unit itself. Uh, someone I know picked it up from the free pile, and they were cleaning it up, and he goes, yeah. I was like, oh, did you just get that? And he goes, yeah. He goes, someone just put it on the free pile, so I grabbed it because he was across from the free pile. And he goes, yeah, I figured I'd know someone who wanted it. And I just put my hands out. And I was like, I want those. <laughs> and he goes, well, I like cleaning them. So let me uh, finish cleaning it up and I'll bring it over to your uh, to your uh, table. Because uh, it was evidently in a uh, barn or something. <clears throat> yeah. So anyway, I thought that was kind of cute because it was it was a like, I do a search on YouTube each week for. uh you know, coca related type stuff there. And uh, that popped up and I'm going, Arkansas pickers, why the heck did it pick this? And mm-hmm. the, the screenshot still that it shows showed that Atari joystick sticking out. I'm going, well, that's an Atari 2600 console. Right. So what, what am I looking at here? And then I watched it. And no, actually, that just happened to be in the same box as all the coca stuff. So I, it could be that the guy had an Atari VCS as well at some time. It's not in that box. Or it could be that the person made an adapter like a lot of us did back in the day to play oh, with yeah. an Atari joystick. So maybe that's actually a Cocoa-wise Atari joystick. I don't know. Zebra but five bucks for like five or six carts with manuals plus the Cocoa plus Black Beauty joysticks plus an Atari joystick, not a bad deal at all. Mm-hmm. All right. I think because of the technical difficulties and how long this show has lasted, I think we should end it here before it blows Wait, up again. I got, I got Leo to come on. Uh, actually, it's being stable now, but I want to run a test before we actually go off the air. Go ahead, okay. get Leo. <laughs> I've tried, actually. I actually invited him on. Yep. Yeah. Oh, I thought you said you had Leo. No. All right. Just Let's... just as effigy. Okay. And what's her name? Remember? I don't remember uh, hers. I don't either. It's been so long. All right, let me run the outro. This concludes another episode of The Coco Nation, the world's leading live interactive talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer. For all things The Coco Nation, visit us on the web at thecoconation.com. We'd love to hear from you. Send feedback, suggestions, even segments via email to show at thecoconation.com. Coco Nation show would not exist without the community and its cast and crew. The Coco Nation theme song copyright.